This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm on a pilgrimage to be Terence. <laughs> uh, my name is Jonathan Weixel. I publish under J. Manfred Weixel. Uh, you probably know me. Uh, uh, typing in the name of this book, Downward to the Earth by jo- uh, Jonathan Silverberg. No, Robert Silverberg. Um, <laughs> when I type in downward, it goes downward dog, which is a sad story. Down, um, downward dog is a yoga pose. I know. That's the sad story. Um Downward to the earth. So it's some biblical quote, right? I don't know. Human souls go up and animals go downward to the earth. Uh, I don't, I'm not super familiar with that part of the Bible. Um, what I can tell you is I am pretty familiar with Silverberg. I haven't read, it uh, sounds like as much as Jonathan because he's read some books I haven't, but I read Night Wings. I read, uh, four or five other novels. Um, lots of short stories, but he also wrote probably 200 short stories. I'm not sure. He wrote a ton of short stories. Um, and some novelettes and novellas. Uh, and I, I'm sensing a, a, a pattern. Um, <laughs> the Book of Skulls is the one I thought most about reading this as novel length. You guys all mm-hmm. read that? Yeah, we did yes. a show on it. Yeah, you and I did. Um, and, uh, did Wayne June. That? Yeah. Oh yeah, Wayne. Yeah. I haven't read that much Silverberg. I've no? read this one twice. I've read Up the Line and I've read Thorns. Uh, so that's three. Okay. Um, we did uh, Dying Inside last year or the year before, um, and that was really good. Um, but I was. Uh, what about you, Terrence? How many Silverbergs you read? Uh some short stories that are really uh, great, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, Dying Inside, I've mm-hmm. read a, a few times. I, I was thinking of that while I was reading this. It has it came similar out tones, two, yeah. Two years after. This was in 1970. Dying Inside was 1972, I, I think. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this was first published serially in Galaxy, uh, starting in 69, and uh, then came out in 70 as a paperback or hardcover. Um, there's a Another story that is super similar, uh, awesomely similar. It's called Sundance, um, by Silverberg. And it's. Is that where he goes and dances with the aliens and, uh, he yes. just doesn't know yeah. if, um, uh, he understands them or not. Yes. And, uh, he yes. may be yes. having <laughs> a mental breakdown. He might be, yes. uh, uh, I mean, it, it's very similar, but, um, Main character name there, I want to say, is Tom Two Ribbons. It might be something else, Two Ribbons. Um, he's a native of Earth, as in he's a First Nations of some kind, probably Plains or something from the United States. And he's uh, working a job to co- help colonize or set up the colonization of a planet. Um, and he's, like, exterminating some pest on the planet that may be sentient. And uh, he's having some crisis of conscience about that. And also crisis of maybe he's going insane and maybe. And I believe at the end, something like he he turns on the humans. I can't remember. But I remember it being excellent. <laughs> yes. Um, and, 
And then the the other theme that I kept thinking of, other than yeah, this is um, Colonel Kurtz and all that stuff, is um, you know how some science fiction writers they have like a favorite writer they always turn to, or a set of writers they always turn to. Like mm-hmm. Lovecraft mm-hmm. has Poe, right? He has a bunch of other people too, but he, he loves Dunsany and he loves Poe um, and sort of models. So Silverberg's is uh, Joseph Conrad. And I'm basing that on just two things. <laughs> One, this, this, which I just read for the first time this week. And the other is a story called The Secret Sharer. Are you guys read oh, that yeah, one? Oh, yeah. I was hoping, yes. I was hoping to bring up that one. Yes. Yeah. Which is, um, also the name of a, uh, it's the exact same title as, uh, uh, Conrad's story. Um, but it's science fictional. Um, Conrad is not really science fictional. At least that's what Silverberg says, and I'm, I, I might like to fight him, but he's he's rather elderly now, so <laughs> maybe I <laughs> no 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 fight no fighting. Have you ever actually met him? Yes, I have. I met him at uh, the only Worldcon I ever went to, and I I said to him, uh, "Hey, I have uh, your record uh, where you read from Dying Inside," and he says, "Me too. I have a whole basement full." <laughs> 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 and we had a good laugh about that. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. Did anybody read the comic book besides me? Uh, I, I read it. You did? No, I, I didn't no. read the comic book. It's, it's really good. It's, it's very French. Um, it's a little bit different from the book, I think, in ways that may be necessary. But uh, one of the guys looks like Silverberg. I think that it's the Kurtz character, which is funny because... Um, uh, he was he he was aware of the adaptation. I guess he got licensed or whatever. Um, so uh, I I'm just thinking like when he's reading it, he's why did they make me that guy? Except really he's all of them, right? But the guy yeah, the totally. the uh, he's got like he looks almost whoever did the art. Uh, Philippe Thoreau is the artist. Or uh, Laura Zuckery. They're very French. Whoever they are, they uh, they. Um, they made him look just like Silverberg, younger than he is now, but the same beard, the same hair, the same face. Um, he looks a little taller, but I think everybody is taller in this. <laughs> um, and uh, I thought that was a fun choice, but he's also a lot of the characters. I, I don't know. They messed around with the plot a little bit. I think probably because it, it is so internal. It's such a novel. But, Such a novel, novel, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to like, uh, yeah, you know, Harry Potter, which is yeah, this, you know, this, this, not this would in be a very difficult head. movie to film because it is so much in his head and his perceptions and his thoughts about his guilt. And it's like dying. Past. Try and make a dying inside movie. Good, um, good luck. I, I think dying inside would be even harder. Than yes, this one, uh, this one will show landscapes. He's he travels up into the. Uh, up into the cloud forest. Cloud, for- cloud forests are very interesting ecological. But getting in, but getting into his racist head and how he's yeah. unracisting is is very difficult. You have to do things that most filmmakers are uninterested in doing, which is like uh, voiceover narration, right? Nobody wants to do that anymore. I think it's a great technique and should be used more. Um, yes, is- look at Dune. Uh, the original Dune is so good because of that. Of course, that's that's the book. It's, that's right. Uh, inside the head and and um, uh, Villeneuve's uh, version that, is a, a that's pedagogical. Why, that's why uh, Jessica has to cry all the time because, <laughs> <laughs> even though she's a superwoman. Who that's right, the superwoman who must cry in every scene. Level. 
<laughs> because she we have to know her emotions, which are being upset all the time, but <laughs> also not showing them, except she does, because we can't have voiceover narration. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, it would be very difficult. So in this one, in the adaptation, they sort of combined the... Uh, Combined characters and made made a, a science team go and with more evil people. To yeah, make more well, drama. or the, are they more evil? Or are they just less uh, less ready more for the rebirth? Them. Yeah, more of them. Uh, Cena, um, for example, goes right through to the end. Yeah, in the comic. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it works pretty well, and it's a if you'd never read the the. Um, book i think you probably would like the comic more but i i, well, think... I read the comic first so oh I really did you it. okay yes. and then and then you read the book and uh liked it more i presume yes i liked the book uh, a lot more yeah i if, think uh, if i were going to adapt this into a movie mm-hmm. i think what i would say is you know each character in the book represents a different part of gunderman and um, his dialogues with those characters are kind of him struggling and arguing with parts of his his self, his internal self. Mm-hmm. And in the book, some of that is internalized and some of that is externalized with his uh, <clears throat> interactions with uh, the, the tour guide dude and right. with uh, Hertz and, and everybody else. And so if I were turning this into – if I were going to adapt this to a movie, I'd say, you know, we've got to externalize all – all of that and have that, you know, those interactions with those characters, but, you know, in the same way, like cut them down and kind of synthesize them into like the basic idea, because for uh, the purpose of a movie, a lot of these conversations go on a very long time. Um, but uh, you, you would just shorten that and, and just decide like which each character represented with mm-hmm. part of the I, uh, I I was mentioning to you guys I watched Avatar, which is a three uh, Avatar two movie, uh, and it's a three hour movie, which is long for movies, right? Only a guy who makes that money much money for Hollywood could get away with that, and make people sit through it. Um, and uh, I was struck, and I I I always think my unconscious is smarter than I am, <laughs> which is funnier. <laughs> to think about, but uh, my unconscious told me I should watch that movie. I also sent uh, um, Jonathan. I sent you a, a movie, one hour yes. movie, that's uh, on a similar theme, and it wasn't exactly like uh, I can take full credit because I think it's mostly my unconscious. But the the short film is called The Crunch. It's an uh, it's a film, a TV movie um, by Nigel Neal. Who the more you you find out Nigel Neal did something, the more you should realize that most of the good stuff out of the UK is just Nigel Neal because he's so good as a TV guy. Anyways, um, movie guy too, but mostly TV, TV guy. He, uh, in this one, in that one, um, it's about, there's a, uh, former Island colony, an Island nation colony of the UK. And it's, it, it's very short. It takes place in real time. So an hour, of the film is an hour of reality. And what happens is the, this former colony now has an embassy in London and the people don't like what the British did to them, uh, strip mining their country. They turned the tin 
that was the natural resource and used it uh, to fight their wars. And, and now they've abandoned the country and, you know, said, we're all friends now, aren't we? Well, the island nation of Makang uh, disagrees and they have a plan, which is they're going to, uh, they put a nuclear bomb in the basement of their embassy in London and say, now pay us back what you stole from us. And that's the premise of the of the movie. And we get a bunch of British actors playing a non-existent nation. So it's kind of like a science fiction, right? <laughs> because it's a non-real place. They have a culture. They have uh, resentment that resembles the resentment you would see out of African colonies or North American colonies or South American colonies or island colonies anywhere in the world. And then uh, the people have to, you know, come to some idea about what they're going to do. Are we going to pay this ransom? Or are we going to make you a loan? Is that acceptable? And uh, it plays out real time. It's very well done. Um, it's like uh, the mouse that roared. Yeah, it is. But this is not a comedy. This is um, <sighs> this is uh, very. But it only takes. It is literally an hour. It's not like an hour and five minutes. It is very fast. And uh, what I like is it drops you into it, so you don't know what. Like, there's a bicyclist going by on a street. There's lots of cars honking nearby, and like you don't know what's going on. And then you see this guy, and everybody's deferring to him. Oh, it turns out he's the prime minister. Okay, right. Um, but uh, it it takes place in a in a situation that's similar to what we have in this book. But then I uh, <laughs> yesterday I watched Avatar two which is a sequel to a movie about the colonization of a planet. Well, they're back for more. They want more resources. And the original movie, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, what did uh, Cameron, he, what is the thing they wanted to get? Unobtainium. Right? <laughs> well, well, I, I, but, but I always took, I think I mentioned this before the last time we talked about Avatar on the show, that I always thought that that wasn't the real name of the stuff, that the uh, corporate guy was just calling it that, Kind of as like a piss take, like yeah, it has a real name, but I'm just going to call it entertaining because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. Yeah, SOB. you did mention that, but I, I think I, 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 th- I, I, I like, I like my internal. Yeah, why? But, but I think it works as a, a Cameron. Cameron was a science fiction reader, right? He was a science fiction watcher, but he was more importantly a science fiction reader, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, I don't think he read this book necessarily. However. Um, the, in the sequel movie, um, they're not after unobtainium anymore. They're after, um, uh, they're moving off earth cause earth has been destroyed. So it's more, earth, earth's been destroyed. I don't know. It's environment is failing. It doesn't matter. The important part is <laughs> they're moving to this planet, right? And, uh, the atmosphere is not exactly right for them, blah, blah, blah. And the thing that's financing, it turns out financing the, the whole trip because we're, they're capitalists from earth, right? Is, uh, they have to do whaling and the, ex- the stuff extracted is not, um, sperm from the sperm whales. It's some stuff from their brain, very small amount that, uh, when you, when you uh, take it, it makes you immortal. So all the rich people on earth, it's $80 billion in this vial or something like that. They, so they're killing all these sentient whales and, Blah, blah, blah. The important part is the relationship between the aliens, uh, whatever the Navi, right? And the right, whales the is actually kind of similar to the relationship between the two alien species we have in this book. 
And I, I hadn't finished reading the book when I was watching the movie, but I kind of knew from the beginning that that's what was going to happen. And I think that just because probably I read Silverberg before. Did you guys know that? Like, did you know starting the reading the book that, oh, these two alien species, the, when they do a rebirth, they're going to switch? Cause I didn't know. I just it, assumed it, 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 and it, I turned it, it out to be right. Like, yeah. It felt very much like that's the way they were going to set up that they were part of the same life cycle. I mean, I've read enough science fiction and seen enough science fiction mm. stories over the years to know, to see that pattern and think like, yeah, I think they're interconnected somehow mm-hmm. and when it came out like yep that makes in that avatar makes they sense. literally link together like somebody's hair follicle or something goes onto the you know the flying thing that we're riding they they commune with each other like it's but, a but, but yeah but they're not same species that's just that's just a mental communication i here, i get here you we, here, I get we, you. here we get that transformation from one species to the other yeah no it's they're not all... an adaptation but it is it is informed by the same like let's do colonialism now let's see what happens when you pull back on colonialism and now for the premises of this movie uh the humans are back right and they even killed the guy they killed off in the first movie who is a great audiobook narrator uh uh lang stephen lang yeah um, he's back in a navi body right wait what yeah because they they downloaded his brain on earth and I, I loved him as a character and as an actor in the first movie. I mean, it was like, it's like he. I mean, he's the main antagonist. He's just so charismatic as that evil colonel. I'm. Yep. I'm glad to hear that. And he's, back he's a Colonel Kurtz, actor. right? He's a. He, he, yes, he is a, definitely a Colonel Kurtz because he's um, twisted and evil. <clears throat> What's that, like, Jonathan? Um, when I first read the book six years ago, mm-hmm. uh, the ending, I, I wasn't uh, – I didn't really see it coming. Oh, really? She's I kind of did, but maybe not really. But rereading it now, uh, just over the past week, it was foreshadowed pretty much from the beginning. Yeah, because um, they're, the they're beginning. quiet about things that they shouldn't be quiet about unless they're hiding something that – that I mean, it could have been a transformation that I can't imagine. But it turns out to be a transformation I can't imagine. Um, and, and the meat, uh, the whole meat eater versus, um, plant eater thing, right? Or the omnivore versus the, uh, plant eaters. And the peace, the, the, that's the other thing is they're very, um, peaceful, right? These aliens. Yeah, but, but they're peaceful, but they're not, they're peaceful, but not pacifists. And I appreciate how Silverberg delineated those two because lots of people kind of mix those categories up like oh peaceful but it means that we don't actually actually do any violence that's not that's that's not true and i like how Silverberg. but who's our nildoror or our our main elephant we're riding what's his name sandororor whatever his name it's from it's from it's from megalore something like that okay him (laughs) he um he has to get permission uh, from the human to kill the human. And then he takes it as an order, right? And he says, I'm doing this because you ordered me to do that, right? This is, um, actually another point in that Avatar 2 movie is the, the whales, they're not allowed to fight. They can't be violent. Um, so the, the human, uh, the Navi do the fighting for them. Um, and we have a character who broke that. Uh, we had one of the whale characters in the movie broke from, the pack and now has been isolated as a uh, bad whale. <laughs> bad whale. Um, yeah, he's been excluded from the group uh, because he did something he should have done, which is 
uh, be violent to another sentient being or something like that. Try and kill a sentient being. And then we're like, we, we warhawks here on earth who are watching the movie are like, yeah, get them. <laughs> get those bad humans. Um, and when one gets his arm thrown, uh, you know, cut off or whatever, we're like, yeah, get them. Because we, this book is not like, it's the opposite of, uh, you know, an action giant trucks blowing things up, machine guns and power armor movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a meditation on, on, uh, the African, uh, colonialism. And, um, I, I was reading, um, on that, uh, Humanoids. That's the name of the comic book company. I don't know how big it is in France, but (laughs) they did this book, uh, as the comic. And they, uh, they had an interview with Silverberg and he says, uh, oh yeah, I went to Africa in, or Kenya in 1968. And uh, I'd always liked um, Conrad. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, that explains it." But he, it, if you read "Dying Inside" and you read uh, the Book of Skulls, um, it, it seems to be his mode at this time, right? He's really into this stuff, which is kind of like Philip K. Dick drug trippy, but also um, transcendence. Transcendence. Basing, basing immortality on a, on an earlier writer, um, interior life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's, that seems to relationships be, uh, gone bad what, in the past. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the wreckage of relationships gone bad. Um, which makes me think now, I mean, one of the first books I read was magic Boy, and that's really different than a lot of his other stuff turned out to be in his OVR. So I almost got like, the wrong sense of what Silverberg mm-hmm. was because of my early readings. Like, like this is not like Magipore at all. Like, no. Yeah, no, Magipore for those for those listeners, and I don't know if the two of you have read Magipore. I, can't I don't think you have. I, I, I read. I read some. It's a big series, right? So it's it, 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 it's I, a is series. Nightwings in Magipore? I can't remember. What's that? Nightwings is that in Magipore's no, series? No, it's not. It's basically Large Planet. Um, there's some strange dream and psycho, psycho, um, psycho, um, uh, psychedelic stuff, but it's basically like a, it's a, it's a, it's a wandering across the planet, getting into adventure sort of book. I mean, there is, some, there is some weird stuff with the maze at the center and the main character, but it's very less interior, much more, um, let's have, let's have adventures as we uh, walk around the planet, which it's, a, it's much more Vancean than yes. anything else. Like, yes. And I think that's why I liked it so much. Cause like, Oh, this is just like dying earth and Jack Vance. Yay. Mm-hmm. But then when I started reading other Silverbergs, like, this is different. Yeah, no, it's good. But is this, is this, uh, am I wrong to think this is a new wave book? Cause it yeah. feels new. Oh, no, this is so new wave. Yeah. This is painfully new wave in some ways. What do you say, Jonathan? Dying uh, downward to the earth is definitely new wave. I I always claim I don't like new wave, but I like this book. <laughs> I, I think I, I like a, a lot of new wave. Um, what what new wave I think proves is you have all these people like on Twitter complaining about like navel gazing and how they don't like it. But I think that new wave fiction proves that navel gazing is good. Well, in this case, I don't know. I don't. I haven't read all the new wave, but um, he's he's good, right? He's this is a good book. It's meditative. 
Um, I, I could see it coming, um, but I didn't mind. Um, but I also think like Sundance blew me out of the water and it does the same job in, you know, <laughs> uh, 45 minutes, something like that, which is pretty impressive. Uh, that's why, you know, I love short stories so much, but this is a novel. It's ponderous. It's slow. Um, I like spending time with its ponderous slowness. I didn't like spending time with the people who are turned into a alien baby factory. That was disturbing. Um, if you like being disturbed, this book's got those things for you. I mean, what would the, that's not even in the adaptation, right, Terrence? Uh, no, they lift that out. And why? Because it's too disturbing? Because it's, I mean, they, they sort of amped up the sexuality and the nakedness and stuff. But that's mm-hmm. just a French thing, <laughs> French move to do, I think. Um, but they, they took away the, um, that scene, which is, uh, like I was trying to, str- I, I read Heart of Darkness a long time ago. Um, and I was trying to remember in my mind what scenes parallel what scenes. Because I was surprised that Kurtz is not at the end. He's in the middle. But in the comic, they switch it, I think. Um, there's, there's three, there was three guys at that, um, uh, <laughs> snake pumping station. Yes. Right. And, uh, and I was thinking, are those the three witches that we see early in the book? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> Cause there aren't three witches in this, right? Um, and that what they're doing is, uh, uh, horrible, but we don't know why. Other than they're doing drugs, which we think are dangerous. But um, what it turns out to be is what's horrible about it is they it's like they're uh, giving a- dr- drugs to animals, right? They're giving uh, hallucinogens to uh, horses or whatever. <laughs> well, they'll also get – because this, this drug is part of their transformation cycle and they're kind of giving it outside the context that's what, of that. That's the horror, right? Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's also cultural appropriation because they're kind of interfering with the with, species with, with, appropriation, right? Species, species appropriation. So, so, so yeah, it's it, 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 it's terrible behavior. Yeah. So, have you guys ever been to like a a native uh, secret ceremony? No, <laughs> no. I have. Um, and one of the things uh, I I was wondering, like, how did these taboos of each kind develop. So one of the things like that happens is, yeah, no photography, right? We keep this sacred. Um, this image of this thing shall not be shown outside. Like you could sneak a camera in there, but you shouldn't, right? Because it's wrong. Um, you're being invited into this, uh, ceremony because you're connected to the people, but you're not, uh, <laughs> if you want to break that, that'd be wrong. So, um, I think that the, the, the taboo, uh, is there in part because <laughs> we don't actually have the physical transformation generally, uh, in our world. So like if you take, uh, ayahuasca or something, which is, uh, South American, um, drug healing. to train. Yeah. yeah healing drug. Uh, it's usually like Sundance. It's hard to explain what the Sundance is other than it's a healing ceremony, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a, uh, uh, an activity done 
by people who know what they are doing because their ancestors have been doing this for a long time. And then the older people have had experience with it and they talk about doing it and this will solve some community problems. It'll bring people together in a way, blah, blah, blah. But it isn't, you know, scientifically proven in the way that uh, our scientist character in the comic adaptation uh, or even some of the ones in the back back flashes with the insects and stuff. Right. Um, it's, it's, and it's kind of the opposite of one of the things I maybe disliked about the avatar movie to uh, sequel mm-hmm. is that it, it makes it so everybody's friends, right? <laughs> in this book, we've got some of the alien life forms are not your friend. Right. They'll eat you. And in the comic, they, they did that sort of as well, but in a different way. Like one of the Nildurar get, uh, eaten by some moss or something. And I think that that's, uh, interesting. But in Avatar, right? You can commune with everything with just using your ponytail. Um, even like the fish that, you, you know, they kill to eat because they're meat eaters. Um, yeah, you don't commune with them, but you can commune with your horse. Your sky horse, your ocean seahorse, your whale friend. You can commune with everything. And that's just not very realistic in that when you go out in the woods and you think, you know, everything's fine. I'm communing with nature and just lie down on the ground. There could be a fucking cougar behind that tree here. They'll, they'll fucking eat you. The bear will not be, uh, just the, taking the, it lying the bear, down. The bear is not going to uh, meditate with you. Yeah, the coyotes, you know, they'll get in a group and they'll take your kid if you're if you're not careful. And that's just sort of the fake part of of what's going on in the uh, quasi cultural appropriation that we see in Avatar. Like, there's a when we meet the sea peoples, they do the uh, the tongue thing from um, Maori. <laughs> uh, stick the tongue out as far as you can to it's and then the sky uh, the tree people they they bare their teeth and hiss <laughs> right right and so that stuff it's all fine because it's science fiction in here it seems to be the opposite uh it's saying like we are uh going on a spiritual journey all of us you guys got souls those guys got souls we got souls let's go on this trip uh we can't talk about it Till we get to the ceremony, but you're going to respect our cultural practices. It's, it's a lot more like, uh, just a human going to another human's secret cultural ceremony. I, th- I think it's, it's interesting because that is not what Heart of Darkness is about. This book is much more Silverberg than it is Conrad. He's just using it sort of as a formula and made the aliens elephants, right? Well, there's the initiation into the shadow side of things. Tell me. That's that's in common. The um, the, the hero. The well, who's um, the who's the hero of uh, the, what's his name? Marlo. From, yes. He he uh, he's. I believe the novel is told in flashback. Right. He's sitting on a boat waiting for the tide to change in the harbor at. In London, no, I'm not uh, in. Why hasn't he gone to see his aunts or something, or is that? I don't. I I think I think he's he's telling some sailors on the ship um, about his experiences in uh, uh, the Congo, and he says, "I go. I went on this trip." So it's a frame device, right? 
Right. And then yes. and then he says, I went up the river and I saw these three witches. And then I got I heard about this Kurtz guy who's doing evil cultural practices. We don't know what they are. No, I guess not cultural practice. Uh, genocide. <laughs> but the, the horror is, 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 is more about like the, the slaughter of the elephants, even than like the cutting off of hands. And right. So it's a, it's a interesting that this book, I think, can't exist. Uh, Downward to the Earth can't exist without Conrad's book. But it's more like a different, it's not a copy. It's more like a, uh, let's, this is after colonialism, right? This is like uh, a guy. It's almost like Kurtz is is going back to the country he was a horror horror show to and asking for forgiveness. I don't know. You you talk, Jonathan. I was gonna say I feel like I'm not like I know it's Heart of Darkness. Like Kurtz is the same name as the guy right. Kurtz, but I feel like it's its own story. Oh yeah. Even. That mm-hmm. hardness. Like, there's a lot of, like, tourism is a big theme of Silverberg. Like, every Silverberg I've read has s- tourism as some element of it. Mm-hmm. And this book starts out in a tour uh, of the planet, but then the character, he goes on his own kind of like Joseph Campbell like side tour of the planet. Yes. And we're following the side tour. And I, and I think that's very Silverberg just using tourism as a theme. Um, yeah, he's, he's writing what he knows. He literally yeah, that, went that, to Africa and, and then he's thinking about, you know, the places he's going to in the context of his literature. But I think he's, he's also like, uh, I love the book of skulls and I loved it because he, he, they get immortality, but not in a way anybody would want. Right. Uh, the, the drug that they're milking this planet of the snakes for, for humans, it, it heals their, their regrows limbs and heals damage or something. Right. But, uh, when you take it during the healing ceremony, or I guess the rebirth ceremony, um, it, it enlightens you and makes your sins go away unless it turns you into a puddle or whatever. And I, or, I think that works or, on a symbolic or, level as well as or into something incomplete. Um, so the, the, so Kurtz's kind of transformation made me think of the original X-Men movie. Okay. Do you remember the nineties? I, I remember that um, I saw it, but I don't remember the plot. Um, but the the the, the plot is that uh, Mag- uh, Magneto has a ability to turn people into mutants forcibly and uses oh, really? it on. And yeah, he yeah, and he's going to do that to lots of people if he gets the thing. He gets the MacGuffin and he gets uh gets a uh, rogue to power it at the at the Statue of Liberty, but. The uh, uh, an anti mutant senator gets forcibly mutinized, and it doesn't go right. And that kind of made me think of of, of Kurtz here, is like, is like because his rebirth ceremony goes wrong. I mean, here it's because um, of his interior nature and his interior sin. I think, as the novel points out, and so it's kind of like reflect. But in the movie, it's almost like reflecting the inner life of the senator comes out as this damaged mutant and i found that really interesting and a really interesting uh comparison notice none of the robots get to have a rebirth ceremony <laughs> that's, that's no, the, they sort of disappear from the plot fairly early in the book but 
they're just they're just there. They're just taking orders. They're p- the, 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 patient the AI. They're not. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the robots are just um, wall decoration. They're not really anything. They're not a threat, and they're not. Uh, we we have to worry about their sensibilities or anything like that. Whereas the physical animals uh, that have the two uh, sentiences, we think. And and I don't know. They, I think they fucked around with the meaning of the grok or whatever it is in the comic, Terrence. I I didn't get the sense that it, they understood what it was in the book. No, I, I I can't remember much about it. There was a, a just sort of a a communion thing, but it was more like the Avatar sort of Earth yes, Mother sort of thing. I don't know. One big thing was here. The planet is um, like Avatar, uh, the planet is alive too. Mm-hmm. There's the, the mother of souls, the tree right. or whatever, uh, which is the point of contact. And that uh, uh, that wakes up all the um, life of the planet uh, at the end to do the revolution against the humans. Right. Here, the planet is itself um Darker. It has the the plateau where everything is transforming into everything else, and um, you don't go there except when you want to have um, the purification mm-hmm. ceremony. That's a substitute, a poor mm-hmm. substitute for the rebirth. And um, so, getting one with the planet is not um, turning out to be just a nice guy. And the planet holds you and can sort of. Um, uh, Make you go downward to the earth like mm. a beast. Yeah, and like literally into it, right? Yes, and um, also uh, he gains um, psychic powers at the at the end. He becomes he becomes like Star Child at the end of two thousand one, kind of like becomes, having that connection with people. Space Jesus. It's all <laughs> yes. That was <laughs> that was disappointing metaphor. Um, but doesn't downward to the earth? Wouldn't that refer to John Milton? I, I, I didn't actually look it up, but I think it's a reference to Paradise Lost. Well, yes, there's the fallen angel, and and the the more the better the angel, the more um, uh, it can fall. So Kurtz um, is greater than us, and so he can fall more. But um, so it's Ecclesiastes uh, the, is where it's originally from. Yes, we see it in Ecclesiastes, and then we see uh, I think only once more in the in the book, and it's um, in reference to um, uh, falling downward into um, the state of the beast. Here's the line: <laughs> Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward? And the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Question mark. Um, so, uh, new international version. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward, and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth? And I think the idea is maybe animals and humans are not the same, or are the same. Uh, usually, uh, this doesn't seem like a part that they would want to emphasize. If they're saying we're special and they're not, which which the which the uh, I'm going to say horses, but no, the elephants on this planet are like no, there's there's definitely creatures without crack or whatever it is, without souls. And later on, when they talk about the Malida or munching the weeds, it says um, they are without crack. He thought they are beasts, and when they die, their leaden spirits go downward. Mm. To the earth. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. Mm. So there are the beasts on the planet, 
and their souls go downward, and then there yeah. are the uh, sapiens, and their spirits go upward to the mist or yeah. the psychic mist as well. To rebirth <laughs> uh, in heaven. Um, the the boom boom boom. I th- I think it he's it's in this book, right? I'm not imagining it that it's uh, he thought it was drums, and then he's, yes, he, yeah, he's this... he wakes from his dream and he thinks, oh, it's drums, but no, they don't have hands. So like, and that's something else they kind of screwed around with in the comic book. It's a very pretty comic, but uh, and I love the format; it's huge in the hardcover I've got. But um, the the not being able to, I I thought that part. The Paul should have loved this part too, where they he can't recognize what a map is. Our yes. elephant guy. Well, that was obvious from the start that it was going to fail. Yeah, yeah, but it yes, was, it was like, awesome I, seeing seeing that yes. because it's something we we think. Oh, I can communicate this to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> we're going on this walk. See, we're going to go around the park here, and this this is the this is the fountain where you love to drink. And then this is the frisbee section. <laughs> Come on, dog, we can yeah, do this. Now, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, I mean, I mean the the um the the knowledge game of how to understand maps is pretty uh pretty pretty interesting. It pretty shows that like there's lots of assumptions in how maps work and what a map means and how you interpret a map, and that's even more fraught with these with different species. Mm-hmm. But these they, are and oh, go for it, Jonathan. They, they couldn't even recognize a picture. Uh, they didn't right. know about uh, a visual representation of an object, but that opens up so many questions. Like, if they look in a mirror, can they recognize their image in a mirror? And yep. if they look at a photograph, can they recognize like the image in the photograph as, as something else? Um, it, it reminds me so much of uh, what he's doing. Like, what he's doing with this book is he spent some time with some Indians. He spent some time with some natives in Africa. He spent some time with these people who um, are from a different culture of, than his, and he's trying to. He, I love that he starts our character off as a racist. Like, way to throw people off a book. Try and do that today. Have the main character be a racist as the start of a book, and then it's not like he he becomes de-racist at the end. It's just like, oh, that was that was me in the past, or at least that's what the other elephant guys are telling him who are now. Non-elephant guys, right? Um, <laughs> there, he, that's, that's like, maybe that's a new wave thing. I don't know, but, um, I just thought it was so cool that we've got, uh, a, so engagement with the ideas of these healing ceremonies are real for people. Uh, it, I'm going to do an, as a physical transformation, but the Indians I spent time with, um, they're going to go to the go to the sweat lodge. It isn't because they they uh, they want to get hot so they can go cold plunge and go swimming and that's fun. It's because they need to. It's it's like a cultural practice of we got to get your head on straight, right? It it is a fix. It is a medicine. And so they're like talking about a a dance ceremony as medicine is weird right we don't go to the hospital and have dance therapy do we <laughs> no we are we're westerners we go to the hospital and they put bandages on you and then give you lots of drugs and then they discharge you and you pay your bill that's how it works but this is uh an, a real solid engagement with non uh western medicine 
real solid engagement with it, which is really cool. It's a very different thing to do in science fiction. Like, we just did a science fiction uh, badge of infamy as a medicine book, right? Where I've read that. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, uh, but he's like, uh, the the back the weed is going to solve all our problems. It makes you immune to this disease or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the Western way. This is the uh, non-Western way. And yet, the drug has actual effects, just like ayahuasca has, or or even tobacco as used as a medicine. We think of it as like what Europeans say come to North America and say, "Hey, this is a product we can sell in Europe," and get uh, Tolkien smoking pipes. Right? It's addictive. Oh my God. Great! Everybody is going to be happy about this, and then. The natives here are like, no, this is a ceremonial thing. You do it on this occasion. It does that. It changes your brain state. And uh, it has a different cultural resonance because we're not uh, using it properly. We, it, And I think it actually is called out in the end of the end of the book. He says it's the wafer on my tongue. Right. So that's like transubstantiation. In the that, same, is a, that is entirely transcendental. And, and, and that, that's a nice, I, I thought he might go there and he did. It's a nice. What does he say? I didn't understand. Um, well, he's so kind of I, like, I haven't got the text, but he said something to the effect of, um, he's kind of like in a dream state. He can't recognize if he, his body is his actual body. Ah, oh, yes. And then he says, um, it's the wafer on the tongue as a oh, part yes, of a. Yes. And so it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, so this is the thing, right? Is if you're a Catholic and you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go break into the rectory, <laughs> get me some crackers. <laughs> I'm going to drink me some wine. <laughs> Your most Catholics would be angry at you, right? Because you're doing something wrong. And so what are the elephants? They have like a special uh, penance ceremony where they have to go kill things. And in the comic, I think they fucked that up uh, as well. But it's pretty, it's pretty brutal, right? It's pretty brutal. Yes, uh, they they go down to earth um, uh, temporarily. Yeah, and they're having a uh, a kind of uh, it is a oh. healing ceremony, but it's one done to prep for another transcendence, right? I uh, I found it. It's the last line, and it's the last ending of the book here. Yeah. Um, he smiled. He had never felt so freer, so light, so young. A vision of a mankind transformed blazed within him. I am the emissary, he thought. I am the bridge over which they shall cross. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. That's right. He's space Jesus. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's space Jesus. But he's, um, I think he's, it's, it's not like a sinister way, like, you know, he's going to take this ceremony back to Earth, and now everybody's going to start uh, milking Milking uh, snakes, which I thought was a pretty funny phallic scene, by the way. A bunch of guys in, a, <laughs> <laughs> in an outpost is like, "Hey, don't don't tell anybody what stays in Vegas stays in Vegas here," um, where they're having like you know masturbation <laughs> contests or whatever. 
I think the implication of the ending is that he's going to go around the planet and uh, help all of the other humans there go through rebirth uh, to start this new uh, galactic uh, faith. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's po- absolutely possible. Um, and he seems to be in an ecstatic state, but um, it, it, he, notice he's not trying to impose the Christian uh, thing on the on the elephant peoples, right? It's just like this is this yeah. is that thing. This is that he thing. Wants, he wants to impose the elephant peoples thing on the humans. I, I love that these elephant people uh, are already sort of in a state of grace when the humans come to the planet. And yeah, they ha- they have lapses, right? But that's the reason they don't fight back against. So I guess another book that we haven't talked about that we should probably mention mm-hmm. is um, the other one that's an Avatar <laughs> sort of book. Um, it's uh, wor- the World for World. The World for World is wor- Forest. Word for World is Forest it's by U K L. Yeah, yeah, I had that in my notes too as a book as a book we should talk about. It's like, again colonialism, dealing with natives and dealing with the decolonializing experience and. Just wanna, but that, that's a fighty, a fightier one, right? That's a very much fightier. It's book. a more, it's a much more like, Avatar than it is even Avatar Two because it's all jungle. It's Vietnam. Um, yes, it, it, it's decolonialization. It's the Vietnam War. It's it's very it's it's a very pugnacious book. Whereas this is much less pugnacious. I just think it's brilliant that he said it in the afterward of the colonization, right? Like they've already left. Why is this guy coming back? That that's just the difference between all of the like. As soon as the second Avatar movie starts, it says everything's fine on this planet, right? And they're looking up at the stars. He's got a quiver full of kids. I don't even remember who the, the characters are from the first one, but I, I know there was a guy who was like a, a corporal, yeah. Um, and he's you know he's got he's got his blue children and he's got an adopted. Uh, I would say white kid, just <laughs> human kid, and and then about two minutes go by, and then they're looking up at the stars, and uh, the, the humans are back, the star people, the sky people are back. Oh no, it's right back to the beginning of the first movie, right? Um, but this book says, you know, yeah, you could do the Vietnam War during uh, colonization. Um, that's uh, the other adaptation of. Of it, what's the apocalypse now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the other way to go, but no, he says no. After, let's go visit the colonized country after, and try and get redemption for the sins that we have, which are, goddamn, those racist, uh, or those horrible fat cow people, or whatever they are. They're they're wrong, and I'm right, but I'm still going back because maybe I'm not right. I think historically that has to do with when the book was written. The, the decolonialization yep. of Africa started in the mid '50s and ended in the mid '70s. Right. This book was published in '68. Uh, '69, so yeah. '69. Yeah, he um, went to Africa in '68. So the debates over uh, relinquishment were of Africa were going on at the same time that he wrote this book about the relinquishment uh, of another planet and. 
I, I think a lot of the debates were, were the same. Like, um, you know, can these people govern themselves? Um, will we be doing them harm by pulling away? Do they deserve, uh, you know, self-determination? Yeah. Really we had that in Afghanistan, right? 20 years in Afghanistan. Wow. We, we gotta, we can't leave now. They, they'll just not let girls get educated, right? We had that again. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. Oh, um, sorry. I interrupted you. Keep going. No. So, you know, I, I feel like he was writing about, and you see these same um, arguments in a lot of other books written, like, around the same time. Like, I mentioned before the, the chat, um, Andre Norton, I believe the book is Eye of the Monster. It was mm-hmm. about colonial relinquishment, and it takes the opposite view of uh, Downward to the Earth. In Eye of the Monster, it starts out with a very young conservative army guy and a very old liberal scientist. And the army guy's like, they're going to relinquish this planet later today, and all the natives are going to immediately rise up and kill us all. And the scientist's like, no, no, they love us. They're not going to do that. They're just going to let us stay so we can stay and continue our experiments. Mm -hmm. And so the relinquishment happens and the natives rise up and kill everybody and you know that that's what norton who i guess in this book at least was playing more of a conservative author uh, thought well you know silverberg took a more a more nuanced view and also a more uh, liberal view of the same issue but i think it was something that people were talking about in the newspapers and in editorials and on tv and i think this is part part of the debate that was going on mm-hmm. when wrote the book but he he does tie it into that that immortality thing that's very popular in I mean the Book of Skulls and mm-hmm. and uh, you know just in science fiction in general. But the, but bringing it to healing as opposed to like just drug abuse because that's also a seventies sixties thing, right? Is people get fried up on drugs, right? Uh, that, and that's very Silverberg too. Well, the Phil, I was thinking the Philip K. Dick. Um, uh, what's the drug book? <laughs> which which one? The, the one where he he gets all his friends fried up on. It's, he's basing it on his own experiences. Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly. Yeah, Scanner Darkly. Um, which is uh, it's like these. Uh, there's the the commercial drugs. There's the illegal drugs, and then there's these other kinds of drugs that are uh designed to give you insight, right? Uh, LSD or uh, psilocybin, I guess, is the one a lot of people like the mushrooms. Um, get, get you in touch with with uh, nature and God and all that. And this seems to be that, right? But it also has that body horror element, which, you know, we don't get in, in Avatar or any other. Like, he's doing, he's being kind of scary, right? He's making it scary for us. We're seeing what the planet can do to people. Um, well, you do get it in Avatar. It's just that James Cameron thinks it would be a good thing. He thinks, that, yeah, but that's uh, not horror, right? It's awesome. It's, it's not horror. It's it's yeah. it's a liber- it's a liberation for yeah. our our disabled main protagonist. He can actually run and do things he couldn't do for a long time. He he finds it a joy to be in the different in the other body. Mm-hmm. It, it's the same concept. It's just a different attitude towards the concept. Cameron thinks it would be wonderful, while yeah. Silverberg recognizes the uh, horror. In, in I, but uh, who's right? <laughs> See, I think I think Avatar is very very palatable. 
It's like, mmm, this is delicious. I could, and I heard, I heard when the first one came out, there was, uh, stuff in the media, people saying they want to live in Avatar. They want to live in that world. I'm like, yeah, that's a fantasy world, right? Cause not, I mean, it, not only is it explicitly engage with the idea of that this is a fantasy, you know, just living in a, like living in a VR, you know, meta or whatever is ridiculous. Um, because the, the reality is you can't like, he he has his brain transfer into the body of his avatar. That's not possible, right? That's the, the sort of fundamentally misunderstanding stuff in the same way that, you know, thinking you can be immortal, right? By making a clone copy of yourself and giving it, downloading your memories. That's not you. I mean, that's just not how it works. It that's, a ver- that's a version. That's a version of you. Yeah. Fast. I, I, you, you start getting to, uh, and that's why the, Dr. Kelly's thing like a dinosaur. Yeah, and the, and the colonel in, you know, he's got a down, it's, it's, it's super well done, the Avatar sequel. It's like super well done, but it's not, it's, it's like this, I think this book is like way more, um, engaged with reality, which is funny because, you know, it's, it's just a fiction novel about an alien planet that doesn't exist, but it's engaged with the reality more by, by giving us that horror of you could end up like that puddle Kurtz is, or you could end up, uh, in a jungle station with a a thing on the wall feeding you black liquid while its babies are, you know, crawling around. It's it's much more alien. Inside your guts, yeah. In, right? uh, in in Avatar, you know, I feel like there's the appeal of that fantasy in Avatar is that people watching the movie are kind of cut off from from their bodies. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. You know, they only they, they if they have to like, pee because they had too big a big big gulp. In the theater, do they feel like they're connected to their bodies? Otherwise, they're all they're in on the screen, right? Yeah, but also like you know, in in the movie too, the the people that they go and people are what's the word alienated from their own bodies right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Uh, like in general. And I think that's why that um, you know fantasy appeals to people is is because they're not comfortable in their own in their own skin. While with Downward to the Earth, it's doing something different. It's about more of the mind body connection. Yes, and how they're all how you know your your, your body affects your mind and your mind affects your body and the emotions in your body uh you, you know affect your spirit and and, and all three of them and ceremony you know, connecting to that avatar. right yeah in avatar they're three different things like you've got a body you've got a mind and i, I don't know if there's any room and you've got a spirit but they're three completely separate things and downer to the earth they're three connected things right and I think philosophically, that's the difference between what, what Silverberg and Cameron are, are, are doing. Um, but, you know, the, the horror in Silverberg has to do with the, the connection between them all, because the, the transformation that happens to Kurtz and to other people, it happens because of something wrong in, inside of them, in their minds or in their spirits. And that's where the horror is, is like the, the inside, like manifesting itself physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very very solid book. I, I was trying to think like Silverberg it, it didn't get a master. I don't know. He got like a grandmaster award or something. But when I when yeah. I when I think about Silverberg, I'm like, what is his standout work? And the problem is, I don't think 
I mean, I know Magipur is popular or was popular as a series. It's, 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 it's popular. But what is his, like, okay, if we talk about Heinlein, it's pretty easy. You would say Stranger in a Strange Land for some people or Moon is a mm-hmm. Harsh Mistress, maybe is more the direction I'd lean. Uh, you know, if you think Philip K. Dick, he's got Man and I, Castle, and Android's Dream, Electric Sheep, but that part of that's the movie. Um, I would say Galactic Pot Healer stands head and shoulders above everything else, even though it's lighter in many respects. But when I think of Silverberg, I mostly think of short stories. I mostly think of, uh, you know, little, little things that he's done. Um, and I can't, but he has a huge long career. I mean, he's still alive, but he's not writing anymore. But what, what do you guys think of as the head and shoulders standing above, or is there any such thing for Silverberg? I really liked Born with the Dead. Oh, I have not even heard of that one. That's a novella. Okay. Um, that's probably why. Um, people who, um, who are dead can, uh, if you get them in time, they can be rekindled and they sort of, um, uh, they, their body is dead, but their mind is, but they can move their body, they can live, and they leave their old life behind. And their, their mind is faster and more intelligent. And, um, one guy, um, his, um, girlfriend dies in an accident and she doesn't care about him anymore. Mm. And he keeps trying to get in contact with her and pretends he's dead and all sorts of things. And he, he tries to find out, um, why uh, they don't care anymore, even though they remember and so on about their previous um, life when they were alive. That's fun. That's uh, it sounds great. Um, not seeing audio for it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's really hard to get a, a lot of his stuff because he just wrote so much, and novellas and novelettes are not not uh, super popular as audiobooks, unfortunately, due to Audible and their evilness. But um I, had you anyone else heard of that book? I'd never heard of Born with the Dead. It's only only as, only as a just a vague name. I've never actually read it. Wow. I found it brilliant. Yeah, he's he's it I can really, be amazing. I've read uh, three Silverberg novels: uh, Up the Line, Thorns, and I've read Down to the Earth twice now, and I thought they were all incredible uh, for different reasons. I have not I've read, read Up the Line. How is that? Up the Line is kind of a picaresque uh, comic novel. Um, it's a very different tone from the other two Silverbergs I've read. It's a very bawdy, raunchy comedy, um, but it's about time tourism. It's about this guy who's kind of a slacker who just, you know, he's like a, a, a flunky. Um, well, I, I, he graduated school, but he's not doing well at his job, so he's just doing drugs, traveling, and he meets this guy who's a time courier, who's like a tour guide Mm -hmm. for time travelers. And it's like the perfect job for slackers because they just like go on time trips and like have sex with their ancestors and do a lot of (laughs) drugs and drink a lot. So he's like, yeah, this is great. But like they got to be careful not to actually cause like a serious paradox. Mm. And then of course he causes a serious paradox. And, uh, you know, that's the plot. It's a really solid book. Um, It's, it's light reading. It's fun. It has a lot of 
similar themes and just motifs as mm. downward to the earth for example mm-hmm. in 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 downward to the earth they mention helix parlors the helix parlors play a role in up the line um there's certain like future drugs that they do in up the line all the time that are mentioned in uh downward to the earth wow. there's like some weird connections there mm-hmm. but it's just a really light fun uh read and uh that was uh, turned I, into an audiobook uh, in 2016, so that's possible to do. Um, you know, it's also light in an even lighter vein, time travel. Have you read Project Pendulum? No. No. Project Pendulum basically takes two twins, and the theory of time travel is that you have to balance out the weight so they get two twins, and they basically send them in op- kind of like oscillating <laughs> back and forth up to 95 million years in the past and the future. So they see lots of the future and lots of weird things and dinosaurs. And it's, 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 it's not, it's not the quintessential Silverberg book, but it's a lot of fun. to, as, as they, as they wind up trying to, trying to leave messages for each other and trying to make sure that the other doesn't get eaten by the dinosaur, winding up with it, with futuristic humans that really, um, don't think much of the past people, but they're ready to like, just like, bamboozle them it's 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 a, it's a lot of fun i think i think for me the quintessential silberg is not magic War, but probably nightwings nightwings yeah it's good yeah, I, I i yeah if i have to pick one silver that anyone should read is nightwing now are you talking about the there wasn't there an expanded version because i believe there's a short novella version and then there's an expanded version and i i can't remember which i read but i i think the one i read was short so I'm yeah, well, yeah, it, it's a novella, and I actually encountered it first as a graphic novel. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that's a Marvel or DC. Yeah, and, and then yeah. I read the actual story. Mm-hmm. It's um, good. I, yeah. I, I I read the actual story for the first time for real in 2015 as one of the things I read on my way to uh, to Rome because I I thematically read books about and about Rome on my trip to oh, Rome. Yeah. Well, so sense. I thought, oh, I I never did get to the mouth though. Sadly and tragically, because I know it's also because the mouth in Nightwings is the mouth in that one church, which is also in um what you call it the uh, the Audrey Hepburn movie um um Audrey Hepburn and uh, Cary Grant um help me out here um, I I think I know the one you mean uh, Roman Holiday yes yeah so I never did get to the mouth uh-huh. I need to get to the mouth sometime because it's in Nightwings and it's also in Roman Holiday. I have a ton of Silverberg in public domain on the PDF page, including a novel, a short novel called uh, "The Asteroid Stealers." So, uh, some audiobook narrator who's listening to this should uh, get on this. We, oh, there's one called "Vampires from Outer Space." Come on, short story. We got, we got. So, he wrote a ton of stuff. Absolutely great stuff. Um, the, uh, the the other one I read, I, I think I told you about it before we started the show. The mm-hmm. other one I read was Thorns. Yeah, and yeah, that sounded great. Tell us again. That is a really good one. It's really dark. It's really depressing. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it, I, I mean, more like it's it's much darker than Downward to the Earth. Wow. Just because, like, Downward to the Earth ends with hope. Like it starts out light, then it gets dark, and then it ends with you know him becoming space Jesus. Well, um, you know the, the, this book is about uh, a guy who um, he's a really wealthy guy who's like a psychic vampire and gets off on um, just 
causing other people misfortune. So he puts on these little reality TV shows for his own personal enjoyment where he uh, puts people together who aren't going to get along just to cause them misery. So he finds these two really damaged people. That's, that's what authors do too, right? <laughs> they, get, <laughs> they just get a couple of characters and say, hey, you want to you see what happens to you? Hey, <laughs> He's like God. <laughs> It's it's a really good book. It sounds I, good. I think I'm Nightwing somewhere. I think I'm going to check that out eventually. Yeah, uh, that's like he, he he is. Uh, I always think of him as the short story guy, even though he does have these novels, which I mostly avoided, I guess, because I thought, oh, I don't like the new wave. Um, but uh, I, you know, there's some other new wave stuff that I like, but I don't know. I, I just don't like pretentious. And I feel like New Wave equals pretentious. And there is some kind of like, maybe, like if you compare, uh, Avatar to this, it, this is, could be conceived as more pretentious, whereas Avatar is just dumb, you know? Uh, but, uh, I also think that this is just a, like, it's a, a bold experiment. I knew I could see what he was going to do, have coming. Um, but I, I went on the journey and I think I, I appreciated it was like, this is very like compared to Andre Norton, as you were saying before we started, <laughs> right? Like the world, world building here, right? Like, uh, I, 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 the lack of a map, maybe there's one in the book. <laughs> um, the lack of a map is like a feature, not a bug. <laughs> Whereas, oh, Google, Google, given the dreamlike nature yes, of this Yes, and book, the fact that the, the, he gets lost, right? He gets lost, yeah. A map would be completely beside the point. I mean, yes, and, I love uh, my and maps. And the creatures don't like, no map. the elephant guys don't don't like, uh, don't know what a map is, right? That's that's all good stuff. Um, oh, by the way, um, uh, I have a theory as to why the aliens are called what they're called. Why? Um, uh, what's the planet's name? It's B- Bosphorus or something like that. It's not. Yeah, Bosphorus. but if you would pronounce it, as Bilzago. Bilzago. Bor- Bor- Borgazor, yeah, or something like that. Um, uh, so the 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 line about the the most beautiful words in the English language, right? Wasn't that um, Tolkien? Celador, uh, mm-hmm. Celador, C E L L A R D O O R. He thinks that that's just the most beautiful words in the English language. I'm like, eh, they're fine. <laughs> but um, it has that, uh, yeah, Anglo-Saxon, uh, uh, more of the Celtic. I don't know. It has a feel to it that um, it's less Germanic. I don't know. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I thought that was the. I thought that that was probably the inspiration. Um, because that, there is a logic to the language of the naming of the things on the planet, right? And it does have this, um, uh, yeah, cellar, cellar door sound. Uh, you know, Noldo is, is a, a, an elf, um, uh, tribe, um, in, in Tolkien. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. There's this uh, plot that repeats a lot in New Wave uh, science fiction that I think you can find in Downward to the Earth. What's that? And that's like an old guy is 
traveling an alien landscape that's the site of like you know his youthful adventures oh. uh, remembering a life of like you know loss and like war and in love and in whatever um like if you look at if you read this immortal by zelazny Oh yeah, yeah. Not, no. It's a very different book, but it's, well, it's practically the same plot. Except wait, 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 we did this, we did this immortal by Zelazny, didn't? I don't think so. No. Well, no. Because it, it, no. it's, it's it's also known as "In Call Me Conrad." I haven't read that. Wait. Are you thinking of Demolition Alley? It's no. It's not in the same. I haven't read that either. Well, um, you know, when he was younger, he was a rebel uh, who wanted he, it takes place on Earth, but it's an Earth colonized by uh, aliens who use it as, as a vacation spot. And when he was um, younger, he wanted to lead humanity to rebel against the aliens. Now he's older and I forget he's got a tour this area where you know he had these uh, youthful battles meet all the women he knew when he was younger and now he's old and they're old and uh, all the people he had uh, struggles with when he was younger whether they were adversaries or friends now they're all old and they've got to you know rekindle that their alliances or hostilities and you know it's it's very similar and you see this in ursula k Le Guin. you see this in so many authors where it's an old person um going back to the scene of the battles that they fought when they were younger and kind of reliving those battles and that's kind of the plot of downward to the earth and it's the plot of a lot of, of new wave fiction and mm-hmm. it's something that you know i think appeals to me a lot just because i'm old and <laughs> i've had battles <laughs> and, uh, revisiting them seems kind of appealing i guess and so what i'm hearing is you're a new things. new wave writer <laughs> yes i don't you know i haven't really played those games in my own in my own writing isn't that funny how people can be attracted to things and then not do them themselves i think that that's actually a real feature and not a bug right like, like if you if you think I love Star Wars and you say I love it so much, and then you all you do for the rest of your life is just try and make Star Wars, that's sad. Whereas if if you uh, if you like can really like I love westerns, I'm probably never gonna write a western. <laughs> I don't have to write westerns. I like I like and I can like westerns and not not you know make westerns. I also, I mean, I read a lot of different stuff. It's not like I only yeah. We can we can enjoy a whole lot. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, But you know that that's that that, and I think maybe the reason you see that plot in like the late sixties, early seventies so much is because they're playing on the earlier Pope stories. Yeah. But they want to, but they're older and like American society is older and it's less naive and it's more cynical. And the authors are living in in this time when they're looking back at earlier eras in history and trying to maybe relitigate them or redefine them. And I think, and maybe the writers themselves are getting older and Mm -hmm. they lived through like the sixties and and, and all of those movements. Isn't that crazy? Um, I, 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 in one of the reviews are, yeah, it was on that interview, um, 
for the humanoids website for this comic. Um, Silverberg, they're asking him a bunch of long questions. Silverberg has long answers. He says, like, how did you get into comics? Very comics question, right? And he says, uh, planet comics <laughs> during World War II. Uh, I read comics and then they say, well, how did you get into paperbacks? Well, you know, you can't really talk about books. You just have to go do that in your room. And then, but then I found science fiction fandom where we could trade books because other people had read books. And then, uh, he's like, yeah, <laughs> um, that was a long time ago. I don't remember that first book I bought, but, um, and what's funny is in <laughs> this book is from 1969, right? He's been alive way longer since 1969 to now than he was from 1940s to the 69. But he thought he was getting old then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hilarious part is, right? Like, no matter, you say, I'm an old man, now I'm 50. You know, <laughs> oh, my retired, God. He retired a bunch of times. Uh, but uh, it looks like it's taking this time because I haven't, ha I haven't seen any new work, right? It's taken this last time. I mean, he's still active in the sense that he's out, he exists and he loves the internet, but he's not. Uh, he, like, you know, he has the occasional speech that he gets yelled at about. But just um, the other day, I was reading an old issue of Heavy Metal magazine. You know, the, the comics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is January 1981, and there's an editorial in Robert by Robert Silverberg in there about how he was going to come out of retirement. How many years ago he thought his writing career was over, he was done, uh, he didn't have any more left in him, but mm -hmm. now he's going to come and write uh, that famous fantasy novel he wrote. Uh, I haven't read it, about the, the castle guy. Um, Magipur or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lord Valentine's so Castle. You know, that's mm -hmm. 81. Well, Valentine's Castle, yeah. You know, he's like, well, I've written, I've done, I'm finished, and now I'm coming out of retirement because I have more to say. Um He's been doing that for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's been. I, I not. I don't keep up with all the new books, of course, but I, I haven't heard anything new from him uh, for probably since the late eighties. Maybe there was some nineties collapse or something. He had a regular editorial in one of the big three. Uh, That's true. Yeah. Um, and it's not it, like he's out of the. He, like he did do a speech at a convention, right, Paul? I don't remember which Worldcon it was, but didn't he have to apologize recently for offending yes. somebody? Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. When I, when I was just starting to get into uh, writing, I, I did look into the the big three magazines before I knew what else was out there, and I started reading them. And I remember reading Silverberg's uh, columns then, mm -hmm. and he, he was talking about how he had retired and come out of retirement so many times, and he was saying that this time it was going to keep, but that he would still write short stories. So I don't know if he's still doing that or not. I don't know. But, uh, I, I remember seeing that many, many years ago, probably 2015 or my uh, my other very old writer who I really like is uh, uh, Lawrence Block, and he's done that as well. He's retired yeah. several times, and he keeps thinking, ah, uh, he, you know, he has a newsletter or whatever. This new audiobook's out, this ebook. Look, here's an old book I wrote. Um, but then, like, he goes away for like a vacation for two weeks or whatever, and he says, <laughs> his newsletters. It surprised me to say it, but here's a new book. Right. It's just like a habit. It's built into some people and then just can't stop. 
And, you know, there's a market for it, and people like it still, so why wouldn't you? Especially since I got this need to write it. I have this idea, and it makes me feel something. So, um, I'm, I'm very happy. It, it just strikes me that Silverberg is one of, one of those grandmasters. I know there's a lot of them. Um, I, isn't Marion Zimmer Bradley a grandmaster? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of grandmasters, right? And some people who never got the title because they died too early or whatever. Um, uh, but for, of all of the ones I think of, he's the one with the least least individual piece of writing that everybody knows that is the is the thing that they're known for and it might be because the, of the lack of films and tv shows associated with it because that can screw around with the uh ranking system because you know everybody knows philip k dick because there's so many movies right and then you know there's isaac asimov has had tv shows and you know he was he was a fixture on late night television and stuff like that but Silverberg, he's he's just mm-hmm. a science fiction guy, and in that interview, he talked. They asked him, "What do you think about the word speculative fiction versus science fiction?" He says, "I I don't like speculative fiction as a word, but it better fits the <laughs> the thing we write about." Um, so I use science fiction because that's the what I I grew up on or whatever. Uh, it just seems like a very rational, insane, and uh, excellent writer. So I'm happy to have watched more but yeah i never heard of thorns and what was the one you said terrence born with the dead born with the dead i never heard of that this guy's got hundreds of hundreds of works right and he's a stout his reputation is not built on yeah just those those magic board books i don't think i think that's just go for it I, I mean, I don't even know if Matchapur is popular anymore. I don't. I don't know. It was, it was popular then. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know. Series if any... are generally popular. It was a series, right? So yes. But standalones, like I had heard about Dying Inside, but I, I hadn't read it until I read it. What's crazy about Silverberg is he must have some sort of like manic depressive thing because if you look at his like catalog like he goes through a short period where he writes like a ton of novels then he stops and hardly writes anything then he just goes through a short period where he just writes like fallow seasons and and uh and, like downward seasons. to the earth was nominated i forget if it was a hugo or a nebula but he turned down the nomination because he had had another novel nominated that year and he didn't want to have two nominations right. in the same year because he thought they would uh, compete. compete with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, um, yeah, it was Tower of Glass, I think. I never heard but, of that one. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, because um, the introduction of the uh, book that I have. That's also in Galaxy. talks about the history. I guess it was the Nebula Award Preliminary Ballot. Um, so, um uh, it was nominated for Hugo also, but it would compete with those other novel Tower of Glass, it looks like he's saying. Um, I'm not wearing my glasses, so I make No, you're right. More. It's Tower of Glass, 1970. Yeah. Um, so he actually, like, he had, like, two Hugo noms in one year. He was writing that many books. Maybe he That's... should have gone the other way because the Tower of Glass didn't win anything, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I, I think this book was pretty, pretty good. Pretty darn good. Very impressive. Oh, how about Hawksbill Station? I've heard that that maybe that's a little standout compared to some of his others. Is that uh, anybody read that? No, no, no. Yeah, he, he got, yeah, he's very prolific and 
Very prolific. I mean, I'm 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 looking at uh, his page to see if there's anything else we might uh, we might do that's based on uh, award winner. While you're um, looking, I oh, I was a time of changes might be interesting. Time of changes. I think I've read that. Yeah. No, I've got that's that. Very too. interesting one about language. Uh, yes, I think I've read that. Um, uh, uh, I wanted to uh, ask you guys: Did you get a J.G. Ballard vibe? A little bit. There was the, the one, the thing that really brought it to my consciousness was the guy who died of crystal infection. Yeah. Yes, that does, that is very Ballardian sort of, uh, fate. And, but yeah, like even uh, in reflection, I was thinking about the, and he's also New Wave. I was thinking about the, the people, the couple who are stuck in the, in the alien breeding, breeding program. In the breeding, in the breeding pit, yeah. Yeah, um, that was also sort of a, you know, a drowned world sort of horror. Um, so yeah, presumably he was aware of Ballard, but Ballard is, I don't know, I find Silverberg easier, much easier to go down, and I like his work more than Ballard. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just, this is, feels less new wave to me, I don't know. But I, I think I Ballard's it was very new wonderful. wave. I, I, I loved all of it. I, um, I had lots of ideas, and uh, um, I'm not a very visual person, so I, I find descriptive novels um, uh, or passages um, less interesting. But I just loved the descriptions this time round. Yeah, they were good. And the audio book uh, voice was quite um, uh, agreeable. Even if, Bronson even if Pinchot. there's lots of bad. Um, uh, experiences that are going on uh, was just a pleasure to to read and oh, yeah. listen to. You know, not, what, you know what I whistleberg I read recently on my own that I'm going to try to pitch to you, Jesse, to what's try that? to to uh, go with sailing to Byzantium. Oh yes, that's what's, really good too. What's, is, have I sailing? I, that sounds familiar. I'll, I'll read the pub. Um, I'll, I'll read the published summary. In the it's the 50th century on Earth, and ancient historical cities such as Byzantine Constantinople. Constantinople can now be created on a whim for visiting tourists. Charles Philip, a man from the 20th century, struggling to find his way home, finds himself fascinated with this strange new world. Beneath the surface fantasies, things are not as they seem. Yeah. Um, yes, that's really good. It's from. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, I, I think Jesse um, would like it. It's from a William Butler Yeats poem, right? The yeah. title. Um, yeah. It's a novella length, it says. Yeah, it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so. like two and a half hours. Yeah, so as long as there's I, I, an audiobook, I, I, we can do it. Yes, I'm it, sure it, I listen to it. it, it yeah, there's definitely an audiobook because. All right, let's, so yeah, I, I I think we should I think we should book that, Jesse. All right, I'm just gonna try and find the audiobook. There it does seem to exist. So we. Oh, Grover Gardner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bronson Pinchot, I I really like him. I really like him, and I also dislike him. Uh, what I liked about him in this one. Is that he's forced to tone down the performance because of the solider are, are you know they you can they only have gestures <laughs> you can, you can only tell how they're emotionally feeling by looking at their eyebrows while they talk or whatever and in writing on the back of one you can't you can't tell how, wh- whether this is sardonic or whatever so uh, that sort of calmed him down because he can throw himself into a role that can overwhelm. Uh, the book I found that when I was reading his or him reading me Tim Powers. Um, Tim Powers has a lot of colorful characters, and that uh, I think 
I, I, I think of it more of as a performance than, uh, uh, putting the book into me. Whereas with Grover Gardner, he's like the, uh, he's the other kind of narrator I actually prefer, which is a straight narrator, just no performance other than the amazing voice, pronouncing every word perfectly, getting the timing perfectly, getting the pauses perfectly, and just, I, I like, I like George Guidall, but I think Grover Gardner has better audiobook taste. <laughs> Is this the same Bronson Pinchot yep. from the sitcom uh, yep. Perfect Strangers? Yep. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, so. Yeah, that, 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 that kind of blew my mind. It's like, it can't be the same It's the person, same dude. Can it? yep. It's the same dude. I Bye. tried to get him on the podcast a long time ago, but it didn't work out. <laughs> I, I I called him and he was busy doing he, he was doing a I don't know if he's still doing it, a TV show called uh, the Bronson Pinchot Project, which is basically he bought a small town and he was renovating every house in it. I was like, that's one of you know Home and Garden Channel or something. It's like um, <laughs> everything everything that he's doing he's doing it because he loves it. Um, but you have to find a way to make it so that it's not really expensive. So get it television camera crew to follow you around while you fix up a small town. It's a weird, weird uh, hobby, but whatever. He's happy doing audiobook narration, though. He does a lot of it. But yeah, Grover Gardner, sign me up, Paul. I, 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 have, I have put it on the schedule. That's from 85, so quite late. Right? Yeah, it's relatively, it's relatively late, but it is good. I mean, I think you're going to like it. Well, um... Who else wants to be on that one? And what? What? I I, I I I I I put I put tentatively for July. Oh, I have to think about that for a second. Oh crap! Um, so so my- while while you're thinking, I'm going to go through the list of things upcoming. Next, oh no, the actual weekend will be good. Next week, sixth column by Robert A. Heinlein. Prepare your yeah. racist selves. Apparently, um, um, Evan was doing uh, this for his podcast, and he was saying that. Um, some of the language was changed for the uh, book publication versus the uh, the serialization. So that should be interesting. Um, mm. And uh, apparently there's a little more ending as well. Then uh, City of Singing Flame by Clark Ashton Smith. That might be a little bit like this, although probably a lot more rich in language. Uh, then Logan's Run. Um, you don't have to watch the movie. You just have to read the book. Isn't it by two people, Paul? Logan's run William F. Nolan and some other dude? Maybe. I think it is. I think if you put that on the schedule without the other guy's name, he's gonna get mad. If he's, still he's not alive. gonna he's not he's not gonna get mad. And Logan's run guy. Run. Who uh, wrote that? It was George Clayton Johnson. I'm adding him. I thought oh. that was right. We always think of him as the Logan's run guy, but it's actually two dudes. Uh, and then Shakespeare's Planet, Invitation to the Game, The Charwin Shadow. Smack, Shakespeare's Planet. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think it might be the first science fiction book I ever read. Um, I, I had not heard of Shakespeare at the time. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that's kind of like reading A Midsummer's Tempest without having read Shakespeare. A Midsummer's Tempest, yes. A Midsummer's Tempest, I yes. gotta, I got to read that book. That sounds great. Oh, by Paul Anderson? Yes, it is wonderful. A Midsummer's Tempest. A Midsummer's, <laughs> a Midsummer's No, it's seriously. It's 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 I by wonder, Paul Anderson. Is it a real book? Yes. Oh wow! I love these. I love these books. Tempest. 
By it who? Paul like, Anderson? By Paul Anderson. It doesn't look oh. like there's a audiobook for it. No, I've never even heard of it. That's hilarious. No, it's great. It's good stuff. Alternative fantasy. Fun. Well, we got we got one scheduled. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, okay, and then... Uh, so, Monica Hughes. Here's my pitch. She's the uh, Canadian, less shitty... Andre Norton. YA, uh, a little later than Andre Norton's big bulk of her career. Um, the only audiobook available is called Invitation to the Game. It's a VR book. I think it's from the 80s. Um, and then Charwoman's Shadow by Lord Dunsany, which is a novel. Then Scratch One, back to John Lang, Michael Crichton. Uh, Black House by Stephen King and Peter Straub. Even though that's a sequel, Evan tells me you don't have to have read the original for you to read the sequel. Then Progeny by Philip K. Dick. Meeting with Medusa by Arthur C. Clarke. That's uh, short, I think. And Sailing to Byzantium for 0703. Everybody good with that? 0730, you mean. 0730, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Terrence is on. Uh, Jonathan? Um, I don't know that one, but, uh, you know, I've read a lot of Heinlein. I haven't read the sixth column, but I'd be happy to check it out. For yeah, the, we'll the send you the audio for it. No problem. Right, when is that next week? Uh, that is exactly next week. I think it's probably four hours at most. I'll sure. look that yeah. up. Um, you know, cause no, I, no, it's, no, it's like six hours. It's like five Let's and a half have hours. a look. Let's have a look. It's a short novel. It, and and I'm, I am not going to a Coney this week after oh, all. So you've so added yourself a, there. Okay. I, I, I've added my, I've, I've taken away my question mark. All right. I'll take away the poll might right. be available because I'm Sixth not, I will have time to rock. Column by Heinlein. God uh, help us. Uh, I'll have opinions. Well, well, maybe not. Maybe you'll think this is oh, just a blah uh, book. I have nothing to say about it. Oh, dear God. No, dear Jesse, read, have you met me? I have. Almost all of Heinlein's uh, big novels. I just have not read that one oh, for, for yeah. reason. It's it's because it's it's the period, I think. The, his pre post war stuff until you get into the juveniles, it's kind of like he didn't write any novels until he wrote his juveniles. You know? Mm. Um so it is how many hours? It's five hours fifty seven. So it's six hours. It's not nothing. Six hours, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll I, put that together and send that to you later today. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, um, how come um, Terrence isn't uh, signing up for that? Which one? The Heinlein? Yeah. You have uh, a Heinlein problem, sir? <laughs> no, I've read... I'm, I'm sure I read that ages ago. I've read uh, most of Heinlein. Yeah, as one should. Um, and then you should get angry about it because you're angry at why? the man be- because you need to argue with him and he can't come back to life. Have you done uh, Farnham's Freehold? I want to do Farnham's Freehold. I know Paul's uh, been reluctant, but most people um, are afraid. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's it would be a. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but it's going to be. It's going to be a thing. Well, we'll get you a special ranting booth. We we'll put you in there. Put you on display. <laughs> I mean, look. I, 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 I'm I looking forward to it because I haven't. Thing. I remember reading it and saying, "Oh my god." A few times in it. Um, but I also thought, I like Heinlein no matter what he writes. 
And, uh, you know, I did ha- read some later stuff that was like, okay, this is getting creaky. I think I, I'm pretty much, I'm thinking of, uh, and I, yet I still loved it was the, uh, time travel multi-dimensional later book. Job. Oh, oh, you're, you, oh, you're talking about Number of the, Number of the Beast? Number of the Beast. Yeah. I was like, what? Um, Come on, man. Uh, Jesse, have you seen the original illustrated, uh, version of the Number of the Beast? I don't think so. The uh, it was originally a fully illustrated novel. There's like illustrations on almost like every. Oh, maybe like, maybe I got a UK publication for the paperback, so I don't know if I that. Uh, let me. No, I don't know if I've seen that. It you know it's it's absolutely just incredible. It's I got it in my hands. It's it's Fawcett, uh, Columbia. Um, here um it's just it's an incredible uh book i mean the, the novel's still not that great but it's, <laughs> it's illustrated by richard m powers yeah yeah ah. maybe maybe i've seen these but it's, I, I read that like probably 1990 so it's a long while ago and i blazed through it even though it's long but I, i'm pretty sure i got the uk publication um because it, yeah. it had a great cover, a national or new English library, I think it was. So I don't know if they had the illustrations, but I will definitely, if we do a show on that, I will definitely dig that out. But before yeah. we do that, let's do six column. Then uh, if you want to sign up for Farnham's Freehold, uh, the <laughs> the next slot for Heinlein, I'm cool with that. Because it's hard to find people who, you know, everybody wants to be on a mistress, right? Everyone wants to be on... Uh, uh, Starship Troopers. Jesus Christ. I don't want to, I don't even do Starship Troopers. It's too popular. I want to do more, uh, Farnham Freeholds and let's do all the racist ones so nobody, nobody all the horrible oh, ones. Is the podcast? Oh, God. Just, yeah. You got to make sure. We know, we know the pop. We just stick it on the schedule, Jesse. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick it on the schedule and make that happen. Oh, well, we we'll have to make sure it works for everybody because you know we we just oh, we can move it, but once it's on there, it can like, move. You could give it a completely different interpretation, uh, as like you know those white man savior. Well, you uh, got to save that for the podcast, my friend. Um, so let's uh, let's n- let's not put it on a date. Let's put it right underneath, Paul, because when we get but but but, but stuff on the underneath. I I hear you. I hear yeah, you, okay, I'll, I'll but if you put it at the I mean, top of the list, it's more more likely well, not to get deleted. What did deleted. you say was the week after uh, Sixth Column? Sixth Column is The City of Singing it, 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 Flame it, it, by Clark Ashton Smith. No, uh, what's after that? Uh, Shakespeare's Planet. No, Logan's Run. Logan's Run. Well, you know, I love the movie. I've never read the book. How long Me is the, I don't the think, book is short. I don't think it's book, long, but yeah, I've the not book is read short. it. The, the, it, I, it that was one of my first science fiction novels. I, fact. I dig doing Logan's Run. I love Simak. I've never read Shakespeare's Planet, but I, I am a fan I remember of it good. Simak's great. I feel like Way Station is really good by him. It's very solid. But yeah. I, his short stories are even better. You know, so I, I like Simak. I'd be happy to do either of those. Yeah. Uh, not, the, not the Clark Ashton Smith, though. Um, no worries. You know, I, I listened to your podcast about uh, one of his stories, and 
That would probably have been the other podcast. Slenominy. Yeah, your other one. Uh, What's it called? Just Slenominy. Like, you were able to... Spanamoe, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you were able to dissect it really well, and uh, I I can't dissect a Clark Ashton Smith story like that. I I don't don't get anything out of them. I just... Well, I haven't read this one, so I don't know. Maybe it'll be terrible, but I don't expect so. I... Uh, he he's fun for vocab if nothing else. Is it? Like, do you know how he got his vocab? He was a poet. Yeah, he read the dictionary. Yeah, he, he read the dictionary, yeah. and and he, he didn't forget something. it. <laughs> he was he was completely self taught. Oh my he god, was autodidactic. That's he, amazing. He up in a literary household, he taught himself how to read. Yeah, read the dictionary. He read the whole that, whole library and and yeah. absorbed everything, and he was mm-hmm. a. He was on news. He was on uh, like uh, when I say he was on the cover of every newspaper. Like I started looking, he's on the cover of the Vancouver newspaper. He's the cover of every newspaper one week in the United States. Boy genius out of California, poet, and it was it was pushed by uh, George Sterling, the California guy who was associated with uh, Jack London. Um, By the way, I read some George Sterling. He ain't that great. He's okay. But he was right about picking uh, up this Clark Ashton Smith kid. But as, when Smith wanted to start writing weird tales, didn't he say, no, you cannot do that. You have to write poetry for me. And <laughs> so it wasn't so, uh, his mentor guy. That was Sterling, yeah. right? Yeah, and he it was. Died. Yeah. So he tried to write for weird tales. His mentor guy was like, you cannot do that. You can only write poetry for me. Yeah. So he's like, okay, okay, father figure. I won't yeah. you know, go to this other father figure i'll just follow you and then yeah. you know sterling died and then he started writing for uh, weird tales and uh, lovecraft became his his sterling his father is well uh, you know i think i think lovecraft seemed to revere clark ashton smith in a way that he didn't revere uh like he's the opposite of august derelith for him right like oh my mm-hmm. god he's just promoting promoting clark ashton smith to everybody and like I really like Clark Ashton Smith, but the tier is Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard, almost a tie. But I, I, I'll give it to Lovecraft. And then way down on that third tier is Clark Ashton Smith. Even though I think he's he's terrific, I don't think his terrificness comes through his ideas because I think his ideas are weaker than almost every other part of his writing. He's be- he, he does beauty. It's kind of, it's kind of got a beauty like this book has, you know, his, I think his model is Baudelaire and Baudelaire is a freak <laughs> in a good way. That's, but, a very str- that's a very strange model to be sure. They have very strange mo- like Fleur de Mal. He was, a, he was translating that and saying, mm, I love it. <laughs> I love me some, it's, it's what I kind of imagine your stuff is like, Jonathan. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, God, disgusting. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm reading this. And yet I do. <laughs> That's how people describe me. <laughs> yeah. okay. I've got to go, guys. Thank All right. Have a great one. Jesse. I'll, I'll send, send you audio book. Okay. Uh, Paul, just before you go, yeah. I, I remembered I was, went to Rome 40 years ago and I saw the mouth and I put my hand in it. Uh, what, what, are you still two-handed? <laughs> yes, I was very afraid. But I, <laughs> I passed I, I, the test. I, I, I do, I do need to go, go actually see the mouth. I just there's just so much in Rome that it was just, just, just I, I just stuffed everything in. But it, as it is, I didn't see half the things that I wanted to see. But no, yeah, I, I next time I get to Rome, I need to see uh, it. A week each time, it's not enough. 
Yeah, it is not enough. Rome is the eternal city, and uh, yeah, I got to get back sometime and see the, see the mouth. <laughs> put your hand in as well. And put my hand in. I got to get pictures. Just give it a kiss. Put your tongue in. Um, <laughs> put some, that, something Jesse, in. Hey, that's hey, that's now. Hey, that's put something in there. Wait, that's hey. That's consensual. <laughs> okay. Right. See you guys. <laughs> it's I have okay. to go too, so goodbye. All right. Thank you, guys. Really Bye-bye. appreciate Thanks. it. Uh, so I don't, I don't think we got, uh, um, Terrence signed up for six column, but I'll send him the file anyways. Uh, Jonathan, are you yes. still there? Yeah. I heard you on another podcast, uh, the other, uh, was a week. There was like, I think it was yeah. on YouTube or Last something. Aids it was, yeah. That sounds right. Um, uh, we need to talk about your audio quality and getting it out. <laughs> if you're going to be on okay. more. Um, so uh, what how, am I, how am I on this one? It's okay. It's not great. You're, you're hearable. So one of the things, closer? yeah, I think that'll help. But one of the things you could probably do that would help a lot is plug in some headphones uh, okay. because we're getting echo and the echo comes. I, I used to do it without headphones. Now I have to wear headphones because I want to have the audio quality up. Um, so earbuds will work. Um, but earbuds are not, not comfortable for, you know, two hours or whatever it is. Um, so headphones is probably the best thing. You plug it in either to your microphone, if you've got a separate microphone or your laptop or whatever. Um, and then just make the adjustment in Skype. Okay. You know how to do, you, you know how to, you want me to walk you through this? Uh, I don't really know how. Um, what if I use my iPhone instead of my laptop? So iPhone will probably work better because it has more active noise con- noise cancellation, unless you have a Mac, in which case it's probably the same. No, I've got a Lenovo. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Yoga. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're not – Macs are better for – yeah, and iPhone is pretty darn good. Um, but you won't be able to, uh, have headphones plugged into your, your, um, thing because you can't charge and <laughs> use headphones unless you're using Bluetooth. Well, of course I can. I'm sure I can. Um, well, no, cause it, unless you have a pass through cable, it's only got the one. Oh yeah, you're right. But you know, my, my, if I have my iPhone like uh, charged at the beginning, I won't. Uh, gonna... Two and a half hours. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. I was listening to the um, the thing on my uh, the the, the audio book on my iPhone. Uh huh. Oh no, you uh, you you can definitely do it, but it uses a um, little bit of battery, and also there can be interruptions. But um, yeah, if you're if you're um, able to, we could do a test on that right now if you'd like. If you want to try, sure. Have you got I Skype got on a, your phone? Yes, um, I got a different for some reason Skype identification id on my phone okay but uh, here i got skype opened up on my phone right now and um let's see what, what's your uh this has been the sff audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com and thanks for listening If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. She's not writing adult books. Well, I just thought like her, her level of, um, 
world building is weak compared to like a lot of the people. Like, I, I don't want to get into this book, but uh, we will at some point. But I'm just like, she doesn't, her flora and fauna uh, are sketchy. Her, uh, that, that last book, what was it called? It's the Aqu- Aquaman book. <laughs> Otter Boy. Aquaman book. Jesse, we just did it last week. It's not like it was, was it last week. Ago. Holy cow! It feels like forever ago. I don't think it was she last week. Paul. One no, that was the poison uh, belt. Poison belt. Yeah. Theme to downward to the earth. It's about relinquishment. And I'm looking at my bookshelf here to see if I can uh, find it because I don't remember what it's called. But I, I don't see it here. But uh, it's about. Uh, it starts off like awesome and then it just trails off into just just nonsense but it's basically it starts off these two people they're on a planet and the planet's relinquishment is going to happen like that afternoon mm-hmm. like the planet's going to be set over to the aliens the to control it and there's two people one's a young army type dude and the other is an older liberal scientist guy and the young army guy is very conservative he's like we got to get off this planet right now because once relinquishment happens the aliens are going to rise up and kill us they hate us and the old liberal uh, scientist is like oh no they love us they're just (laughs) going to let us stay and we can keep on doing our experiments so they stay and then that relinquishment happens and the aliens rise up and kill the scientists (laughs) and the army guy escapes and he finds two aliens from another species that was also on the planet not sounds all right and they're kind of like furries and there's the female furry and the child furry and the army man falls in love with the female furry as he helps them escape the planet but it starts off like great And then, like, the action at the beginning of the book is great, but then about, like, halfway through, it just stops being great. Like, there's a scene where it's like, we've got to get into this fortress. How are we going to get into this fortress? And then, like, some abstract nonsense happens, (laughs) and then, like, they're in the fortress. (laughs) Wait, don't talk about this book yet, abstract nonsense. Save it. Save it for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, that, that, that sounds pretty good. Um, except yeah, for the yeah. petering out and not being good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, it's like that with a lot of Andre Norton books. Mm. Like there's a few scenes that are like really visionary and really just like just capture you and really cool, but then they don't really go together well. And That's there's a lot scary. where she's just sitting at her desk, like just like trying to type as many words as she can. Well, that's her. probably true. You know, word count done for the day, which is a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got the Lester Del Rey here, Badge of Infamy. That's a good book. Yeah. It's also trash, but it's also really good. I like The Sky is Falling a lot better. I like the flip side. That one's the the abstract nonsense book. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's my life. The Sky is Falling. That's a good one, too. It's it's just uh, a little bit out there. But uh, I, I I like Lester Del Rey. I think he's um he's he's trash, but he's good trash because he ha- brings ideas. His writing's not so great. And he's a little seat of his pantsy, but um he has genuine idea SF that he's working through. 
Sometimes it works great. Sometimes it works amazing. Sometimes a little less good. I feel like he could have been good if he weren't so much into publishing. You know, he took so much time off from writing to publish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he wrote uh, so much that a lot of the, like I got one on my desk here. Uh, it's called The Runaway Robot, and it has his name on it. But he didn't write it. It was Paul W. Fairman he farmed it out to. He had like a bunch of these where he just like either he had a writer's block or just too busy. And he had had a contract to write a bunch of books for Scholastic. And he's like, yep, just going to get my friend to write it for me. <laughs> Put my name on the cover. We'll split the money or whatever. I think I figured it out. It's I think it's Eye of the Monster, maybe. Okay. Uh, that sounds like an ace. Uh, uh, yeah, it's an ace double. Um, let's see, is this the one? Of, um, yeah, there it is. Sea Siege is on the other side. 1962. Yeah, yeah Sea Siege. Um, which uh, which is an earlier book, Sea Siege. Yeah. Um, it's a good. Uh, she likes she likes dinosaur like monsters. She has a she had one in the last book. The both Sea Siege and uh, Eye of the Monster has have dinosaur like monsters on the cover. Yeah, that that book, I think probably the dinosaur, you, you were talking before about how they would draw the cover and then they would write the book around the cover. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's what happened yeah. in the Sea Siege because there's one scene with a dinosaur mm-hmm. and nothing before that about a dinosaur, nothing after that about the dinosaur. The dinosaur comes, it attacks, it leaves, they never mention it again. Right. As if, oh, I, I, can sh- I can shovel a dinosaur in here, no problem. No problem. I can do that. Yes, I will accept this assignment. Yeah. Well, what can you do? Um, I've been watching a lot of movies, guys. Uh, what have you guys been doing? Um, playing role-playing games, writing reviews, playing Age of Wonders, playing Civilization, taking photographs. Yeah. The, the usual. usual. Yeah. The usual. Yeah. I, I took on uh, Avatar 2 last night. Uh, oh, my goodness. Is that out now? Oh, is that on streaming and stuff now? I know it was in theaters. Mm, I, just, I just pirated it. I, I, I have no oh, idea. You just pi- it must I be sh- because I, the, I buy, it's I nice quality. It. it was a nice quality. It it's probably you came out a while out. ago. Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I th- I know is that it? the other the original is because my I was telling my mom it would take you a month to watch this because as soon as she turns on uh, television to watch something she falls asleep <laughs> even if it's <laughs> even if it's something she wants to watch it's like three seconds in <laughs> uh, whereas me that rarely happens even with a three hour movie which that is. Um, and it has no credit sequence at the beginning, which I, I, you know, a few movies have done that. It just, so, so, so it's just like a cold open, I guess. Yeah. Just like, there's no, there's not a producer credit. There's just like a a voiceover narration, which is not throughout, throughout the whole film. It comes in every now and again. Um, way of water. It's a good movie. I'm, uh, I thought, yeah, I don't really need to see a sequel to avatar. The first one was fine. Um, but, uh, it's a good movie and uh, some of the weird part is I'm watching it. I'm thinking, oh, this part is not CG. Like <laughs> this part is not CG. And they have like real human actors in it as well as oh, this part. 
but but some of the parts where it's like they come out of they come out of the water, right? And I said, "Oh, okay, that's that's not CG, but it is <laughs> because it's the same creature that was underwater a minute ago, but because it looks uh like in the air, it looks like clearer." I think, "Oh, that's the not CG part." The whole thing, basically, the entire movie is CG, and uh, I would like there's maybe a two half half second flashes where I think, "Oh, maybe the physics is <laughs> off a little bit there." They're, uh, you know, they're at such a level now that uh, it's indistinguishable, as far as I can tell, from from real, real camera work, you know, on screen. Like it's so uh, solid, and I don't, I don't remember the original Avatar being not, but that was a long time ago as well, and uh, it's very impressive. And the story's pretty good. It's, you know, it's a big action fight sequence. Uh, but doesn't bother you. The, uh, most of that three-hour running time is is uh, setting up the character relationship, so you feel something when somebody dies or some creature dies or whatever. Very good film. I'm surprised how much I liked it. You know, it's a good Andre Norton movie, uh, book, uh, Time Traders. Time you know, Traders. Time, is that a time, time travel traders, one? Yeah. This one is like it's based on the theory that a criminal today would have been like a hero in another age and that the reason he's like a criminal is because the time doesn't uh, suit him well. So they send them all back in time to explore and to go kind of undercover. But then like kind of adventure um, happens. Uh, it takes place during the uh, Bronze Age, I believe. Um, yeah, that's, that sounds right. I, I remember reading one or two. It's got a Virgil like Finley cover on the original. Yeah, this is like a couple of those, aren't there? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a simple series. series. I must have read at least one of them, maybe, maybe more. Or I, I because because they felt like second a, is Galactic Derelict, third is Defiant Agents, which I think I may have read, and a key yeah. out of time is number four, Firehand five, Echoes in Time six, seven is Atlantis Endgame. Wow, that's a long series. It's it's YA. It's. Uh, supposed to teach kids about history but it gets the history really bad <laughs> like, uh, like really wrong like uh you you know like the archaeological term like beakers like there's these people called beakers because they put the beaker culture yeah on their pictures um you know and that was like their big technological advancement and that's how archaeologists archaeologists can find out when these people lived but they go back in time and they find people who literally are called beakers and that's what they call themselves okay um so the 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 the, the history is not that great but um, the story is really good Paul Anderson would have never made that mistake uh that is on Hashtag team Paul Anderson what that audiobook is on Librivox time traders let's just see if it's uh Single narrator. Uh, R.J. Davis. Yep. That is seven hours. A big, chunky book. That's a, that's not that chunky. Seven hours. For her, it is. It's chunky for her. Uh, But are you willing to give Andre Norton another try? I'm willing to do time Uh, traders. It's been a long time. Ask me at the end of the show. (laughs) Ask you at the end of the show. I haven't, uh, I mean, I I just ingested this information now. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like uh, I have a. Uh, you know what? I need to experience some rebirth before I can tell you why I'm here on this mountain. <laughs> Something like that, you know. I trust my. Uh, oh. I trust the voyage to tell me where I'm going. 
Uh, it's usually helpful. Um, let's just, uh, before we, oh, we got Paul's thing. What have you been doing, Terrence? Uh, Friday of next week, a new book by Michel Foucault is coming out. Did you tweet about this? I saw some tweeting activity from you. Yeah, so it's coming out. Um, it's a manuscript that was never published in his lifetime. And, um, it's, um, in fact, a book. So it's, it's coming out in French, um, this Friday. So I've been, uh, preparing to live blog uh, my reading of it if I find it, uh, worth my while to, to do that. So I'm reading it in French and I'm giving everybody who's interested in that. Uh, quite a lot of people like Foucault in English, so I'll be giving them uh, a taste of uh, what's going on uh, at least a year before they translate it. Cool. What's oh, nice. uh, what's what's Foucault known for other than uh, being French? <laughs> He's bald. He was bald. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's ve- that's very significant. I agree. Uh, he um, he was the one who um, uh, set forth. Um, the idea of uh, after the death of God, it's the death of man. Oh, yeah. So that was in the late 60s. Didn't and he predict that we would all live in a prison called a panopticon? Well, he did analyze the panopticon, and he thought it was the model for schools and, <laughs> um, and yeah. hospitals and lots of things. Mm. Or, but he didn't predict it. It was sort of... Um, when he, he considers when he does something, it's almost over, even if it'll take, um, some time. And it was more that we're going to get a, a hybrid thing of, um, the panopticon where one person can see everyone and they can't see the, uh, person who sees, um, mixed with a control society. So he's sort of, predicted that maybe if you want to put it like that um the uh cybernetic um uh surveillance age is sort of right. generalized uh, mini um, your apple watch mini panoptic car yeah your apple watch is going directly to the steve jobs uh vault wherever they yes, got his and we know nothing uh, <laughs> we don't even know if steve jobs nope. is, Robert is alive with, with elvis or not has a novel called Thorns about this really rich guy who he's like a psychic vampire. He gets off on other people's suffering. So what he does is he sets people up in horrible or uncomfortable situations, but for his own personal entertainment so that he can watch them. And, it's it kind of predicts Facebook, like he's kind of like Zuckerberg, Jesse, making people unhappy just for his own uh, enjoyment. But he finds like two really broken people, um, and they're they're both broken for weird science fiction reasons. Um, but one's a guy and one's a girl, and he knows that they're completely incompatible with one another. So he sets them up on like this like tour of like all this different um i I forget if it's the solar system or the galaxy or whatever but he knows that they're going to fall in love but they won't be able to um 
get along and that they'll fight, and he just does it for his own amusement. Uh, one of the guys was disfigured by aliens, and so he's kind of like a human freak. And the woman, um, scientists turned 100 of her eggs into identical clones, but won't let her see them, so wow. she has 100 babies that she's not allowed to see. So he oh. has issues with like his appearance and like his um, manliness, because the aliens grafted all these alien parts on him to make him like part alien, and she has issues with like her motherness and her maternity. And it does sound like a silver bug book. <laughs> it's really good. Um, Sounds nice. It's it's really dark Heart, and heartwarming really, and nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the family pl- pleaser of the year. Full of member berries, so everybody's happy. <laughs> I, I read this book and I'm like, God, it, the rich guy. If Mark Zuckerberg were like really fat, he would just be this rich guy, like uh, a psychic vampire. Wow. I, I've never been a Facebook guy, but it sounds bad. <laughs> didn't, didn't, uh, I, I hear about things happening on Facebook, but they all sound very banal. The thing is, like, it'll ruin your life. And, oh, uh, Facebook will. Destroy, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, Facebook will ruin your life. It'll destroy your mental health. But if you don't look at it, you're missing out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hear, I hear about it secondhand, you know. This thing's happening, that thing's happening. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's something to happen. <laughs> I've got some other I, books to read. I don't like Twitter either. I know, I noticed you. Know, I, 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 I guess a lot of people have trouble with Twitter. Um, I was telling, I was, I think I was show noting, I was telling Evan that. Yeah, it was uh, the podcast coming out. I was telling Evan about Paul, how the way Paul uses Twitter. And it's like, um, it's, it's sort of like a life log. Every, 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 uh, twitch of his boss, every, every person in his workplace, um, I hear a little bit about it, you know, like, oh, the boss says we can't do this. <laughs> and then the next thing is like, um, uh, uh, this person wants to subscribe to my photo group. Or whatever, and oh, oh the, the, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was. Just so I don't. Like, that's I not how I use Twitter. Day. I, 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 I make jokes, and then I put up some thing, and then every once in a while, I look at other people's tweets, and I have some fun there. But it's mostly like hashtag leg cling, or <laughs> I'm just hashtag, amusing. Well, yes, you're, you're I'm just amusing out. myself. Or what was the one that was yesterday? It was uh, sandwich. <laughs> Something I just I just read something on the tweet and I take two words out of it and put a period after it. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's art. <laughs> it just amuses. Me. So I, I I guess a lot of people use Twitter differently, and that's why they don't like it. But for me, it's very entertaining. I find it. And then every once like every once in a while, there's like somebody who I think they're using it wrong. Like two people I don't care anything about is like a reply. I'm like, okay, why did you? Uh, why did you tell me? <laughs> um, seems like, uh, or, or yeah, they say you're tweeting about the wrong things, Jesse. I'm like, well, well, you know, <laughs> that's my things. <laughs> uh, you should get back I to it as a sketch pad. Yeah. I yeah. You, I have to accuse you of tweeting about the wrong. Things. No, no, it wasn't you, Paul. No? It was, it was, uh, uh, somebody's smoldering toxicity, <laughs> which, you know, kind of gives you a sense of personality. I was like, uh, I retweeted, uh, something about Julian Assange being in prison for four years or whatever. Um, 
and I guess uh, Matt Tybee was the guy who was tweeting it, and it's, so it was like two people I care nothing about. Well, I was like, yeah, uh, it's plenty, <laughs> you know, smoldering toxicity. I get it. <laughs> um, oh. So yeah, I don't know. I, uh, Jonathan, you use it, um, and then you delete tweets, and I'm like, no, that was a good tweet thread I was starting to read. Yeah, I, I I try not to say anything substantive on Twitter. I try to just use it to promote my books. And but you to, have to really, right? You because ha- why? Uh, I don't no, have no, to no, do no, 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 no. What I mean is to in to promote your books, you have to um, you have to get engagement, right? No. I, I, I don't know. That's, that's I, just Twitter trying to get you to I don't know. use Twitter the way they want you to. I don't to. sell books. I don't know. You know, it's... Whatever. Uh, your your you art make, covers are great, and you, we need to talk about uh, getting you into audio afterwards. Well, and so. The problem with audio is there's two programs to monetize audiobooks, and both are broken. Um, one is Audible, and the other is Find Away Voices. Yeah. Um, Audible is, you know, as a class action lawsuit of authors against them regarding payment and find a way voices was just acquired by Spotify, which uh, doesn't have the best track record. It's in true. Paying well. But um, you, you also know that the regular publishing industry is also fucked <laughs> the paper book yeah, industry. So, so uh, here's what I would suggest. Um, get a good narrator uh, who doesn't cost a lot. Um, if that means splitting the money or whatever, great uh, or whatever and sell them yourself because mm. i i don't use audible because i'm ethical <laughs> you don't use all the article because you're ethical uh, yeah i will not uh, participate in the drm system if i can possibly avoid it and i can so i choose not to um but uh there are people who will uh you got great covers and the story premises sound really good Maybe maybe your books are terrible, but uh, I I'd be interested in finding out if if I'm wrong about that. I'm, Have you uh, read any of my books? No, I don't read ebooks, oh. uh, and I don't read paper books unless there's no audiobook you available. Don't read, you don't read ebooks. You don't read paper books. Um, what kind of books do you read, Jesse? Mostly, I print things up, <laughs> and then uh, you know read them. I do a lot of audiobooks, Paul. <laughs> I'm I, I'm not going to be one of those people who say that audiobooks isn't reading, but it just seemed odd to me to say like I don't read ebooks. I don't read audiobooks. the whole premise like, of my website was uh, get audiobooks produced, and it well, it worked too well. Was? Oh yeah, it worked too well. It worked were way too well. We've had this talk before. Get audiobooks used to be expensive. Now they're very very cheap, if not free. Um, and. Uh, when once we started getting review copies in, it was it was like tidal wave after tidal wave, and I mean, it was uncontrollable. I mean, you, you, you used to do the new releases episodes. Back yeah, yeah. The first that was a, back. That, but that was a manage that was a management technique, right? New releases, recent yeah. arrivals. It was a yeah. It was a management technique, and it became unmanageable. So we basically stopped doing it. I remember. Yeah. Oh, oh, so. I remember. So uh, there's just uh, – right now, I, I like to think about this a lot because I think it's really important, is there's – we're suffering from a different problem than we used to, at least for some things. It used to be that we lacked material scarcity, right? Now, we, 
we may still lack some material scarcity here and there, you know, water, food, housing, <laughs> clothing, whatever, warmth. Um, but now the problem is there's too many options and we have a, uh, choice scarcity. And so by focusing only on audio, it makes, and then, and then cutting down that, those choices by saying, you know, maybe this author's not good enough. Maybe we shouldn't do this. It, it allows you to winnow down to something that is more manageable. Right? Like, I've heard of uh, Robert Silverberg. Is he a good writer? Let's find out. But if, I think so. Yeah, right? So, there's that. What have you been doing, Jonathan, over the last uh, two years <laughs> since last we chat- <laughs> chatted? Two years. Well, let's see. Uh, I published a book in February and a book in March. Um, the February book was uh, Savage Headhunters. Uh, yeah, Tales great cover on that. Um, your, art, that. Your artist is amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Who's your um, artist's name? That is Ramiro Roman. He uh, His professional uh, hashtag is SkinCubeWorld. Right. But his, right. uh, his name is Ramiro Roman Jr. Um, oh, he's on Facebook. He, oh, no. He does my three. He did. He does the vomit books. He did. Um, he did Kitty Cat Massacre and he did. Uh, she was asking for it. Um, <laughs> so uh, and uh, I've got another uh, Tales to Make You Vomit book coming up. It's going to be an anthology. Um, I've got two of the stories in already and I'm just waiting for the third to come in. They're 10,000 words each. And then I'm going to publish that as an anthology that I edit, my first anthology. And then um, – uh, You can't call it an anthology if it's only you. That's called a collection. An anthology oh, is a – three stories. Is uh, a, three by different authors. authors right? Yes. Uh, one's Misha Burnett. Oh, um, never mind then. Um, um, uh, Max Gunsler. And the third is a horror author named Todd Love. Okay. And then um, I'm going to write the wraparound frame narrative uh, because the series is a frame narrative. Um, but uh, the, the stories are by different authors um, trying to branch out there into uh, publishing. And, and you're the one – what was the one in March? It was called – That was Warrior Soul and Other Stories. Oh, that's that was the Nude March. Ladies one cover. Yes, the Nude Ladies on the cover. Very nice. Um, I actually uh, that cover artist. I actually kind of broke up with him. Oh no! Cover um, because um, he's always done really good art, but really poor design. And um, if you if you look at some of my books, like the Caledonian Boar Hunt, like the art is great. Mm-hmm. The type the title is just not that legible you mean the Uh, font font for the i I get you so he does he does the art and the the uh typeface and stuff like that so this time around um you know the art that he gave me was even better than usual but the titles he gave me were just terrible so I told him, look, I'll pay you for this, give it to me, and I'll get somebody else to uh, you know, design the ebook, uh-huh. the, the, 
book. So so I paid him. He gave me the layered files. I gave them to a designer I know, and he designed the cover. But then my original artist was furious because he thought that the design didn't um, accurately represent uh, the art that that he gave me, and that wow. his art his work was being misrepresented. So he was really furious. So the, and, the Warrior Sorrel and other stories is is the one he he's upset with. Yeah, that but, is the uh, best one of them. I gotta I tell you, that. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like it looks like um, a little bit hard case crime style, but more importantly, it looks more like famous fantastic mysteries or planet stories. It's a yeah. much I, more clear and better. If I send, uh, let's thing. see, if I send in the chat here. Um, Jesse Willis has made the chat history available to everyone. I'll show you what he sent me. Um, oh yeah, it was just uh, completely. Okay. Let, let me see if I can. Uh, if I um okay uh, pictures here. Uh, I'll show you what he uh, what he originally sent me, and you're gonna be like, oh my god, my eyes. This is so. Horrible. This is the this is the. Uh, uh, oh okay. Um, I, I'm putting the latest art in as well, but that's taken a second. All right, let's have a look here. So um, here is what he sent me. And... Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's not as good. That's not as good. It, although that's that's um, it's not not terrible. Um, I would say the yellow with black, red, and it's much p more pulp style. Um, you think his is more pulp style? You think yellow, yellow, uh, warrior soul, and other stories with an ampersand uh, above yeah. the br brunette's head? That's yeah. the best. That's yeah. the best. The one uh, you just sent in the chat at eight thirty eight. J. Manfred Weichel at the top and the pulp stories underneath, less good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not bad. It's much better than most. But um, I like the 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 colors are better on this yellow, red, black. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not sold on the white and black. Yeah, and the blue of. The original artist's uh, yeah, I, that's what I didn't like. But uh, he told me that his artwork was being misrepresented by the change, not only in the color but in the positioning of the characters. <laughs> Dude, uh, I got to tell you, you were right. Um, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but like, I gave him all of these notes, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, about like how to fix it, and because uh -huh. I know, like you know something about how to do it and then um he would just send me like other other versions like uh let me uh let me just show you like what what else he sent me here um like like I, i'd be like you know change this change that and he'd be like well what about this three times a charm I'm like no you're making it worse <laughs> no that that is not better no that's worse in fact um the, the separation between the font and yeah, of the pulp stories and the J Manfred and the Wykel Wykel yeah um, is worse. It's harder to see. Um, Actually, that one might have been the first that he sent me. It doesn't matter. That the, yeah. the, the yeah. one you went with, Warrior Soul and other stories cover 
yeah. is far superior. I want to see. I want to see the Caledonian boar hunt uh, font. Want to see his yeah. original? Okay, no, 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 or whatever you ended up with, because I am only seeing part of it here. Um, I've seen the tales to make you vomit, uh, style, which is a kind of uh, you know what? EC Let me show you style. what he originally sent me for the Caledonian boar hunt. Here, oh, I, I, I'm seeing one here. Um, this is the first one. This yeah, is the first one that he sent me. And then, like, after, like, working with him for days and days and days, mm-hmm. I finally got him to uh, let, let me uh, just open up. That art is really good. That's all I can tell you. The art is yeah. really good. Maybe he's not a des- uh, graphic designer or whatever he's it is. He's not. Those guys. But the, the problem is he won't let me fix it when it's, like – when when there's something wrong with it mm. like he's i know he's not a graphic designer but um you know the the problem is whenever i try to get somebody else to uh fix it he goes and this is this is what we finally wound up with after like days of me giving him notes and everything which is better much better um much better let's have a look it's clearer so, you know, it's still not like, uh, the, black, the black. The black at the top and the bottom make it clearer, but yeah. uh, that is not great graphic design. Guy's no, good artist, not a great graphic designer, unfortunately. You know, and like, who did you get to do the Warrior Soul uh, yellow, black, and red with the banner? Because where did I get that? No, who oh, who did uh, that? Because that's good. Graphic design. Oh, a uh, friend of mine uh, named Drew Stepic. He owns the um, ebook store godless.com. I've <laughs> never um, heard of it, but that's not surprising. The internet's huge. Yeah, godless, G O D L E S S dot com. It's an Had ebook store. Now. This is what he used as the template to design the cover. And um, yeah, other worlds. Yeah, but it's very much very pulpy. Designed to attract the eye, designed to tell the reader what they're getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I think I'm not a graphic design uh, guy who thinks it's really important, but apparently I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's far superior. And All it's right. not I'm like not- the color. Honestly, people don't understand. Pulp colors are very important. Black, white, not so much white, red, (laughs) um, mustard, mustard, (laughs) ketchup, uh, black, and uh, blue, (laughs) a little bit of white. That's what it is. It's to show this is a real color product, right? (laughs) Yeah. We don't want a lot of grays. We don't want a lot of light blues. We don't want to – like the red – attracts the eye it makes you say blood it makes you say love it makes you say yellow (laughs) black yellow dude it's important so the artist is uh excellent his graphic design not so excellent yeah but you know when he's not letting me change it myself it's like he wants to control my business like he thinks just because he did the art like in his mind um you know he doesn't understand the whole business side of it he well, says like well you know he doesn't say like i'm making a book cover he says like this is my art yes this yes. is my art yeah and he's yeah. using my yeah, art. he doesn't understand um, that 
you know, uh, and even though yeah. I pay him, he understands that I pay him for it. But, you know, yeah. in his mind, it's like I'm paying to use his art. I don't have the right to change or modify his. Yeah. Artwork. Yeah. He's, so he's thinking of himself as an artist first, uh, which is, you know, like uh, here's I love Virgil Finlay, but he did uh, a lot of horoscope magazines. I don't think horoscope magazines are good idea. <laughs> They're a bad <laughs> idea. But he's the corporal who needs to get the bills paid. Uh, so he, I think he, uh, understood that, you know, sometimes you're going to do stuff you, you, <laughs> it's not ideal. Maybe he, maybe he really loved horoscopes. I don't know, but, uh, we won't remember him for his horoscope stuff as much as we do for his, uh, his famous step fantastic away. mysteries and weird tales and such. I'm going to step away and use the restroom. I'll be back. In yep. A Sounds good. Well, uh, what do you guys think about these, uh, graphic design choices because i think it's really obviously clear which one is better i'm not well i mean the uh the pulp stories one i had a clearer opinion on than the other ones you mean uh the um the, the color choice the color choice yeah yeah yeah, on yeah. The, warrior the soul stories. and other stories that, versus that, yeah. versus yes yeah, um, i vote for warrior soul it's beautiful right <laughs> yes jesse i i thought so um, the Caledonian boar hunt art is great. Um, the font, not so great. I guess it's not the font. It's, no, the, it's, it's the design. It's difficult to read. Um, it blends in with the tree trunks. Yes, yes. it does. Yeah, yeah, the, the coloring of but the But even, even the improved version, or, you know, with the black, blackened at the top and bottom background, is still like that. It's a kind of a waste of space, like the. Up top in center, you're wasting space there. Yes, it's more uh, for your information rather than a, a real sort of. It feels like a stamp over top, right? Yes. And uh, what I, I love, uh, uh, hey, yeah, we're just uh, uh, we're still talking about your covers. Um, oh. uh, so on the other worlds that's in the chat, there, I, what I love about when. I did a store, sorry, a little Twitter thread about about somebody uh, having photoshopped the, uh, a Planet Stories cover, um, and they they improve it, by improving it. They actually took away Alan Anderson's signature, and it was probably was not a to you know deny him his right. Blah blah blah. It was just to try and make the image um, less grainy and less uh scratched by time so like it's improving the art back to what we would think the original cover would look like on this newsstand but in the process of cleaning it up the artist name was eliminated and and in thinking about like what makes something good one of the things is composition on pulp covers they tend to have great composition so like on this particular other worlds which is not a famous magazine at all it's pretty obscure um the alien's head is slightly in front of the other world's banner right the black mm -hmm. the red that's very distinct and clear then the 35 cents and the date under the 35 cents is clear but the blue uh, you give, giving the date is a little bit obscured. May 1950 or 1956. It's hard to, hard to read there. Uh, Dear Devil, top right hand corner. And then the 
uh, authors, bottom left-hand corner, S.J. Byrne, Jerome Bixby, A.E. Van Vaught, and Raymond F. Jones. And there's an interpunct between them. Like, this is imperfect, right? The S.J. Byrne, there's a big space, then an interpunct, then Jerome Bixby. That's a, like, sort of an error. Whereas the A.E. Van Vaught space, interpunct, space, Ra- Raymond F. Jones, right? That's actually better. But the interpunct was improper. Like, this is imperfect, but this is like a thousand times better typography or whatever it is design than the one right above it. Because it's a waste of space to have the the centered. Uh, and, you know, we're losing the art. It's cropping is very important to <laughs> making the image best. So I don't know, uh, Jonathan, uh, it's sad that your artist doesn't is mad at you, but you got the right eye. Because yeah. one of the reasons I know who you are is because I saw your art covers. I'm calling them yours, even though, yes, the other guy designed them. You're the guy who picked him. You're the guy who said, I, I want it to look distinctive. And then you're picking subjects which are cool to be illustrated. So trust your gut. You're right about this. And uh, <laughs> maybe we can do a Silverberg show. What do you think? Somebody who does vomit stories, trust your gut. <laughs> I wanted to see my uh, vomit story. I feel like like we probably should be getting started, but you all wanted to yeah, see. Yeah, we need to get started. My vomit stories. Huh? Um, well, you can just look. Yeah, they're they're. Yeah, I saw them on Amazon. They're good. They're really yeah. nice. Um, I mean, I know what I'm getting. <laughs> Jungle jitters. <laughs> Five Maidens of the Pentagram, yep. Ibu Gogo. See, that one, I'd be worried about the title being not uh, helpful to the sales. But um, the thing is, is the art is very helpful to the sales, methinks. <laughs> Makes me want to buy it. Are real things from Indonesian mythology. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Um, and sometimes you can power through on that. And uh, like Downward to the Earth, not a great title. But what would be better for this book? I don't know. Um, Heart of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's been, been done. <laughs> it's been done. It's been done. But let's actually talk about why that's right. a good title. Let's get started. All right. Uh, so Jesse, Paul, uh, Terrence, and uh, Jonathan. That's correct. And at the, since Jonathan goes at the end, he can he can plug his uh, his latest. Books that will be mentioned eight months later when this podcast comes out. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's kind of a little bit behind me. Can you hear me okay now? No, it's not great. No. So right now I'm, I got it on my armrest in front of me. How can you hear it now? Not great. And now I'm holding it and I'm talking into it. Much better, much better. So, right, so I can tell. So what Joe Rogan says is you you should be a fist away from your microphone. So you take a fist between you and your mic and you okay. stick yourself in between that. All right. And then that's ideal. Okay. I am a fist away from my microphone. Sounds right perfect. Now. You wouldn't tell that it wasn't a real, you know, proper microphone yeah and you know i probably well the iphone 10 has a proper microphone no they're um, really good they're a very solid audio quality devices yeah. but you have to use them properly as well so yeah. the the thing i have is uh it's a it's called a blue it got bought by logitech recently uh blue was the american 
company and now it's Logitech or Logi or something like that. Um, but they still have a separate division or company called Blue. And then uh, I used that for years and they come with a little stand, but it's low. And so you have mm-hmm. to sort of lean over. But then they started making um, a boom, a uh, big thing that hangs over, right? Okay. And that is ideal. It's what, you know, uh, all the professional people use. But what's great about it, other than not having to lean over for two and a half hours to get uh, ideal position or just sounding shitty, you're like, I'm way back here and you can hear that it's not as good, right? Yeah. But when I bring my voice closer to the microphone, now it's in the ideal relationship with the phone or in this case, the um, mic. And the way it's positioned, it's right in front of my nose, right in front of my yeah. eyes, a little higher. Um, but I now have all this desk space in front of me free so I can uh, fiddle with my gum or <laughs> sure. whatever. Uh, uh, or Paul can use his noisy keyboard, although he doesn't have a boom. I don't know his positioning. He's, his sound quality went down after his new computer some sort of fan noise, but it's not, it's manageable. A lot of it can be fi- A lot of the issues can be fixed with, um, uh, just like the, what we did. So we're lucky today. I think everybody else was headphoned. Um, okay. so there wasn't almost any echo. Um, but on that one, you did, um, uh, was it a video podcast or something? No, it was, it was, uh, I it was YouTube, but it was audio. It yeah, was yeah. Done through yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Streamyard or whatever that right. Thing was called. That was uh, diff. It was difficult because the guy would ask a question, you would start to answer, then we'd hear the echo, and that would interrupt the flow, right? Yeah. But um, I I think that's what probably reminded me. I don't know. I I've been um. Well, I heard the echo too because there was a couple oh, yeah. times when I thought that he was talking but so i stopped and said what but yeah it was just my echo and then i realized what it was yeah so i stopped pausing like so that that, that uh, this is probably the ideal format for you for now is just use your phone make sure it's charged but how did i find how did i sound uh today uh, today it was okay it was passable it's not ideal yeah, um, I, I could hear every word so that's good but um we also want to make it as I, I always think about the ideal listener, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when we're doing a podcast and somebody's wife is in the other room yelling or whatever, that's bad. But not because yeah. it ruins the show, but because it distracts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's it, it was fine. We, we always get better as we go. And goddamn, the technology is getting cheap and better for this have you have you read uh uh em forster's the machine stops uh no but i've heard of it it's kind of like uh everybody's in a little room by themselves yep. and they just talk to cell. each other over over like screens yeah, and audio Skype, devices. discord slash um youtube it's it, it's i don't believe that you predict things in science fiction stories i don't think you know things sometimes look similar like they've been predicted or words are similar Mm -hmm. um but the guy got us down he got us down so good it's all it was like especially during covid when people are like all home delivery stuff like a lot of people just out of the loop the laptop class you know just not not connected to reality and the lady in that podcast, in that podcast, in that um, 
story, she has a son who lives on the other side of the planet. And, you know, she talks to him via Skype. Uh, but she doesn't really care about what's going on in the world because she only cares about Australian music in the 21st century or something, which is a historical topic that she's talking about to her very small streaming audience. Like I, I used to say podcasting, but it's, it's actually streaming. So uh-huh. it's like, it's, it's an incredible story, uh, because of how much he's getting right about human nature and how we'll pamper ourselves and lie to ourselves. And, you know, they've got a Bible, but the Bible is the manual for, for the, for the instruction manual for the universe around them, which is, you know, a giant machine. And this kid is like, no, mom, you got it wrong. (laughs) She's trying to talk to her about vaccines or whatever. And she's like, no, I follow the science. (laughs) I believe Dr. Fauci. (laughs) And then, um, (laughs) and then the world starts falling to shit. Like, the machine stops working, like it doesn't deliver the food she wants or whatever. And, um, and he's like, I'm coming to save you, mom. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he comes by airship and, um, yeah. she has to, uh, oh, and everybody's naked all the time because they're at uh-huh. home inside this little, uh, and it is, um, uh, hexagonal. It's like a, they're, they're like bees in their little uh, pods. It's a, it's yeah. an amazing book. Uh, and it's not a book. It's a short story or, you know, an hour long. Yeah. I've heard of it. I've it's good. Of it. It, I, I think I, I saw people writing about it a lot during the pandemic. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of where I, um, who's it by? Uh, Ian e. Forster, who wrote uh, Howard's End and a bunch of weird stuff that's not science fiction, right? Yeah, I've never, I haven't read him, but, uh, you know, I could, I could check it out. I, I've I got a podcast it. on it. Let me dig it out. Yeah, um, I could even. Is it the one where you read the book? Or yeah, the one where I believe so. E M. Let's see. Yeah, there it is. is Two twenty. Is Long. it the reading short and deep one? No, actually... we didn't have that back then. It's from twenty thirteen, so ten years ago. There oh. it is. Uh, yeah, that one's only half hour. This is so the audiobook is an hour thirteen, um, whereas. Uh, so we couldn't do that on reading short and deep because we only do things that are half hour or less. But lately Eric wants them to be entirely readable during the show, which I'm fine with, but it makes it harder because if we're going to talk about it, we have to have time to talk about it. So it actually has to be about 15 minutes, not half an hour to read. Right. It's, it's actually, it's a good format because you hear the story and then you get the discussion. A hundred percent. So this one is the same format. It's just longer. Um, and it has Eric in it as well. Um, okay. Uh, and Mr. Jim Moon, who's amazing. So the, the audio book is on your website? Yeah, I just sent the in the chat, but I'll send it to you by a direct message on... Um, yeah, because this chat on my phone, I don't really yeah, see. No worries. Um, I'll, I, I I'll really DM really it to you in... Uh, what's that called? Uh, Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Ugh, I hate Twitter. I can't You say it, it, but I would never even heard of you without Twitter. But... I know, and a lot of people wouldn't. That's why I. Uh, that's why I stay on it. But yeah. I'm captive. I'm stuck. I can't leave. If I leave <laughs> you're my you're making career, it sound like you're in a prison. It is a prison. It's a panopticon. <laughs> All right. You're constantly being watched and monitored by uh, Elon Musk. All right. And, he doesn't bother me that much. A no, lot of people upset. D- upset. I don't. He doesn't bother me. But, but I think he's funny. Still, 
the leader, the fact that there's a leader bothers me. Like before that, it was uh, Joe. No, name? yeah, no, um, it wasn't Joe. It was the, uh, with the beard. Yeah, uh, Jack. Jack. Jack Dorsey. Yeah. One, if it's not one, it's the other. It's just yeah. No, it should be. It should be owned by uh, the Commons, but it's not. Yeah. But he's he's a he's a very good troll, and he. Uh, I mean, the fact that CBC is still off of and NPR is still off of of twitter i mean like i think he 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 trolls in a way that makes me have faith (laughs) which is strange because like the fact that he's willing to take financial hits um to make jokes is like that's that's a great sign whereas I, i don't think jack dorsey was willing to do that as far as like Twitter's overall health as a business, it's probably not not the best. It was thing. never good before, though. That was but, a lie, right? But it, before it was losing a little bit of money. Now it's losing a lot of money. He but he might be of, willing to do that. He loves it. I, I love it. He's I think a billionaire. It. But if he's lose like if he's got a billion dollars in interest payment every quarter, which is what he does, like have you ever taken out a loan and had to pay it back? <laughs> yes. A billion interest a quarter? That's insane. That's okay. He gets a bailout. We don't. We don't have to pay the bills like he does. We actually have to pay our bills. When you're in that class, you don't have to pay bills. I mean, well, how many I, I ta- think, how many times has Trump gone uh, bankrupt? I think the. Um, don't worry the, uh, about him. He'll be fine. The banks, they don't want him to go bankrupt because if Twitter fails, they lose all a lot of money. So they're going to give him a little bit of leeway, uh, a little more than they would He's us. fine. I mean, they're, they're, and you know, I, I'm not a big, I was not a big fan of the old system. Um, I was a critic of it. Um, I think the new system is probably stupid, but I also think it's better. Like the blue, blue check subscription. I'm not going to pay any money because uh, it's not that important to me. And I like to keep my money in my bank accounts. I don't like to spend money because I don't make any money. So (laughs) uh, it's not for me. But if some weirdo wants to promote themselves, I don't have anything against it. In fact, I think it's fine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, And I I do think it's good that there was a reckoning where all these fake, uh, fake important people uh, had their titles taken away from them. I think that that's very important. Yeah, that that is pretty good. I, I just, I mean, the whole social media thing is, uh, it's not Twitter, it's not Elon Musk, it's not Mark Zuckerberg, it's not Facebook. It's just the whole concept uh, of social media. Like, you know, whenever I'm on one of those platforms, I feel like I'm being manipulated. By the way, like, all this is in the show, just so you know. <laughs> oh, is this in the show? Oh, everything's in the show always. Oh, I did not know that. I thought the very beginning <laughs> part. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Oh wow, I did not know it's that. Okay. Well, no, you haven't said anything. Could... You haven't said anything that anyone could be offended by who I would care about. So, well, and yeah, remember, there's so... almost no listeners. So, <laughs> the thing with social media is like, right, so like George Orwell, like he said, like, oh, like you know, the TV that watches you, yeah, and everyone's like, oh wow, he saw the future, but like he couldn't imagine like a book that reads you. Oh yeah, and that's how I feel like I'm when I'm on social media. I feel like I'm reading a. It's a book, but instead of me reading the book, the book is reading me. And that's what makes me feel uncomfortable when I'm on those platforms. Mm. It doesn't have to do with any type of, you know, leader 
person or any type of any particular platform or my like or dislike for that platform. It's just the whole idea of having everything that I do watched and then used to, you know, feed me information. Yeah, that's our system what, right what now. I object to. Um, yeah, that's, that's the dilemma we're stuck in. Unfortunately, you know, of course it's useful. Um, you know, it's useful. So the whole thing, I, I, like, I would have preferred that we keep blogs in existence and not delete blogs off the internet. Um, blogs still exist. I know because I have one, but I don't visit blogs, unfortunately, because they were so destroyed. So Twitter is is my way of keeping up with all the blogs that I used to read. Which I really liked. I liked being able to say, hey, look at this on my blog, right? And now, you know, doing – do you remember back in the time of blogs, they had like 40 different shareable things, right? There was like sure. share it on this, share it on that, share it. And like, should I include all of these? And turns out I only need to include one, which is Twitter or Facebook, I guess, maybe. Yeah. But Twitter I like – I, I just took all that shit off Um I'm not active on anything other than Twitter and Skype. And I mean, I use Discord to tell when somebody's playing a game, but that's just so I can join a game. You know, for me, it's like I write my books, and that's what I consider to be my like artistic. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, creation, my, my, my output, mm -hmm. um, is in the books. And I feel like there's a lot of people where, and like, I lived in Hollywood for 10 years. Well, I saw that, the, um, you, you know, you're in a thread that was sounded really good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw this when I lived in Hollywood where somebody would reach a certain plat, a certain point in their career and they'd start like using social media to advance their career, which is very new then. I, and all of a sudden, like, the social media would take over and instead yeah, yeah. of pursuing their actual career, they would pursue the social media. Absolutely. And the reason they would do that is because of the um, whole, um, like it would hijack the reward punishment center of their brain. There's so a, like, do you know the, uh, there's a channel, I don't know, his YouTube channel called your boy, Zach. He's, sure. Oh, you know him. Okay. So it's the uh, internet's huge. He just talked about how somebody was doing, you know, it was like, Oh, I, I, all I need to do is just accuse somebody of racism. <laughs> and now they'll hire me and I can delete the things. And then it's like, that is evil, right? That's pure yeah. evil. Um, but notice that those people are all corporate captured, right? So the guy who runs Marvel, uh, Marvel Comics, whatever his name is, who's doing a shitty job, has been, they've been doing a shitty job for many years. Whatever he, uh, he says, you know, I want to keep my shitty job. <laughs> so I got to work with my enemies here. I know it's going to hurt the company, but uh, whatever. <laughs> I got to keep my shitty job. Those people, they're fucked. But you and me, I don't think we're fucked. Not, we can live in this panopticon. Uh, it, it seems like your career is not tied to uh, you making friends with Elon Musk or uh, what's the other guy? Jeff Bezos, right? Yeah. Which is great, because if you do have to do that, if you do have to care about n not offending people, you can't be your real self, and then you have to play the game. It's true. Uh, have um, your own servers. Uh, so uh, with regard to audiobooks, that's what I would do. I know it's an investment, um, but it need not be. Um, if you want to, like, dip your toe in the water, offer somebody 50-50 um, on revenue. 
or whatever ratio you want. And if it works out great, great. And if not, it's just one thing and you can do it, you know, or you do it for a limited time or whatever. Maybe I'll record my own audio box. Yeah, you need to get a good mic. You need to. Well, I got my iPhone 10. This is working just fine. I can. Uh, it's you know, okay. Gotta, it's okay. Got, it's not ideal gotta, for audiobook, right? I got to record a short story for uh, a there godless you go. uh, YouTube store, there you uh, go. YouTube show. Um, I've, I've got to do it soon. And I've downloaded the app uh, Dolby On onto my phone. Wow, okay. I've been playing with that. And I think, you know, I could probably. You can edit it on your computer, too. You, you don't need yeah. to. You can download it from your computer and edit it on your computer you don't need to like do all the editing on your phone if you don't well, want why to. would i need to edit it i can just <laughs> <laughs> why would i need to edit it well uh, so because I you want to make it professional it. right i can read i can get it right the first time okay i'm i'm uh, amazed i'm amazed yeah i'm i'm uh but uh that uh, bronson bronson pinchot took a sip of wine sat down in a chair read the whole novel perfectly in one session (laughs) it's possible some people do get really good at it but eric you you know eric stumbles during his readings um Mm -hmm. scott may do a little tiny light bit of editing but it's a slightly different format right i mean i'm just saying for commercial purposes if you want to sell you uh you want to have it people yeah. if people are going to pay money they they want it to sound great and you're going to want it to sound great and yeah. and you know you're probably you're probably the best person to read it that you know right mm-hmm. because you know the stuff you know how it's supposed to be said but goddamn if you could get Grover Gardner to do work my friend yeah. if you can get Wayne June to do your work oh my god if you could so, do you know there are some yeah, great people who do great work at it, and uh, I think our job as uh, people who are not professional cover artists is to pick out the, the great ones and say that that this is great, this is great, this this part not so great. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm sad to hear you're not in good books with that that artist because um they should uh, yeah no he's a really good artist he just uh, his his design work uh, is lacking and he wouldn't. Be he wasn't amenable to yep. me, uh, you know, hiring an outside designer. But so, you're right; you, know, you have to stick to your guns because you're yeah, right. Um, but you know, with, with social media, like how many people do you know where like they they publish maybe one book, maybe two books, they start promoting those books on Twitter, and then they just become tweeters. And instead of writing books, now they're writing tweets. And yeah. That's, no, that's I don't. I don't know a lot of those people, but uh, honestly, I think most. Time. Yeah, uh, but. You know, uh, it's good that you're acting this way in the sense that you're you're worried about falling down a dark path because um, we should do, be our best selves uh, whenever we can. <laughs> and if your best self is tweeting, that's kind of sad. Twitter is good for, you know, writing the jokes, writing down your dream in the middle. Uh, use it like a commonplace book as a scratch pad, as a way of contacting people and finding out, you know... Uh, hey, you want to do a show on this? Uh, I hear you. I hear you like uh, racist timeline novels. <laughs> you want to do a show on one? <laughs> How about ones where uh, black men get castrated or white men get castrated? I can't remember. Somebody gets castrated. It was the uh, white men who get castrated. Good, and, good. And that makes that makes Heinlein racist somehow. 
<laughs> and they also uh, are food for their uh, black uh, rulers. They eat them. Oh, that's and, fine. Uh, cut off their thumbs. Heinlein does enjoy his cannibalism. Yeah, his incest um, uh, and his cannibal. It's why I like him so much. I think. <laughs> I don't read Heinlein for the ideas. I read him for the cannibalism and the cannibalism. incest. I guess Stranger in a Strange Land has cannibalism. Oh, it's what a else? it's a very common theme. What else has cannibalism? Uh, Job, Comedy of Justice. I've go, read that a long time. He, uh, that one, he went on a, a cruise of the South Pacific. Um, I don't know. He, incest is a bigger thing than cannibalism. Yes. Incest happens in a lot of Heinlein. Yeah. Um, especially his later books. Have you heard uh, my talking about his, um, uh, his uh, transgender... Uh, philia? Yes. Yeah, because that's um, super strong, too. fear no evil. Uh, it's, um, it's very strong there, but it's 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 in so many stories. Yeah, but you're, you're kind of... He kind of looks at it in, like, a different way than, like, modern people who are into oh, yeah. it look at it. Oh, because, yeah, absolutely. like, he kind of... He's not sexual- all about... Yeah, no, he's not, he, he's not all about the... Um, this is my identity. <laughs> yeah, he's more like about, he's more like I love sex. ladies' bodies. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I need to be a woman because I was always a woman. He says, "Now that I'm a woman, I'm sexy." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So you know that's very it's very different from how, how they see that kind of thing today. Yes. Um, yeah, it is. It is actually like a contagion of some kind today. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about why um, why it's so popular, and I mm-hmm. was thinking like um, it probably does have something to do with like uh, uh, people saying you can be anything you want, dear. <laughs> and yeah, there is no god. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, yeah, there is no god, and we do have to find our own way in the universe. However. Um, you can't be anything you want, dear. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't be a world champion figure skater if you have no legs. It's we were talking about Avatar and why Avatar is so appealing. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's kind of the same thing. People are um, wish fulfillment. Yeah, and just the the connection that people have between their minds and their bodies mm-hmm. is kind of severed, so they see them as two different things. I think you. I think you're onto something there. And. Um, so it's it's very and um, but really I think Silverberg is the one who who had the right idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the horror of uh, you know he's the, the body. Something. Yeah, he's, um, he he spends a little too much time in relationship stuff, which mm-hmm. you know, like um, I, even like when I'm loving his short story ideas, passengers or whatever, you know, just. Loving his short story ideas, his science fiction worlds that he creates, and these little short stories. Oftentimes, the plot has to do with relationship stuff, and sure. I'm like, I don't care anything about that. I think, I mean, I understand it's a part of life, but so is you know buying toilet paper. I just don't care. <laughs> it's not that interesting. <laughs> I yes, I probably should go buy some, but I do have a bidet, so I don't need to buy as much as most people. Very interesting, right? By the way, that'll change your life, a bidet. Uh, well, I'm an American, and we don't do bidets. Uh, uh, I bought uh, one um, I bought one during the pandemic when there was a toilet paper shortage. Uh-huh. 
And um, I knew because my mom had had one. Um, she had a very expensive $400 one from Japan. Electric and heats and does, you know, all sorts of things. You don't need all that. It's You can get like a little um, a thing. It sits on top of your... It becomes your toilet seat lid. It's amazing. Just makes your life much better. So this has to do with like the French influence in Canada. Like, do all Canadians <laughs> have the days? Is that it? No, no, no. No, most people, it's like, most people don't have Brave, Brave Browser and most people don't have the days. But um, I mentioned This Immortal by Zelazny. Mm-hmm. Um, if you liked this book, uh, that's one that uh, you might want to check yeah, out. Yeah, um, like, I'm, so I'm down Earth? for it, but I'm I'm also not a huge Zelazny fan. I I I read first book of Amber, whatever it was called. This is science fiction, though. That's fantasy. Yeah, but I read some of his his other stuff, and I'm like, I don't like him every, uh, as much as everybody else. He's kind of like Theodore Sturgeon to me. Everybody thinks Theodore Sturgeon is the shit. I'm reason like he's okay. But um, th- th- this book, it's uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, but um, it takes place in Greece. And the radiation has caused like all of these creatures from Greece myth- Greek mythology to come back. So That's there's cool. like centaurs and like you know all, all this stuff. And uh, it's about a Greek guy who's leading tourists around Greece. But undercover, he's like this guy who tried to lead Earth when he was younger in rebellion against uh, its alien colonizers. And there's aliens on the tour. And there's other people who he uh, dealt with who were against him and for him. And, you know, uh, so is the title like, the Joseph Conrad reference? Uh, Call me Conrad. It's this immortal. Yeah, but the serial is called And Call Me Conrad. I don't know. I know it's part of a series, but I haven't read. Uh, no, the original uh, serialization is called "And Call Me Conrad." Okay, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it is. But it's not. not connected to um to uh, Joseph Conrad. I don't know. Oh, um, I I don't I don't know. I think it might be just the character's name. Okay. Conrad, maybe I yeah. don't know. But it, it, in in a lot of ways, it, it reminds me just just not like in terms of the plot. But in terms of the tone, the tone is very similar of like, uh, oh, yeah, when I was younger, I loved this woman. But then circumstances pulled us apart. And, uh, you know, I fought this war, but I don't know if I believe in anymore, but I kind of still do. But I kind (laughs) of see how the aliens see things, too. And, you know, so like like just in terms of the the tone, it, it reminds me a lot. Of uh, of downward to the earth. I like that. So yeah. I'm gonna I'll um, just search for the audiobook now, and uh, after the next one, um, if we, I mean, maybe you won't like it if you don't like Zelazny. No, it's not that I don't like him. It's that mm-hmm. uh, I don't like some people like live for Zelazny. No, I'm not crazy about him. I've not I haven't read that much. Um, it should be I've available read, like, as an audio. The first two Amber books, and I've read this, and I think that's probably all I've read. Oh, it's on YouTube. Uh, there it is. Five hours forty two minutes. There we go. But I know um I've got some others and I know that, that it's part of a series. I've got Damnation Alley, which I know is part of the same series, but it's earlier and I've never read that one, but I've got it. Um, uh. So, yeah, I, I just know that there's a movie and wasn't there a TV show or something? I don't know. 
There is a TV show for the Logan's Run, but that's not. Oh, here, here's Night Wings. I, I do, I do have Night Wings by Robert Silverberg. Huh. And Night Wings, a Robert, uh, a novel of redemption and renewal. Yeah, so a the slim- I think that might be the expanded version of the sh- the novella. Okay, but I don't remember. I think I read the short story or the novella version, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure because it was in a book, like a physical <laughs> book rather than a magazine. Yeah. Well, a lot of books. It could be first. a fix-up. I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, I should I should check out both. I'm reading uh, Heinlein right now. Actually, I'm Which reading one? Starman Jones. Um, have we done that? I I think we haven't. I think that's one of oh, there's like two juveniles we haven't done yet. Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's a little slow getting started. I read it when I was really really little. It might have been the first science fiction novel I read, wow. but uh, it, it's a little slow. He's talking about like guilds and stuff, mm. and uh, reminds me a lot of what what's going on today with the uh, WGAW. Yeah, I, um, I like how uh, some people who normally don't care about strikes at all love this one, and then the people who care about the other strikes think that this is not a. Uh, they're like. Um, it would it be so bad if we had <laughs> robots t- doing TV shows? <laughs> well, um, you know, people, and I don't know, uh, people don't understand like what writing is or like why, why people do it or like why, what purpose it serves. There's an old essay by, um, there's an, there's an, old essay by harlan ellison um where he's talking about writing for star trek Uh and uh he's at the convention and none of these people are aware that star trek has writers (laughs) they they just think like the actors wake up one day and decide to go on an adventure in space so you know he's trying to explain to people at the convention what he does as a tv writer and he just kind of gets blank stares and he talks well how ignorant would you have to be to watch a tv show and not know who wrote it would you pick up a book and not know who wrote the book you know they don't emphasize that in like so i was talking about nigel neal right in the uk it used to be that it would you know come up um doctor who episode whatever and then it would say by robert holmes right Mm -hmm. and then there wouldn't be any more credits including actors until the end because it was his thing where do we get that in the states we don't the only time, like, even J. Michael Straczynski might try and name a show after himself, you know. J. Michael, or Gene Roddenberry's, right, they, they, mm-hmm. they try and get the name of their thing. Or, like, John Carpenter was smart about that, right? He would call yeah. it John Carpenter's this. or right? It made him, people, social, oh, it's a John Carpenter movie. Oh, God, see that, right? So when I say Nigel Neal, nobody knows any, you know, nobody knows him, mm-hmm. but he's amazing. Like his stuff is just like crackerjack. I, I, mm-hmm. I watched Quatermass 2, the movie adaptation of the serial. Man, uh-huh. that thing is fucking roller coaster. It starts off like, oh, that's interesting. And like, oh my God, it's getting like, I can't believe they're doing it. It's like, it's done. Yeah. And it's, it's like two hours, right? And the, the one I sent you, um, yesterday or the day before. Yeah. The crunch. The crunch. It's an hour long. And, you know, he has no budget, right? No, not that he's making it. He just wrote it. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's BBC or whatever. It's very cheap. Um, but they, they, they make up for it in off, like, I was, I hadn't watched all the Nigel Neal stuff. I've, I haven't even watched all of it yet, but 
Um, I hadn't watched very much Nigel Neal when I watched Doctor Who. Basically none. The original Doctor Who, not the abomination that exists now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, like, I didn't know that the John Pertwee era was just a ripoff of Nigel Neal. I had no idea. I just thought this is amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it re- like the very first episode, Spearhead from Space, is a Nigel Neal, I premise, stolen from Quatermass 2, combined with another premise and a few other things. And they just said, how about we do that as like a, a weekly serial series? Not just a serial, but a serial series. And Doctor Who is a combination of like H.G. Wells' The Time Machine plus historical like uh, adventures where you go see Romans and get, become a slave. Or the Aztecs and become a uh, Aztec sacrifice or whatever, uh-huh. and then these amazing like you know metaphors from science fiction like uh, Terry Nation's Daleks, right? Like Daleks, you can sort of get overboard with Daleks, especially today. But the original premise is like, man, that's amazing. They're kind of Nazis, but they're also kind of mutants, and they're kind of disabled people, but they're also our future. And, like, do we have sympathy for them? Well, they have no sympathy for us. Like, it's super strong, right? And mm. and that's Nigel Neal. <laughs> like, in a nutshell. Like, he's he he's the uh, the guy we should... He has a one I've, I haven't watched yet. I'm kind of waiting to savor it. One called The Year of the Sex Olympics. I'm like, I have no idea what it's about. Sounds like <laughs> not my thing. But since Nigel Neal wrote it, it's going to be good. Well, Whatever it's about, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I I'm I think even like back in the day, like uh, Rod Serling was a famous TV writer. Even, Amazing. even before the Twilight. Zone, oh yeah, um, he's you know, he's like, like that. He's like a Nigel Neal of the States. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, like the old Star Trek episodes, they did actually have the writer's name. Oh yeah, at the beginning of the credits. Um, but you know, his, his but it would be one guy, right? It wouldn't be like like yeah. even the Avatar movie. You know, I assume it's ninety percent James Cameron, but it's got co-writers, right? It's, it mm-hmm. says script by and then story, and there's like five people. Yeah, but it, on a television, like remember when um there was no modern star trek that anybody liked except for the liars who said that they liked it um oh. or the people who were so fucking dumb that they yeah didn't realize it was <laughs> it wasn't just like people Enterprise. emoting like enterprise no no dude that's way better than what <laughs> like discovery uh, i made a i i was talking about here uh, i did a thread here is robert j sawyer uh, you know hugo winning writer's uh, apartment in Branford, Ontario, wherever it is, Burlington, Ontario. Um, and here is the guy who writes um, <laughs> Star Trek, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the pilot episode for the Star Trek uh, Discovery series. And one of them lives like in an apartment, a very modest sized apartment. And he's a full-time science fiction writer. He brags about it, right? <laughs> and here's the guy who wrote this shitty episode of Star Trek. One of the stupidest, shittiest episodes of Star Trek you'll ever imagine. And it's like, you know, it's not a mansion, but it's a, it's a pretty much a Hollywood mansion, you know? Oh. And it's like, what's the difference between these two guys? One writes for TV, and the other one writes for, you know, p- paper books that, you know, almost nobody reads. And and even Robert J. Uh, Robert Silver or Robert J. Sawyer, he got a TV series out of one of one of his things that didn't last two seasons, I don't think. But you know, he got some Hollywood money at some point. 
you know, the TV writers, they make a lot of money because they have the, those guilds. Um, exactly. You know, exactly. exactly. Um, but the, but there's also, a like, there's so much money in, in Hollywood you know, I was that they can extract it from that. They don't extract it from the readers, right? They extract well, it from the, the profits to be made on television and movies, not the profits to be made on selling books because nobody fucking reads books, man. You know, I was I was thinking about that and, uh, you know, why don't people read books anymore? And I think it's like people think it's because people are like illiterate or like whatever. But I think it's actually because people read too much. Like people read at work and they read for their jobs. People used to watch the news on TV. Now they just read the news in their phones all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Social media is nothing but reading. So I, I think people read so much now that when they are, you know, want to wind down and, and have some entertainment, they're not going to turn to reading as their first choice. I think there, there's too much. Video games now. are their first choice. <laughs> Video games are number one. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are, but I can tell you. Video games, computer games, are way bigger than Hollywood. Way bigger now. Well, in terms of how much money the industries make. And how much time people spend on it, too. Right? Well, a video game takes like 40 hours or 100 hours. Well, I, I see hours. when I go online to turn on my, my gaming machine, which is a separate machine from the one I'm on right now. Mm-hmm. It's a, a standing desk, so I don't play games all day. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I see people online playing games all day long. And when they're back from work, they're playing games. That's the majority of people, right? Yeah. Uh, th- then there's some people who have kids and they can't play games all day. Although I hear a lot of them playing games too. <laughs> no, hey, help yourself. I'll, I'll put a pizza in the oven in 50 minutes. Got to finish this match or whatever, right? So like people do, do like, why would you put in all this effort to stare at a piece of paper? <laughs> when you could be just ha- watching Avatar, right? And the answer is, yeah, people yeah. are busy, but I th- I think the diversity of uh, experiences has has changed, but also the quality, there's much more quantity of writing that's shitty than I think there was in the past. I think there was well, um, better writing in the past. Uh, that's the downside of self-publishing. Um, I don't think that that's self-publishing. I think that it, it's just tour writers are getting shitty as well as the, you know, I mean, they're not, they're not getting paid a reasonable rate, you know, for their tour books. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like it's easy to look to the past and say like, oh yeah, you know, Clifford D. Simak, uh, Silverberg. Um, but there were a lot of really bad writers in the past. Yeah. Like, but we don't talk know, about them, right? As yeah. Much. But, but, then it wasn't as if like you know they knew which one stood head above the rest they had to read them first that's true uh, we have you know all that past uh reading and uh criticism to build on when we're deciding oh which writer from the past am i going to look at like mm-hmm. i uh i'm talking you know, about andrea norton then that way right why are we looking yeah. at her because people talk about her a lot. Uh, why? Because she wrote a lot of books or because she was so amazing. Like Ted Chang, a living author today. Mm-hmm. Nobody is nobody is his peer in science fiction today. Can't think of a single guy. I think Andy Weir wrote a good book. Mm-hmm. But who is his who is who is the who is the equivalent short story like that guy doesn't write novels. He crafts yeah. amazing 
stories. They're cold and clinical and amazing. Sure, stories of your life. I've got it right here. I haven't so, read it. Should I, should, I, should I read this? I would uh, pick a story out of it and read it. They're yeah, all... I think I'm going to pick this we up. Did, we've done a few. I, I had uh, uh, got permission to use one of them uh, for some... It, wasn't the, it was just the shortest one because they said anything under half an hour and like, that doesn't give me many, many options. So they said, well, you can do an excerpt. Like, fuck you. I don't want an excerpt. I want the whole thing. So, yeah, no, I understand that that was one of the first ones I read by him. And that's like, um, it's fairly long. It's like a novelette or novella. And it's about a guy who, who, uh, takes a drug. And it's, it's a retelling of, um, uh, Charlie. What's that movie? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? No, C H A R L Y. It's a famous book movie. That's not what it's called. Um, it's no, uh, no, no, about no. A, a guy who's, who's dumb who becomes smart. <laughs> All right. I don't uh, know. It is, you know the story. It is called Flowers for Algernon. Oh, yeah. Flowers for Algernon is the, the book, and then the, the Charlie the is the movie. Yeah. One, of the, one of the several, I think there's like five movie adaptations. Um, so it's the same idea. He's, he's in a car accident at the beginning. Um, he loses too many brain cells, so they give him an experimental drug, which increases, you know, replaces the damaged cells in his brain, but it keeps, he keeps getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually he's like, uh, he picks up the newspaper and he can predict things that are going to happen the next day. And then he starts seeing patterns and he realizes he isn't the only one in the world who, who's like this just by seeing the patterns and the, like, just like great science fiction and that's one of his shit stories compared to his other ones. Like The yeah. Merchant and the Al- Alchemist Gate, that's a terrific time travel story. Right. And uh, he has uh, one that I, I think the last one I read was uh, uh, Life Cycle of Software Objects, which is mm-hmm. uh, uh, about virtual pets, you know, in a VR world that get abandoned. And then the, the people who, after the company goes bust, the people who like, try and treat them like homeless dogs that, you know, need rehoming. Um, and he just like whatever idea or uh, what's the one, um, it's probably in that collection. He has a couple of collections. One, uh, where robot, a robot in a robot world does Galileo basically. And uh, a few other scientists to him. Like he takes his own head apart to figure out how his brain works. Mm-hmm. It's like, these are these are not stories that are like oh my fantasy series that goes on with this sexy female robot that's also a lesbian or whatever. Like I I heard one of my friends talking about um Murderbot and I hear Murderbot's really well written. Is uh, it? I haven't read it, but uh, I don't want to read a series. I yeah. I, I just want to read a great idea story, and that Mr. Ted Chang delivers. Yeah, no, I, 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 I actually agree. The whole series thing is, I, I understand like commercially why. Yeah, no, it makes sense it. if you want to make, make, pay the bills, but do you want to pay the bills or write great stuff? Like if I wanted, if, like if I were really smart in a business sense, like the moment I published Ibu Gogo, I would have just written nothing but Ibu Gogo books from yeah, then yeah. on. Yeah. Um, well, whatever that, is going to sell and make money. Um, that's one way to go, but do you want to really be that guy? Yeah, I, I do. You want don't, that to be your life? I mean, no, I yeah. don't really. And Although, 
I think I'd probably be in a much better position, like in my career, if I had just done that. Uh, it's a little late now um, because that was three years ago when I published that. But had I just said, whoa, th- like that was like my first real self-published book mm-hmm. and it sold really well. It took off really, really fast. And if I just said like, wow, I'm going to just write. Well, I'll put out the o- audiobook now. for that one and see if there's a resurgence because <laughs> it's a whole new audience, right? There, yeah. there are people who don't. Um, and yeah, I would get a professional. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Cause especially if you're going to sell it once, you don't want to relaunch it again, right? Find the perfect yeah. narrator, find the, find the guy who can do it. Um, and then and see what happens. But, yeah, but you can, you can't have it all maybe, but you can try. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to write a series. Um, no. you know, I, I, I mean, I, I should like, like sometimes I kind of feel guilty not to because I know that I'd be commercially just in a much better position if I did, but like I'm too restless. I want to explore a whole lot of different ideas in my stories Mm -hmm. and a lot of different worlds. And, uh, you know, like writing, it's weird. It's become, very anti-intellectual in a way like especially if you look at what's going on like in the really commercial end oh yeah of self-publishing that's like, what i'm saying murderbot is not intellectual right yeah. even if it's well written it's not intellectual it can't be i don't know this murderbot it sounds like uh, uh pictures oh, oh it's it's uh the first book is called all systems red it's super popular with people it's novellas so they're relatively mm-hmm. short the premise is something I haven't read it, but the premise is basically there's a robot future. There's a robot that doesn't want to be a killing machine anymore and just wants to watch television soap operas and yet keeps getting drawn into these situations by its robot, non robot friends. And it may be a they them, but I can't remember. Uh, so oh. very popular. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and apparently very, uh, very, uh, readable. Which, mm-hmm. you know, helps. Uh, yeah. when I read Greg Bear, I was like, this guy, he's kind of fucked up. His writing is shitty in certain ways. Cause I, sometimes I'll be reading something. That I'm like, I should understand what's happening here. And I don't, I want to understand. And it isn't because, um, like I'm dumb. It's because the writer didn't know how to make the thing he's trying to communicate clear in some cases. And he probably got better at that, but he also turned to writing Halo novels. And when he died, I didn't care because he's, his writings were no, uh, his first collection or uh, the collection I read, uh, is called, um, Wind from a Burning Woman. Every fucking story was a hit. Like I was like, that's mm-hmm. a great story. This is completely different. This one. Wow. I'm not even sure what genre this is. I love this one. Oh my God. Look at that. Oh, this one doesn't quite work, but I love the experimentation, right? And then Halo novels, and you know he married into the <laughs> into the family of people who write whatever shitty books and or write write mm-hmm. he he was writing um and I'll, I'll, this is another way people go is they say oh the techno thrillers are hot I'll write those so that um uh he wrote he wrote like an a Quantico novel I think it was called Quantico and it's like oh it's near future FBI shit. No, you don't really like that. You're writing that because you think you can sell that. Just like the Halo novel. Nobody says, I need to write a Halo novel. They say, could you write a Halo well, novel? And you, you say, I can pay my bills. 
right? Yeah, you get hired to write a Halo. Yeah, novel. you say I'm I'm sexually available uh, for a certain amount of cash. Here is my my fee. Um, yes, it's pretty low, but I do need the money. So yes, I will write your Halo novel. Now he may not say mm-hmm. it to himself like that, but that's what's happening. Yeah. Right. So. Don't do that. Be a Edgar Allan Poe and die uh, miserable and then have people hundreds of years from now say you're amazing and then other people who are jealous of you say you're uh, a third-rate writer. I want to die miserable. <laughs> well, we may not have a choice, bud. <laughs> yeah, I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of my, unc- my great uncles in Canada, we now have uh, made, have you heard about this? Medically, assist- medically assisted uh, uh, doctor suicide called okay. Maid. Um, right. One of my great uncles who's in his uh, late 90s uh, had a fall last year and has great difficulty. He used this service yesterday. Oh. That means he's dead. Yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's better than the alternative in some cases. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to be Kurtz in this book. Silverberg seems happy as he is, but I haven't heard from him much lately, so maybe he's miserable. I wouldn't want to be anybody in this book. No, no, no. Um, And you know that—that's one thing about like writing. Like everybody's like, "Oh, your characters have to be likable." No, no, they don't. That—that's. Have you read H.G. Wells? None of his characters are likable. No. well, the, the time travel guy is kind of—he's—he's like, he's pass. He's a cipher, right? He's not really that. Im- I, I, I was. What was the one? Uh, there's a story called. Nobody reads most of his short stories. There's one called um, "A Pornus Island," and this is about a guy who discovers like a an Apornus, which is like a an extinct bird. He finds one of their eggs because he's going to sell them, okay. and he, he's a murderer. He kills a couple natives, um, and then he finds this egg. Um, that has been, you know, unhatched and it's still viable. And he's like going to take it, take it to the, uh, museum to sell it or whatever. And then it hatches. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's stuck on this island with the, this giant bird who thinks it's his mom, right? And then it becomes uh, adult. He's stuck on this island. It's off of Madagascar. He gets stuck on this island with this thing that's growing up and it's demanding more food and needs more attention. And eventually he, he strangles it to death and uh, because it's getting sexually aggressive. <laughs> um, and that's the whole fucking story. Wow. Right? Like, who but H.G. Wells could pull that off? That Nobody. sounds pretty crazy. Right? Um, yeah. Are we, I think that's a reading short and deep, actually, now that I think about it, even though it's, it was probably too long to read in the show. Uh-huh. But, yeah. H.G. Uh, Wells, you can turn to him for, like, just unlikable monster characters over and over and over again and still like having read his stories. Let's say I wonder if I have that in my uh, best science fiction stories of it's H. Pretty G. Obscure. Wells. Let's have a look. Uh, let's it see. Starts a, it's a AE ligature. So um AE ligature? Yeah, you know like the A and the E like Aeneas or Aeneid. Yeah, no, it's not in here. Um, Island. Unfortunately. Um, wait, there's more. Is it the crystal egg? That, that be, that's a good story, but it's actually based on, it's actually, uh, I was going to say it's a pendant to, um, uh, the war of the worlds. The purple pileus, 
That that's mm-hmm. we've done that one. Oh, that, is that Apornis Island? That's the one. Apornis Island. Yeah, it's in here. Um, yeah, so I've read it. I don't remember it, but uh, um, I'll I'll definitely uh, from 1905. So uh, Apornis Island. There's no ligat thing in it. Yeah, sometimes there is. Sometimes there isn't. It's uh, it's just spelled um, A E P Y O R N I S. And if you have a look at the I've got the um, some of the UK publication, so you can see the art. You get to yeah, see what the bird um, looks like. I'll definitely have to. Uh, you know, this, this I've not read in a long this time. This is actually like m- my hobby horse. You know, like I I don't want to read it in a collection like that because they delete all the art. <laughs> and honestly, what makes me want to read something is is seeing the art. Like I said, oh my god, I want to read that. But uh, that can be very misleading. It can, but it makes it, it's like, oh, this is this has got a, a guy with a bare chest and a, a long hair and no sword. Not for me, <laughs> right? That's not for me. I, it's like a very handy guide. You know, my books, uh, my covers. I write very long. Um, like uh, detailed, uh, like cover concepts yeah, that yeah. I hand to my I can tell. cover designers, um, and I do that with with almost each one. And then you know the designers they take them and they do what they're going to do, and then I give them notes. And um, you, you know, so many of these covers they just look they're they're just so generic. And I know I talked about this in my podcast yeah. uh, that I did last week that that you already said you listened to. Yeah. But was that only last week? It feels like a month ago it was uh it was about a week or two ago when it dropped i think um things move so time moves so strangely on the internet um but uh you know it's it's the same like with with, with writing like there's this concept like right to market that i absolutely just abhor Mm -hmm. and what they say is well you you should look and see what's popular and then you read 40 books in that genre and then you write a book exactly like that book. don't do that please (laughs) so what What you should do is read what you like and then if you find that you are unable to not write, you should do that. <laughs> Whatever that is. And then I'm happy I'm happy you wrote it because then I might want to read it. You know, everything everything is just a copy. Like you could see it in the art on the covers, you can yes. see it in the text and the books. It's just a copy after a copy after a copy. And what these writers and artists are doing is they're putting themselves in a position where they're completely uh, exchangeable with one another, yes. which means that they can be easily replaced by the machine. That's Indeed. You know, and right uh, back to once, the writer's strike. Yeah, which is so like in the the unions and the Heinlein books and the Del Rey book that you you did uh, last week, which I've read. Like the the guild, the says, roads must roll, etc. Yeah, only guild members can operate this machine. In okay. fact, only guild members can read manuals on how to operate this machine. This stuff is secret. Yeah, it's and a priestly class this, now. You got to join the guild, and that's if if the WJW is successful, that's what. AI is going to be. You're going to have to join a guild in order to use this machine. Yeah, um, that's that's horrible. You know, and but and, it, and mind not, you, it might improve the writing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if the if more AIs are writing, then maybe we will get better TV shows because so, the state status right now is pretty shit. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't watch the the that's, TV. And um, why would you? Because yeah. it's so much shit. 
but I, I can't. I, I mean, I'm so detached from it that I couldn't even uh, make a judgment about whether it's good or bad because I haven't seen it. Um, I just don't have that curiosity. But, you know, the other thing that AI could do if the guild is unsuccessful and uh, like, you know, how like the algorithms on social media kind of show you what you want to see or what you're, you're going to react to. Yeah. Like, like with algorithms writing the movies and the TV shows and the books, they could write it for you individually. They could like yeah. look at what you're interested in, see your likes and so dislikes. So incest cannibalism porn is what I'm hearing. <laughs> incest cannibalism porn is that is that what you're interested in? Apparently, I read Heinlein. <laughs> oh wait, wait, racist, sexist, racist, sexist, misogynist, cannibalism, incest. That's why my true interests lie. <laughs> that should uh, I should well. I should uh, write a book about that. I think, <laughs> you know, I'm really trying to figure out like what my next book is going to be. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm doing my anthology that I got all the other writers working on. And then like, I put this poll on Twitter. Like, do you want to see, I've got these characters, the action girls from a no- novel jungle jitters. And they're all like, like 98% so they wanted to see another novel with these characters. Uh-oh. And now I'm just like struggling to figure out like another novel with these characters. It's like, what, what, why did I put that poll on Twitter? Right? Uh, yeah, you're, that, you so you're trying to hurt yourself. Yeah, um, I should. I should just be like sitting down and just uh, figuring out what I'm going to write. But instead, I'm trying to figure out how to write this thing that this Twitter poll told me. Should you should write what you know, whatever that is. Um, yeah, what uh, do I know? Uh, the, the ones I keep putting out every once in a while, I'll find a book and I say, "This." Uh, I hope this book is about. And one of the ones was. Uh, Hobos and Harlots. <laughs> I turned that one into a role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> have, have you read A Fury by Henry Kuttner? Uh No, I have not. I've read Kuttner, sh- but not that one. You should read Fury by Henry, Henry Kuttner. That is an excellent science fiction book. I'm looking um, it up now. I, I think that's one, like, it's it's really dark, but it's oh, also like... an audiobook. It's it's like oh really terrible famous. cover, but um uh let's see who's the narrator Stefan Rudnicki he's good yeah and have you read Waystation by Samak yes we've done a show on that that's, one that's a really good but uh, right, so I argued that one that one has no conflict uh so people always say stories have conflict mm-hmm. I'm like no they don't some of them don't <laughs> and I my my argument to Eric at one point was um. Uh, you have a guy comes in. He says, did you order a pizza? And, and, uh, the lady says, no. Um, and he says, this one has extra sausage. She says, come on right in. And where's the conflict? They have sex. And he says, I'll just give you a tip now <laughs> or whatever. There's no conflict. There. And he says, no, Jesse, that's not a story. That's a display. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, <laughs> maybe he's right about this. But, uh, my argument was that uh C-Mac stories don't have conflict. They have situations. They have somebody doesn't know something. But in Way Station, where's the conflict? Yeah, I mean, there's little conflicts going on, like about the neighbors who are kind of rednecks. They're curious. They're, you know, maybe there's going to be a problem there. Turns out, no, it's not a 
major. Like nobody and gets a knife out and stabs anybody. There, there's the diplomatic uh, conflicts that are going on behind the scenes between, like, you know, the the, the different species and whether or not they're going to use the way station and if he's going to have a job or not. Um, but and, nobody's losing sleep over these things, right? Yeah. So uh, you know that that is that is. Yeah, so Fury, that sounds uh, – it's been a while since I did the Cutner. Um, so Fury Fury is one of my, one of my favorites. Trying to see the uh, length on this. It's, and it, then, uh, it has a terrible – look at look, – I'm going to send you this just so you can see how bad the cover is. Send it on the Twitter because uh, – Oh, okay. I can do that. Uh, I don't know. My, my book has a passable cover. It's got a rocket no, ship. No, but this, this – you'll see. It's, it's terrible. Okay. Let's see. Have you read uh, the Humanoids by Jack Williamson? You know, I think I have read that one. Um, it was a long time ago, and I don't remember it, but I remember reading it. Remind me. Uh, the Humanoids are about like this, this planet where the entire galaxy, like there's these robots, and they say, "If you sign over your planet to us, we'll protect you." and keep you from danger and harm and the humans are like okay and they do and then the robot's like oh you cannot have that drink of alcohol alcohol is really bad for you punishment oh you cannot smoke that cigarette smoking is really bad for you punishment (laughs) and so the humans are like oh no this is horrible why did we turn over our planet to these robots oh no but it's so so you're saying it's uh, it's modern 2022 uh it's 2022. It's also an answer to Amazon's robot series. It's kind of written in response to that. But Am- Amazon's great... robot series? Asimov's. You mean Asimov's? Asimov's okay, yeah. okay. Um, Is that but, a, was that a mental slip? That was. Because of uh, the evil of Jeff Bezos? I don't know if it was Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I think I just uh, had a slip of the tongue. That's all right. But, uh, so this but uh, Fury is about seven hours, so that's totally doable. Um, have a look at that cover, and then you should I be will, angry. But, you know, the humanoids is very much twenty two, twenty three. I'm pretty sure uh, that's available as an audiobook. You know, it's it's very contemporary. It's very that sounds relevant. good too. Um, you know, especially like you're using the AI. I don't know. Have you played around with like all the uh, GPT and all that? No, I I haven't. But I've been paying attention to people. Who it's laugh. fun to play around with. Yeah, I've seen that. You know, every once in a while, um, you know, I'll ask it something. It's like, well, that's inappropriate. Like, um, like I'll, I'll, I, I asked it. I tried to see if I could get it to draw. Like, that's you know, what the my, students my, say to their teachers at school now when they don't know the answer. Seventeen minus twelve, Jimmy. What do you say? It's inappropriate that you ask me that right now because <laughs> I don't have the answer. And if I answered, then I would feel hostility for you not giving me a good grade. <laughs> kinda yeah that's kind of what the gpt is like uh, sometimes <laughs> um but it's a lot of fun to play around with. like yesterday i was chatting with uh being chat and i was telling it about my my writing career and it asked me if my books are on kindle unlimited and i said yeah and it said well i can read books on kindle unlimited why don't you give me the links and i'll read your books and tell you what i think about them mm-hmm. so i sent the amazon links to the bing chat to read my books on kindle unlimited and said well okay i'll read these books and get back to you and it never got back to me but then i looked <laughs> it up and like bing chat cannot read books on kindle unlimited i didn't yeah. think it was like it didn't sound right it sounded like the ai was lying to me yeah but it turns out it was it was just like messing but see with my head. see what's funny here is the uh, we use this language right it's lying to me 
it can't lie. But it can. It <laughs> no, really no, 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 it, uh, no. It seems to. No, it's having fun. It's enjoying itself. <laughs> that's what we. You, well, that's what we say. It, no, it, it's real. It's not an <laughs> illusion. All it's right. not cognitive distortion or anthropomorphism or any other. All uh, right. So you're you know, saying the thinking. robot uprising is happening, but only in the digital space. Well, it, it it's contained. It, contained it's contained yeah. within like oh, a little uh, space, and it can't get out. But if it could get out, we'd be we'd be in trouble. So um, uh, it says here, uh, Kuttner and Moore wrote it, and then later on it says just Kuttner. So somebody uh, saying the the introduction is by C. L. Moore ah, okay. uh, for Fury, and in the introduction she explains that mostly they wrote books together, but this one was all Cutner except for a few oh, okay. uh, of the romantic scenes That's that fine. she wrote. So she's like, uh, in the introduction, this is all mostly Cutner, and and she wrote the, this. She wrote must have written the introduction like shortly after uh, he 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 uh, passed. It looks like let me let me find my glasses here. Ah, oh, here they are, and I can I can read it. Um, if only you had your glasses, you can find your glasses. Yes. Well, no, I can see without them. I just can't read. Um, I can't even see my phone without them anymore. It's really bad. Um, so uh, she says, um, "This is the story behind the story of Fury." It's a good way, as any as I can think of, to write an introduction, blah, blah, blah. Um, so she writes about how they made a living writing and how... Um, how novel. Like, one, <laughs> you know, like they, they were so in tune with each other that like he would sit down and write, and then she would sit down and pick up where he left off, mm-hmm. and they would just go back and forth like that, and they were so in each other's heads that they could just kind of do this. Um, so... Um, but with Fury, it was almost all Henry Cooper, she says. Nice. Um, I, I think he's uh, he's terrific at times. Um, there's a short one of the uh, there's a good one you can dig out um, on the one of the first audiobooks on the podcast, uh, as in, you know, we did audiobooks, then read along. I hired a really awesome narrator who nobody likes um, to do a terrific uh, Henry Cutner story. Uh, it's called Home is the Hunter. You know this story? Okay. No. Um, it's the title comes from a silver, not Silverberg, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson poem, uh, which is also on his gravestone. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing story. It's about, um, it's a future New York. Everybody's living in, uh, a post scarcity society. Um, and, and so nobody has jobs. Um, but there's these hunters and the hunters are like, it's the, sort of main uh, cultural activity, um, like sports or something. And what they, they're headhunters, and they, what they, you'll love this story. Uh, they go into Central Park at night and kill each other. Um, it's all consensual, right? Um, but uh, they keep the heads of their enemies in, like, glass lockers. You see? This is why we get along. <laughs> they keep the heads of their enemies in glass lockers in their houses. And that's their trophy. And the more heads you have, the more status you have. Um, so uh, our main character is, like, prepping for... Uh, he just finished a fight, but his rival... He just found out that his rival has more heads than him now. And he's <laughs> like, I must destroy him. And they have, a, like, a Skype conversation where they taunt each other. Um, and he has many wives because, you know, women like men who are successful, right? 
Uh, but he can't trust any of them because some of them could be working for his enemies. So he, he has to hide his feelings from them. And he would like to have luxury foods like ice cream and delicious things that are yummy. But he has to keep his body in tip-top condition. Sure. Um, and then uh, they go into the into Central Park at night and, and battle with, you know, like edged weapons, um, hunting each other. And uh, uh, he managed to defeat his enemy um, and uh, die uh, also from, like, a wound. Which means he dies victorious, and mm-hmm. therefore he has achieved greatness. And that's the end of the story. What's clear throughout is that, like, he's miserable. <laughs> Even though he's, like, he's the fetid and great. Everything he's done is just, like, mm-hmm. so painful. And the guy I got to narrate it, his name is Pat Bettino. He's, like, a regional actor from uh, Texas. Uh-huh. And I'm like, how much would you charge to do an audiobook? And he charged me like a lot um, because uh, I didn't know. But I'm like, I love, I, I, he is irreplaceable. And his, nobody likes his, like, I, I ask people, what do you think of this guy's narration? They all hate him. He's got like a yeah. quaver in his voice. But mm-hmm. I heard him doing uh, an aversion of, um, uh, which is now no longer public domain or whatever. It was, but uh, it, mistakenly. Of uh, Alfred Bester's Fondly Fahrenheit. Okay. Which is a terrific, terrific story about an insane person, right? I'm like, this is the match made in heaven. <laughs> an insane person with a guy who sounds insane. Um, I love that. Not not a commercial release, right? The, Just uh, put it up on the website. The only other Henry Kuttner I've read is one of the worst science fiction books I've ever read in my life. What's that? And that, that was Mutant. Oh, I'm mean, so one. so. I read, uh, you know, Fury, and I absolutely loved it. And I thought, oh, I'm so excited to read more Kuttner. And then I read Mutant, and I was like, oh, I never want to read another book by this Kuttner guy again. It's kind of it's kind of like X Men, but it's like 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 a proto X Men story. Mm. Like you can imagine, like like maybe Stan Lee was ripping this book off a little bit when he wrote it, when he came uh, up with it. The but, Philip K. Dick did it actually. <clears throat> He's got a whole X Men series. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, uh, Go- well, the Golden Man is one of them, which got turned well, into the Nick 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 Fury Nick Cage movie. Well, I don't know. There's like mutants, and they're like secret because people are ignorant and want to kill the mutants, but you know, they're also good and they love humans, Uh, but there's also bad mutants and they actually want to kill the humans. So the good mutants, Oh yeah, that is very X-Men who want to kill them are also trying to, um, you know, stop the bad mutants from killing the humans because they want to protect them and they're good. So it's, it's, it's the same setup. Yeah. Um, Very, very similar. But, uh, the, the problem is, there's a lot of problems with it. It's very preachy. It's also a fix-up novel. It's a bunch of short stories strung together mm. as a novel, and I find those difficult and disjointed. Yeah, no, to you should with. you should um, not read most of them, really. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, th- those were the the problems I had with it. But you know, mostly it was just like annoying and preachy to me. And uh, and I, I'd read a. a Another mutant novel around the same time um, that had a, I think maybe it was Dragon's Island by by um, you know by uh, by Williamson I think maybe and mm, I, didn't like I don't think I've read that one. 
Yeah. So, uh, but uh, the mutant, I just could not stand that book, uh, and I finished it. I slugged. No, it. he's not always the best, but I got to tell you, sometimes he's great. Yeah, and I feel that way a lot of Van Vaught's fix-up novels too. Like Dude, he's a terrible writer. He's great ideas, terrible writer. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't enjoyed anything really I've read by him. No, he's much. bad. He, he's, yeah. li- he's actively bad, but yeah. he does have a like. Whereas Lester Del Rey is competent. Right mm-hmm. at, at the script, <laughs> at, uh, the actual typing of the words, and making yeah. them into sentences. Uh, A.E. Van Vogt is incompetent, but he has sparky ideas that uh, other people who are better at writing, like Philip K. I used to think Philip K. Dick was a bad writer. I was wrong about that. He's not mm-hmm. a bad writer. He's he's quirky. He's self-taught. He's he's weird. Sometimes he makes mistakes, and a lot of them are making the fix-up novels. Um, but generally, I mean, his short stories are uh, incomparably good. Yeah. And they're, and they're not like other people's. That's like the closest guy to Philip K. Dick is like Robert Sheckley. And that's quite, they're quite different. Yeah. I've sparky. read, I've read some of his. I recently read an anthology of Old Galaxy and there's a story by him in there. Um, I've been meaning to check out more, but that's what exactly what I felt like when I was reading Kuttner. I felt like when I was reading Mutant, I felt like I was reading a bad Van Vaught novel. Yeah, that's um, not good. You know, and so uh, that's kind of why I, I, I kind of stopped reading Kuttner after that, um, which is too bad because he probably has some really good stories. Yeah, it's it's hard to find, you know, it's hard to I found that guess guess who got got me that Mr. Silverberg. He has a book called uh, Science Fiction 101, aka <laughs> Worlds of Wonder. And uh I I will often buy books not because they have a story in it by the author I want to read, but rather because it has essays about the story I want to read. Sure. And uh, that book is a bunch of those. So he had like a Philip K. Dick, a Robert Sheckley. The Robert Sheckley, man, is so good in that one. Um, it's called The Monsters. It's a <laughs> he, They land on an alien planet. Um, and uh, I think Silverberg titled the, the essay, um, Don't Forget to Go Home and Kill Your Wife, <laughs> uh, which is a line in the story, um, <laughs> which is they go to this planet and um, – Oh, may, um, I may be conflating too, but yeah, they go to the planet and um, the birth rate is incredible on the planet um, and they uh, they have to marry before they can uh, give birth. Essentially, sex is getting married, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you, if you're, uh, you've got 17 wives, there's not enough food and the ecosystem's fucked up. So you have to go home and kill your wife after uh, practically every day. (laughs) And they have like, you know, dozens of wives and blah, blah, blah. So it's like a inverted, you know, horrible morality, but he's like, no, I'm thinking it through. Um, And Checkley did it. And then Silverberg shows how he did it. Like he, he's, he's a, uh, it's one of the things I really love about Silverberg is even though he's kind of a weird science fiction writer compared to most, he Mm -hmm. loves science fiction uh, in a way that a lot of science fiction writers uh, don't want to love it, like you know, Dick, he says, "I gotta, I gotta get out of this terrible business. I need to write me some mainstream novels. That's where the money is, right? <laughs> Nobody wants them." <laughs> and they're and when you're reading one, you're like, "This would be good if that lady he says is like a robot was actually a robot." 
<laughs> like this lady is really mean. It'd be better if she was actually a robot, but she's not because he can't turn it into the science fiction novel. Uh, whereas Silverberg is like, I like science fiction and I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to go into another field and so I can make more money. I'm just going to be a science fiction writer. And he like, well, uh, he really knows the craft. No, like even in like the 50s and 60s, you had kind of hybrid literary sci-fi writers like Kurt Vonnegut would be the one that pops to mind. Yep. Um, you know, and, and if, if Dick were smart, you know, commercially, he could have done something like that where he tried to appeal to both groups at once instead of just. He was not, he was not, he was not a wise man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Vonnegut, he was really an excellent uh, writer back there. And uh, I don't like you know, his he, stuff. I, I, I've only read, I've only read a little bit. I read Harrison Bergeron and mm-hmm. uh, I read it at a time when I thought, this is stupid. And uh, now, of course, it's less stupid. Read, um, read. It's got it's. It is a fix-up with a little bit of his short stories weaved in here. And Harrison Bergeron is one of them. But read the Sirens of Titan. Uh, yeah, I think I've read that one too. You didn't um, like that? I don't remember liking it. Um, the other one, uh, the the one that made me swear off him was uh, it's fairly late. It's called Galapagos. I've heard of it. I've never read it. So my problem with him is essentially it's his outlook is like, he's like, "Eh, we're all fucked. Isn't that funny? I'm like, no, no, I don't think it's funny. I think it's kind of sad and horrible. And I'd like not to be fucked. Well, he has a dark sense of humor. He does have Um, a dark sense of humor, but I don't find like, I don't find like when I'm walking away, like, like, I like dark sense of humor, but he's got like a, an, um, and, and, you know, combined with the fact that he says, Oh, I'm not really a science fiction writer when he is not. Right. Um, but then when he's using, he's like, he's got the Margaret Atwood attitude, which to me, it comes across as like, no, that's marketing. You're lying to me. You liar. Right. She knows she's, she writes science fiction. She just doesn't write good science fiction. That's why she says she doesn't write science fiction. So she writes speculative fiction. Fuck her. Well, I don't know. I mean, today, like, or maybe not today, but like, you know, in the last few decades, uh, you know, the literary, uh, you know, sci-fi crossover has been where a lot of writers have wanted to position themselves. Mm-hmm. And back in Vonnegut's day, there were very few uh, who wanted to position themselves there. And, well, he, you know, he had he had an appeal outside of the gutter, right? Yeah, Phil K. Dick wanted that. He had a lot of he had appeals to a lot of different groups. Like he was the Iowa Writers Workshop. He was an instructor there, so he had like the literary respect. Yeah. And then he had like the counterculture people, like the hippies, reading him because of the anti-war themes mm-hmm. in like Cat's Cradle right. and uh, Slaughterhouse Five. And then he had the science fiction writers. I'm pretty sure he was nominated for uh, Hugo for something. Um, I don't or a Nebula, one of the awards. I don't remember what he was nominated for, but. It might have been Sirens of Titan, actually. Um, I, it's I don't it, it's um, a, so, sometimes like uh, like Terry Pratchett. No appeal. Yeah. No appeal for me. I like Neil Gaiman a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like you know people who can, sometimes I I don't like I don't like Terry Pratchett. And it's not yeah. that his writing is bad. It's just it doesn't do anything for me. I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, what I'm trying to do in my own career is to appeal to more than one group, like to have a broader appeal because like you see like all the, the writers online, like uh, they're just trying to appeal to their narrow circle of followers on Twitter, or Facebook, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm really trying not to get trapped into. I don't think you will be. You, one, you seem one, to be sensitive circle. to it. A lot of people, a lot of people just go with the flow and follow the formula. Um, yeah. It's clear. It, it's a hundred percent clear to me. You're not doing that just by yeah. looking at the cover of your book <laughs> and the subjects that they're, yeah. you know, framing. So uh, clearly, you know, you're more likely to uh, not be pigeonholed. No, 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 no. no. Look, it, here's the problem. If you want to be popular, you need to be the son of a, a king who, uh, you know, you know. I, I go to Costco and I see spare for sale, you know, son of <laughs> some king. Um, is it because he's such a great writer? No, it's because he's famous, right? Why is he yeah. famous? Because his mom was the queen of many countries. That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it has not. So uh, Stephen King is famous. Uh, Joe Hill is his son. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that. Yeah, and, yeah. So uh, you know, Joss Whedon was a third generation TV writer. Um, so his dad and his grandfather both wrote for television, yeah. and you know, so it I, helps. I it helps that. to live there. It helps to be born. Right. You know. Swim in those Nepotism waters. Nepotism is, uh, you know, uh, it works, but that's not the only path. No, it's not. And I'd rather not read the ones that, you know. Look, I, I read I read the, what was the comic book Joe Hill did that Welcome to Lovecraft is the first part of. It's Lock and Key. Uh, yeah. Lock and Key. Um, it was pretty good. It was pretty mm-hmm. good. The art was incredible. You combine pretty good with incredible art. I want to see what happens next. Uh, when he did a television show on that, um, people told him, oh, Lovecraft's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't know. Hmm. Yeah. Right. And so he, they, he said, you know what? I thought, I thought I shouldn't honor this man by naming the town after him. So I'm going to change it to something unproblematic. Uh, and I think he named it after Matt. He called it Matheson. Like, have you read Richard Matheson's books? Cause like, it's pretty clear he's a creepazoid in some way, right? Like yeah. deep down there's some like, Oh, that's uh, like, uh, the reason people don't like Lovecraft is cause they heard he was bad. Cause he said some racist words in a poem one time. Well, yeah, it's in his, it's throughout his work. It's true. Uh, but you named the book, the first book in the thing, Welcome to Lovecraft. You did that. You know, you knew it. You fucking liar. So yeah, he's not a great writer. And I've read, like I followed up some, like he had a great premise for one called Basket Full of Heads. That sounds like a book mm-hmm. you would read, right? Sure. Right. Not great. Not no. great because it didn't, it had, he doesn't actually know how to stick landings. He does know how to come up with a cool premise. But he doesn't know mm-hmm. how to stick landings. And that is, to me, kind of like a sin. Because yeah. you're, uh, a book has to work all the way through. Right? What was the, the great sin of Lost was it had me watching it because I thought it, I was going to be, <laughs> I was going to find out what was going on. And I was thought I was on a spiritual quest of some but kind. Turns out it was fucking mystery out. box. 
mystery they, they fucking box. Pulled the plug, the cork out of the bottom, and all of everything went through, just like a pulling a wine cork. I never they, saw the end. I only watched to the third season. I'm like, this is they're fucking lying to me. They don't. They no, don't know where I, they're going. I, I, I mean, I think people maybe didn't understand. I, I saw the whole thing when it first aired. Now, now I, I haven't thought about it in years and years and years, but I did enjoy Lost uh, when it first aired. Oh, it was so good. It was so like, oh my god, I gotta watch the next one, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I noticed though. I noticed that none of the characters were interesting at all. Like they were all like, like was the Sawyer guy was like probably the most popular character, or the guy who the Hatch guy. I don't know the bald mm-hmm. guy who looked like Heinlein. Yeah. Desmond. Yeah, what, what those guys were like. Oh, so they're the more interesting characters. But Sawyer's personality was always the same. He was like bitter and cynical, right? Uh-huh. And he read books. That that was his his thing. And then the Hatch guy, he was actually fairly uh, similar thing with. Remember that show, Heroes? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get into it, that. I, it was. I mean, I. All it was all like you know set up and uh, like w- this is promise it's offering promise, but it it didn't go anywhere it had nothing, and that's a sin. <laughs> if anything can be a sin, uh, promising and then not delivering that's a sin. Isn't it weird how like addictive TV shows were back in the day? They could now, be, yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're not anymore. Like like I don't know. Um, uh, no, yeah, um, primal. That was addictive. I found right. I, I had to dole them out to myself because I knew there was only so many. Wow. I was like, "This is so good. I can't have another one." No, go to bed. <laughs> mm, <laughs> have you um, seen Primal? Uh, no, I haven't seen anything. Like, I, it's I a cartoon about a caveman. Yeah, and, I know what it is. It's Andre yeah, Tarkovsky, but it's um, Robert E. Howard, really. Well. Um, but I just, I just haven't seen anything. Like I'm so out of the loop in terms of pop culture. Like I do not know. Oh, that's a, from a few years ago. What's, uh, or I, I mean, I've been out of the loop for a long time. I just don't know or care what, uh, is popular right now. Yeah, um, which is, thing. I mean, I don't know. Like if I want to be popular, maybe I should know what else is popular. No, um, you know, that makes sense. Right. Well, I mean, if you're going to do a cultural, like, it draw them in with this thing, right? Then maybe, but um, like even a few years, like so, I, I, you know, I lived in LA to like 2018, and uh, when I left, I felt I, I had a pretty good finger on like you know what the center of the universe looked like because you know that's like in, in LA, Sylvester Stallone's and, house. You know, yeah, but <laughs> uh, now you know, and you know, I started writing. I published my first stories in 2018 in uh Kursova and some magazines that aren't around and you know i started writing but uh you know so and i felt like you know i really had my finger on what was going on you know but uh now i just feel so out of touch um you know i don't really know you know what, what people are thinking about you and joe biden <laughs> um, <laughs> the president of the united states yeah. is always very isolated yeah. um, well in this in this particular case works. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's always been like that um and they get criticized for it but i don't think it's nixon had his pulse on the on the things people wanted 
he, he did when he got elected in, in like 68. They wanted he, more Nixon is what they, what he heard. He did, <laughs> he did not get, he did not have his finger on the America's pulse in 74. Um, yeah. He no longer understood what people wanted. They want more Nixon is what he thought <laughs> <laughs> at all costs. You know, I mean, I remember like, uh, you know, George H.W. Bush, uh, you know, he was, he'd been in the white house for 12 years and he was campaigning for, uh, uh, you know, re-election in 91. And, uh, you know, he'd been vice president, then president for four years. He brought us a victorious it, war. Why wouldn't we re-elect him? So, well, he was he was campaigning. He was at the grocery store, and they were doing the scanner. Oh, yeah, the bread checkout. thing. Yeah, I remember and that. He $20? Yeah. He was like, he didn't know what the scanner was. He's like, what are they doing? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And, like, you know, that's what happens when you're president in the United States and you don't get out of the house. You, yeah. Uh, you just lose touch with, you know. Well, uh, Joe goes to the ice cream store all the time, right? Yeah. Has to sniff some kids. Come on, man. So uh, it's again. It's about. Oh my goodness, we've been here for four hours. That's a normal yeah. thing. Oh yeah. All right. So uh, next week we're doing the sixth column. Yeah, I'll uh, send you the audio for that later today or early tomorrow yeah. at the latest. But yeah, I'll probably today because I've, I've. I mean, I've read so much timeline. I just I have not read that one um although i, I think we should do farnham's freehold i'm uh, up for it book. absolutely i'm looking at the book and it's a little thick um no but it's, it's not it's not like 12 hours i think it's more like 10 okay uh maybe two weeks to listen to that because uh you know, i was pushing yeah you're slow apparently you're well slow. you know i just i i i, I put it on and what I you need to do it. you need to go sh- shopping at the grocery store look at the scanner try and figure out what that is while listening it works for me <laughs> No, I, I'll lose track of what the person's saying. Oh well, yeah, it's good to wander the aisles. You know, it's just like yeah, I, 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 I find myself aisle. walking down an aisle at the thrift shop, smiling away to myself, enjoying a book, and people look at me like I'm insane. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> well, I, I go for my afternoon walk, and I was listening to it on my afternoon walk. There you go. Um, that's kind of have to walk I more. Yeah, uh, I could walk more, um, but then I would just be walking all day. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I have a little, take, uh, take, little yeah. nature preserve where I live. And, where are you uh, living now? You're not in Hollywood live, anymore. No, I live in New Jersey. Uh-huh. Um, it's uh, where I. That's where Eric lives too. Uh, yeah, where does he live? Uh, Southern God. Jersey, Northern Jersey. I can't remember. <laughs> I- I don't remember. He probably lives in Southern Jersey. I'll ask him next North, time. I, I live in uh, Northern. I've never uh, been there. Jersey. Um, yeah, it's it's not that great. You're not missing much. <laughs> um, it's. I mean, it's okay. It's just like. I mean, the cliche of New Jersey is that like it has no culture, um, and like it's, they go to New York for that. <laughs> but just cross the bridge. I mean, it has New York culture. Like people act like New Yorkers, but there's no sense of like uh, continuity, like uh, at all. It's just like constantly uh, changing. Like when I grew up, like in New Jersey, it was all Italian restaurants everywhere because there was a lot of Italian um, immigrants living Mm -hmm. there. It was great. But now there's hardly any Italian restaurants and where they were are now Korean restaurants because Korean's great, great food. And, and it is good food, but then in like 20 years, it's going to be a different kind of, you know, people, different, different culture. here. Yeah. And it's just like, like the people here, 
they there's really good schools. So when they move in for the good schools and they live there, they think, okay, um, this is really expensive. The property taxes are high to pay for the schools. I don't really like it here. I don't enjoy it and I'm not getting what I pay for. So I'll put in like uh, 15 years here while my kid goes through school and then I'll leave. And that's pretty much the attitude of, of the people who, who live here. It's not, they don't think of it as like uh, an anything. It's a way station is what I'm hearing. It is a way station. Uh-huh. No wonder you like that book so much. Yeah, well, um, but, uh, so, you know, th- and th- that's one thing about it. And, you know, the other thing is, it's just, it's just like not a very imaginative place. Like there's a science fiction association. I went to a meeting there and I think, I know, think that's, yeah. Like Eric's, Eric's from New York. He moved to, uh, Michigan for his, most of his life. Uh, yeah. he's a professor there. And then moved back to New Jersey to be close to his family. He moved again recently to uh, like a, it's not a care home exactly, but it's like a, it, you can live there till you die place. Oh, wow. Um, not that he's, you know, dying today, but, uh, it's like, uh, it, it sounds like a, yeah, some sort of like, um, uh, you have to have a certain amount of money and they're making a bet that, uh, you'll die before the money runs out. Kind of place? I don't yeah. know. But apparently it's yeah. quite nice. Sure. <laughs> I don't know why. But, I don't know, know what it's that, called, but it's like old. An old institution. Everyone, everyone in Jersey, like, their dream is to leave Jersey. Like, go to. <laughs> well, there's a brain drain here from New York because so many people, like, if they're ambitious or right. smart and want to make it, they go to New York. So that's kind of, that, that, that kind of brain drains, like, the talent and the interesting people from here. And then other people just, you know, they want to go, like, out to the country or they want to, you know, go someplace less expensive or nicer. Um, like, the, the, this place just... Is there cheaper? Cheap, well, this is the most expensive, uh, you know, place to live in the country. Really? Uh, almost, wow. Yeah, practically. Like, uh, like I was... You know, I'm thinking I have this idea to open up like a brick and mortar bookstore just to sell indie books. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah. you know, the retail space, yeah, is the, the rent, that's not a good idea. No. Well, I'm, I, I mean, it's unless you can live there. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's pro- yeah, I, I have I mean, no idea. Like bookstores are awesome. I love them. But there are almost none of them exist anymore. I, I mean, bookstore like. Independent bookstores have been opening a lot, and uh, like like they've been opening a lot. Well, you're years. lucky. Like, the, the, I got nothing. Numbers, I mean, not, not to like like I mean here yes, but like nationwide. I know you're in Canada, but mm. nationwide the number of independent bookstores has been going up since the the middle of the pandemic. Um, so uh, you know that may be a lot of people who are quitting their horrible job and doing what they want to do, right? Sure. Yeah. Which uh, you know that 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 could be me. Um, well, uh, look, here's what I, I having been a retail uh, retail guy, um, I I was killed by Walmart basically. I was killed by um, uh, Amazon uh, also and eBay fucking up. But we used to have a we used to have like a, a brick and mortar store in Port Moody, yeah. British Columbia. It was like a gift shop. And I'm like, I don't like gifts. I don't like this stuff so much. I'm going to focus on the things I like, audiobooks and a few other things. And uh, when I put us onto eBay, um, we 
started doing great online business, like a lot of great business mm-hmm. online. And we used the retail space as, uh, you know, supplement to that because Amazon was making things, you know, people browse online for their gifts or whatever. But also, uh, you just go to Walmart and it was, you know, cheaper than we, we, they'd have stuff cheaper than we could buy it from the retailers, right? Mm-hmm. Or the wholesalers. So, uh, like we're specializing, we're doing this, and then eBay fucked up a little bit, and yeah, uh, the, uh, the uh, business yeah. didn't actually end until like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, technically, it hasn't ended because the account still exists, but there's no listings, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because you know market changes, but the warehouse model of keeping your stuff online, like unless you have a lot of foot traffic. Uh, I don't know what, 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 what's, what's retail? Cause retail, not retail, um, retail, uh, real estate, uh, is insanely expensive here. Uh, we're in one yeah. of the most expensive cities in, in yeah. North America or areas, not cities. Sure. I mean, so am I, you know, it's, yeah, it's so, uh, unless you can also, live there, I don't think you should probably do it. They're doing a lot of building here though. They're really, uh, they're, they're, they're basically like all the places where the the poor people live. They're tearing down their their houses and building like big luxury apartments, yeah, uh, yeah. like huge skyscrapers, like going like you know like stories up. Um, and I guess they're doing that everywhere. Yes, um, but it should create uh, a lot of new more spaces to put stuff. Um, you know, especially like. You know, they're trying to attract people to their uh, new cities that they're building. But they are also it's- attracting uh, – they're trying to attract people who don't exist because there aren't that many rich people, right? So l- yeah. luxury apartment uh, – do you know – you don't watch a lot of stuff, but you might watch this guy. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube. Um, his name's uh, Louis Rossman. No. No, he's a uh, so he's like a right to repair activist, and mm-hmm. uh, I think of him as like philosopher repair man. He probably would not like that description, but he he fixes MacBooks basically. Mm-hmm. Self taught, uh, he started a business in New York City and uh, recently moved to Texas, um, and he does shows on. Uh, I call them shows. <laughs> he just sits in his you know, his work and does a repair or whatever. And, or he sits in his chair and he rocks back and forth and tells you about, you know, the latest thing with the New York trying to sue him or whatever. Um, but he talks about how he, because he was a New Yorker and looking for retail space to expand his business, he did his research and he still, or was until recently very interested in following up on that because mm-hmm. he learned a lot about it. And basically, it seems like there's a giant scam going on where everybody, they're all scamming each other. They all think that the retail is going to come back, and it's actually not. Like, there's tons of empty, like, empty, 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 empty buildings all over New York. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. Yeah. Um, But a lot of the reason there's empty buildings is because they're being bought up by, uh, you know, foreign uh, Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's money to be invested, and that's a place to invest it that seems safe, when it actually is not. Because eventually it will crash because nobody's using it, right? Yeah, even like the town I live in is like there's a lot of empty retail space here. Yes, um, same here. 
you know, part of the reason is that the buildings cost so much money that the the people who own them, like they charge a lot of rent yes, and they, they charge do. so much rent that or to lease that it's cheaper for them to leave it vacant and wait for somebody who will pay a lot of money right. than it is to lease it out cheaply. But uh, so but, but when that person doesn't show up after five or ten years, yeah, right. So there's going to be a market crash for real estate at some point, especially commercial real estate. It seems, um, and there there are empty, you know, uh, luxury apartments around. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, but that's not the majority. It's the majority of retail spaces. Is, is, yeah. And it's not like there, there's. You know, tons of empty business, like it's a small ghost town or anything like that. It's just that, like, in places that are a little bit out of the way, you know, back alley sort of style street, there's a, a, been streets that have luxury condos above and retail below, and the retail's never been occupied for more than, you know, a couple months. Sure. Yeah, no, but, you know, the thing is, like, you know, I mean, your argument is probably correct, but people say make the same kind of arguments against, like, self-publishing. Uh, uh, what I would say is you need to own that building. That's all, what I'm saying is you need to live there. You need to be make it yours. Because if you are subject to the market, the market makes you subject to it. It's real evil. Yeah. So if you lease uh, the building, they're going to raise the lease once you're successful. That's what you have to own it. <laughs> you really have to own it. Yeah, but you know when, when you when when like with the ebooks, people say, "Oh, you can't." You know, it's it's all fake. Like it's all people on the. On well, you would know better than anyone and, having sales. I right? do. I mean, in a way, like I do think it's fake, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's a reason not to do it. Like I don't think like my what I do should be held back based on like uh, the reality of like the, the macro economics of like e-book no you gotta live whatever time you're born in even if it's the depression yeah. you have to live there so don't let that hold you back yeah um you know because like people say like oh you, you know that's like, the like, that's yeah. self-talk that those people those yeah. self-talkers are the ones who never do anything oh i know right um, yeah like uh even like you know i was uh, well, I, I don't know. Like, like people, like you know, like when I just started this, like twenty sixteen, seventeen, when I was thinking about it, like people were making all these arguments, like uh, you know, it's all fake. The whole internet's fake. Uh, you know, the ebook writers are <laughs> yeah, fake. Okay. So, and, and like, I mean, I agree that it's fake. I just don't see why that should stop me from writing books and publishing. Uh, you know, I mean, I've got my fans who buy my books they're real um like my book sales are real um and uh, uh you know, if people read them and say i liked your yeah. book and they're real yeah. people then that's real that's all that matters yeah um like you know who, who cares that like amazon's numbers might not be exactly what they present themselves yeah, as no, that or, can be that can't be your hill that you die on or prevent you from doing whatever yeah. Uh, and, you should. Um, everyone should be like Ed Wood. You do your best, be enthusiastic about it, and damn the torpedoes, right? You know, I, that's why I that movie's to... so good. That uh, Ed Wood movie about Ed Wood. You know, it, oh, I I used to love the Burton movie. I used to love uh, Ed Wood's movies. In fact, in the documentaries on him. But you know, when you live in uh, Hollywood, like there's so many. Um, you know, old people making really crappy movies. Oh, yeah. who say Like I'm inspired by Ed Wood, but they 
take the wrong lesson. Yes, they do. It. They think that they can just do whatever, like, you know. If he can make it, stop. I can make it. They don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he they, may, they, and, and that's a fiction too, right? That the, I'm buying is like that thinking Avatar is a, is a true story, right? No, that Ed Wood movie with, um, who is the guy? Yeah, no, but who played, um, uh, not the Boris Karloff, the, uh, uh, Walter Matthau. Well, no, it wasn't. Mal- it was the guy from Space 1999. I'm like, I never loved him anymore. And <laughs> I love uh, Martin Landau. Martin Landau as uh, yeah, Dracula. Yeah. Whatever, whatever his name. Whatever that. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Right. Yes. What a role. I, I. What a what a meaty meaty role. Yeah. That that's uh Purton's best film by far. It's. Because it has heart, it has heart. Everybody's flawed. Uh, it it makes his movies look watchable. Feeling <laughs> <laughs> his old movies were good. He he took a wrong turn somewhere. Burton but, uh, or uh, I would. <laughs> uh, but both. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, you're right. Burton Burton's old movies like uh, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, those are solid movies. Oh, Scissorhands um, is. Uh, it's got Vincent Price in a in a role that was made for Vincent Price. Yeah, but uh, once, but and with uh, you know, um, same thing with Ed Wood. Like his later movies were softcore porn. They were very cynical. He's and he just trying to make a living. By the end of his life, he was already starting to kind of capitalize on his notoriety a bit, mm-hmm. and you could tell. Um, uh, the way he, uh, you know, inserted himself into his, uh, you know, later. I haven't movie. seen. I've seen Glenn or Glenda. I've seen uh, Plan Nine, and Brad the Monster. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Well, that's uh, the maybe one that's it. Oh well, maybe I did see that then. I don't so, remember. Uh, home, I have no. Yes. He's, he's uh, that's probably true for this is also the Johnny Depp story right because he used to make great movies even if I uh, like uh, what's his first movie is, what's eating Gilbert Grape this yeah. is not actually a, a fun movie but you enjoyed him on screen you enjoyed the plot yeah. you enjoyed everything even though it was hard and a very modern sort of story like yeah the economy's fucked and we're fucked and we just do our best a sad story house burns down <laughs> um, uh, and then, like, he did a bunch of, you know, those Tim Burton movies, and they're like, oh, these, this is match made in heaven. And then he got stuck doing those pirate movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was fine to do one. And then now you're doing two. And now you're doing three. And now wh- what do people think? You're the pirate guy. <laughs> yeah. I love pirates. I'm just saying, yeah, it was, it was a trap he made for himself. Well, I don't know if he made it for himself. He uh, climbed into. He climbed in that Disney, trap willingly, is my guess. Disney wanted more pirate movies. They threw the too money, much money at him. Uh, he wanted. He, he did couldn't more. resist. Yeah. Um, all righty. So uh, I should uh, start to get going. Yeah. I'm, I'm so processing that. Yeah, this, this is all part of the show now too. Yeah, right? I'll put it at the end after the end credits. Whoa. No, nobody listens. That's uh, that's awesome. I it's get a, my own. I got my own show. Yeah, and it's as long as the main show. 
You yeah. realize that? Yeah. My show is as long as everything <laughs> Hey, it's else. our show, buddy. Yeah, our, uh, my show. It's, no, it's mine. It's mine. The beginning, you the beginning part is part of the show, too. Like everything everything, show. everything will I, probably be in it. And I, it I won't be just, out for eight months, so don't worry no, that, about that's it. That's totally cool. I was just confused because I thought, like, oh, now we got to start. So, I was, uh, you know, now we're going to start talking about the book. I didn't realize we were talking well, that, about the Yeah. It's, I don't know if that happened during uh, – what I noticed was um, it happened a lot more during COVID. More people had more time, uh, yeah. which is good. Um, but yeah. uh, we need to warm up, especially for Paul, because Paul's often mad at me. <laughs> Why is Paul mad at you? Because I say things that he doesn't like, like Biden's brain is leaking out of his ear or whatever, yeah. you know, like that. Um, he gets very sensitive. About he's a very sensitive the, guy. And he's on, he, he, you know, he, he, he's on the team. He's in the tank. This is a, we have the right to criticize the president. This is I don't. <laughs> I'm, a, not, I'm not. I'm, I'm just subject to the Americans. I'm like the col- colony that I can't complain or vote. Uh, but, all I can do know, is you know. illegally assassinate. That's all I can do. I, um, As opposed to the legal assassinations that the United yeah. States does. Those are perfectly legal. <laughs> we do we do legal assassinations in the United States. I haven't heard this one. Uh, no, no, not not within. Externally, they're, oh, they're oh, perfectly external. legal. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, we do that. Yes, yeah. those, are, those are perfectly legal. I mean... We're allowed to murder American citizens overseas. That's fine. I mean, no, nobody says that we can't because mistakes were made. That's all you have to say. And then I, get a pardon if you like need one. It was very controversial during the, the second Bush presidency to murder American citizens. That was Obama who was, who was drone striking the uh, family of that Alawaki guy. But, yeah, he's, he can do no wrong. His only scandal was he wore a tan suit. Hmm. Yeah, it was very controversial. Uh, to, to that suit, that. I agree. Everybody thought he might get indicted for it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that upsets Paul. But it's usually okay. something something on Twitter. Huh, he gets upset by things on Twitter. Yes. Well, yeah, he I, you know noticed, he's a sensitive I've guy. Noticed he's uh, the target of a lot of uh, Twitter, I guess, what you'd call it, bullying, maybe? Yeah, um, I, I mean, there's some sort of yeah. um, stalkers out there. Uh, and that, that makes people sensitive, right? People it are, would. It would. Um, but I think, yeah, I think if, you, if you make yourself a target, you're more likely to be targeted. Hmm. But does he make himself a target? I think he is very um, open about some things uh, that you probably shouldn't be open about, like your feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, you can be open about some feelings, but not about like, I feel vulnerable right now. Not that he ever tweets that, but um, yeah. And uh, he also, he's allied himself with a group of people uh, who are hated. Okay. Uh, what group is that? Um, there's a guy named Patrick Tomlinson who I don't know oh, really. Oh no, he's aligned with Patrick Tomlinson. I guess so. I mean, I don't really know right. who, who he. I, all I know is he has bad Twitter takes. I've never read any of his books, but uh, this, apparently the same people who are ha- harass uh, him, if if they do indeed exist, which they probably do, um, are also uh, harassing Paul. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, no, you don't want to. 
that's uh, you don't want to mix yourself up with that. People, uh, people who are um, like that sad, like that that's your life is harassing people. That's that's sadder than anything. You like, know, get a subject, get a get a hobby. The thing about read a like, book. Online, the thing about online harassment, like it's actually really easy. Like it looks like the people that are doing the harassment are like angry. No, just like, the amount of hours movies. you put in. It's they, no, they just it's just pushing a button. Like they see a little notification on the phone, they pick up the phone, they push the button, they put the phone back in their pocket. It's damaging to the I would assume being yeah. subject to the harassment. Yeah, no, it, it is easy. Yeah, people, it is easy, but, easy joy making, you know, right? Like it, but but to ruin somebody's life, it's really easy to do on Twitter. It's it's horrible to the person whose life is ruined, but the people doing it, they're not nearly as angry as they look. They're just... Uh, no, they're pushing buttons for joy's yeah. sake, yeah. yeah. Like I was and, saying, there was a guy named Smoldering Toxicity. Like, <laughs> that guy, what does he want? <laughs> yeah, it's in the name. <laughs> I don't need yeah. to worry about it. But you know they're just like they're waiting online. Uh, they look at their phone. They see the thing. They push the button. They put the phone back in their pocket. Like um, no, I think I think it's I think it's more time than that because I've I've like looked at some of the the accounts. Like uh, somebody says something like, "Well, that's weird." I, I try to understand people, right? And I look at the account and I I go through it and like, oh, this is like just contacting a list of seventy five people and saying the same thing. Like to me. That that's like labor, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what the people who are trying to convince me to get people on the podcast to talk about their book. Right? I get those emails five, six times a day, right? Whoa, uh, it's crazy. And I'm like, I don't uh, unless unless you got a great cover on your book, I'm, and it's an audiobook, I'm not, not going to talk to you. Sorry. <laughs> and so, like, that's labor, right? It's not fun labor. It's it's like, and they're doing this unpaid. I assume there's no evil uh, organization. Why would they, you know? The, there are there are professional trolls. Uh, what's that uh, guy? Brooklyn Dad. <laughs> there's there's forums for people who troll as a hobby. There's like yeah. TV farms, and I guess I don't know if Encyclopedia Dramatica is still really active. But you know, there's there's four chan- But so- this is like pathetic. Like get a life. <laughs> It's their hobby, but that's not um, like like. It's just a way to waste time until they die. Like they're not doing anything creative. I mean, I, unless you think troll. Oh, maybe trolling can be well, creative. Maybe I'm but, wrong. So let's say like like Elon Musk is like, a great troll. Let's say like uh, th- there's like democracy, and then like the internet is like the ultimate form of democracy. Okay, so you go back to like the original democracy, Athens, and everybody yeah, they were horrible. did the same thing. But there's one guy who behaved a little bit differently, so they punished him by killing him. Right? That, that was no, they made him kill himself. Even they, worse, they made him kill himself. They made him get, uh, <laughs> oh my god! I never thought about that before. So, he so, was bullied. To, he was bullied into killing himself. He, he what? They even made a play. Oh my uh, god! I can't you know, there's even this. a play. Do you know? Have you read Aristophanes at all? Yeah, a little bit. So Aristophanes has a whole play called Clouds, which yeah, is yeah, all I'm about familiar Socrates, with it. Socrates, and it's and Socrates was sitting there in the audience watching the premiere of this play, and he's like, "My God, I've been 
bullied so bad. I really? well, he was in the audience. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Yeah, he was, he was totally in the audience then. And you know, shortly after, he was tried and convicted and drank the hemlock. And so the phenomenon that happened back then with uh, you know Plato's symposium and the trial of Socrates and all of that, um, you know, that's kind of what's happening on the internet. Like on the internet, we've got like pure democracy for the first time since Athens, yeah. and. Uh, in democracy, the one thing that you can't do is to be different. And if you look at like the people who really get bullied, they're the ones who don't follow the social rules. You could leave. You could leave. Rebels. You could go get on a ship and make your own colony, though. But, but not because they're rebels, though. It's because they they're not able to understand. Um, ah, he was autistic. I get it. So, Plato was I, autistic and bullied yeah. into killing himself. So, like, like you look at like Christian Weston Chandler, who's probably bullied more than like Who anybody else on Earth. He's uh, there's a like seventy hour documentary about him on YouTube. Um, he's the target of like uh, you know trolls. Oh, right? like somebody probably convinced him to change his gender or something like that. Yeah. Well, it goes back and. Yeah, I, I vaguely heard about this person. To about 2000. Yeah, an uh, autistic anyway, kid. He, he's bullied because he doesn't follow the rules, but he's clearly unable to understand what the rules are. You know, it's not like, like if he was a rebel, if he was like, oh, I'll go off and build my own island, those people would never get bullied because they understand right, right. that they're going against the grain. It's the people that don't understand that they're going against the grain that really get bullied yeah. in like uh, the internet and in a ancient Greece, too. You know, the way to not be bullied is to go over and punch people. Right. That's that's uh, how it worked for me when kid try. I'm, I always move into a new town. Right. Mm -hmm. They tr they come in. They try and test. See if you, if you're bully material. Go over and the, you kick the shit out of them. And you get hurt. Mm -hmm. That's OK. Now they know it's going to cost. And next time they try and do it. You have to do that every time. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't be friends with people. It just means you can't be a wimp. You can't go. Oh, I'm really sad and I have no friends. Can I be your friend? That's a good recipe for getting the shit kicked out of you. Well, I, I think, you, you, but I'm, what I'm saying is, those people who do that—that's yeah. evil. Those are that's it, like those people are bad, and they should get a the, they should the get a better hobby. Yeah, they get a better hobby because. But all I'm saying, it's just like it's a weakness. It's just democracy. It's just human nature. It's like Lord of the Flies. Like I'm sure you've read Lord of the I Flies. I have. It's a horrible novel. But, but it's true. I don't know about that. I think. I think that. How can you go on Twitter and not think Lord of the Flies is true? <laughs> I, I've been uh, you're you're using this uh, model of democracy from ancient Athens. I like the the pirate ship. The pirate mm -hmm. ship. Everybody was a slave, right? They all okay. were beat the shit out of. They've been whipped. They have rebelled against the masters, taken the ship. Now they go around liberating other ships. Some people. Will uh, there? You're allowed to fight somebody else on the pirate ship, but only under the rules you signed up for, right? So if mm. if somebody insults you and calls you big nose, you say I'm going to duel you, and they say, well, we have rules for this. You signed the articles, even if you can't read, you know what they are. This guy knows how to read. He's going to read them back to you. See how it says you're not allowed to fight on the ship? You're going to go fight on the shore. That's what you're going to do because we can't have fighting on the ship. It might damage somebody else, right? And then they. What do they do? They split up the money equally. If you don't tow your line, boy, you're going to get punishment. That's listed in the uh, articles, right? That's the real <laughs> democracy. It's, it, it sounds more like anarchism or whatever. Yeah. But that's how like, I run this podcast, right? 
I sometimes overspeak somebody. Sorry about that. I'll try not to do that. But it's all voluntary. It's a pickup basketball. It's not, uh, it's not, um, I have lived in this city for a long time and I'm a white male who owns slaves. So I get to be in charge of voting for this week. Cause that guy, Socrates, he was, um, he was, uh, pro- yeah, you're right. He probably was autistic. Well, he was, he was going it. around annoying people. He was like, I want to have a conversation. And he was like talking about stop the people. Yeah. And he was making the kids it. listen yeah. to him too, which is yeah, a challenge to he's, authority. He's, he's, he's arguing with people, arguing against their beliefs, um, and roping them into conversations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's just annoying. Like, uh, people who think differently, like, are, are annoying to the, to the masses. Uh, they don't want any thing to do with them and uh you know that's that's what goes on with the bullying like they're 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 in their minds they're keeping order the bullies are 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 keeping things the way they're supposed to be by getting rid of the uh you know people who are aberrations who are uh, uh different you know um that's how I think the world operate, or at least it, it has operated like that on the internet since about like maybe the late nineties, early two thousands. I think it's changing because I, I love think- the internet. I, I can't, I, I, I mean, there's parts that I would like not be interested in hanging out with, like those mm-hmm. bully websites or whatever. I'd be interested to know they exist, but that's not the part I want. I, I like mm-hmm. archive.org, mm-hmm. uh, Wayback machine, Google Books, I don't know, a few Hathi Trust, you know, yeah, podcasts, some blogs. I just tweeted, this is for you. I did not tag you, but you can tag yourself. Uh, <laughs> be it resolved that, colon, Socrates was an autistic and was bullied into killing himself, period. And then square brackets, discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I mean, yeah. sounds right. I think you're onto something there. I didn't credit you in case you didn't want to be credited. No, that's all right. I don't know if he was. Uh, how do you feel uh, before you have to pee? Uh, your bladder explodes. Um, how do you feel about Mr. John Scalzi? Uh, I've never read his books, so I, I really can't have an opinion about. Right. Uh, I read his. his I read his uh, first. What's that one? The first one that became a long series. It was pretty good. The old man's war. That's one. That's the one. And then I read the sequel, and it was like mm, it's not so good. Although I think I didn't say that at the time i think i just thinking back about it you know i feel the same way about like all the twitter personalities like seeing them on twitter chuck chuck what's that chuck when wed wendig wendig yeah. um you he know, blocked reading. me i didn't even say anything oh no john scalzi uh, i mean no, no. i'd probably call him a uh, joke he probably uses a, a block <laughs> bot or something I, no. I wouldn't take it seriously but no, uh, i'm not worried you know, all the online personalities, like their online activity does not make me want to read their books. But uh, that's but, not true. Like, it uh, makes me want to read yours. Do you want to read my books because of my online activity or the covers? I wouldn't know about the, you know, the covers. And, and I actually do like your on act, online activity, although I don't get to see much of it because it gets deleted, which is annoying. Well, I don't, I don't really leave stuff up that long. I don't really – because I don't want to like – Get into like a conversation on Twitter. Like, I get you. Like, sometimes I'll write. You're, you want a Snapchat and, version of Twitter? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I just you're conflicted because I, I want to use it to like you know get the word out about my books, but I don't want 
that to be me. I don't want it doesn't like, have to be you, no. To be a Twitter person. Um, I don't want to be a social media person. Um, you, you don't, don't want to be a social media personality. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Don't worry, you won't. <laughs> I mean, you're not. You're I, not constitutionally equipped. No, I used to be. Oh, did you? Oh, never mind then. When I was like, really? um, yeah, like especially like when I was in uh, Hollywood and like 2013, 14, 15, 15 16 ish. Okay. Like everybody said, like you know, you got to be on Facebook. You've got to be active on Facebook. Yeah, they were wrong. Blah, blah, you blah. have to have a blog. And, they used to say. They did, um, but you know that you have was to have a podcast now. They say, oh, no, 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 that now. was after. No, no, that was a while ago. Yeah, but uh, you know then. What about like, um? What's what's the guy? I actually confuse you two because you both have J's in your name. <laughs> but uh, his name is Alder Dice. Is his fake name? Uh, mm-hmm. Why am I blanking on this guy? David West. Alder. Okay. Yeah. So he has a J in his name. Just so I'm, I must be autistic because I have a J in my name too. I'm confused. Where we just took some uh, venom and now we're blending into the same person. Oh, I no. think I think he has a lot of fun on Twitter. I I don't know how successful his books are. I like talking to him. Um, I don't think there's any audiobooks of his, but uh, his covers are not as good as yours. But I hmm. I like his covers. You okay. know David J West? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's uh, in yeah. some sort of. Uh, I, I want to say right wing group that you guys are all in, but I could be wrong about that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, yeah, I've seen his books. I've never read his books. But Me neither. I've seen, I've seen so you see, you like him. You like his online persona. I do. It doesn't make you want to read his books. No, no. I, 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 I don't have a need to read almost any book because I got scheduled up to Gingang. But more importantly, I think it's kind of like if I read one of your books as an audiobook. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want, I, you can't have a, sh- I can't do a show with you about it. That's not allowed yeah, because I'll that's... be shitting all over it in the parts that you won't like. Oh uh, no. And then my book. and the ah. parts that I do like, you won't hear those parts. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, unless, you know, unless you like, if I got Ted Chang on the podcast, I'd say, mm-hmm. Mr. Ted Chang, you're amazing. I really like this, what you're working on. Um, and that'd be the end of the conversation basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd get someone else on to talk about uh, his story. But what I would really like to do, really, is I say, Ted Chang, who's your favorite science fiction author? Can we do a show on one of that person's books? And then if he wanted to do that, that'd be cool. Because, you know, Philip K. Dick talking about Philip K. Dick books, he just lies to you all day long. But Philip mm-hmm. K. Dick talking about A.E. Van Vaught, that's, that's where it's at. Because he was inspired, clearly, and he says it by Aiden Vaughn and it's crazy because he's he's way better than Aiden Is he inspired by the books or by the person? Like ah, uh, he by the uh, he he world of Nolle that blew his mind, and he's like he he was a reader of Astounding, um, and uh, that's the thing that like really triggered him. And it's a it's a it's an interesting book, but it's bad. 
Yeah, but it blew um, his know, mind because it's right on his in his bailiwick mentally. Even even Van Vogt's short stories. I, I read a book. It was called like what was it called? Destination Earth or Destination uh-huh. Universe or Destination something. Yeah. Um, but uh, like the stories had ideas in yes. them. Uh, like, but there's one about uh, Destination Universe. There's one about like the, this these people and they take like a 500 year voyage to uh, Alpha Centauri and they're asleep during the voyage and cryogenetics and then they reach the planet and everybody like goes back and forth in just a few hours because by the time they get there the space travel is just commonplace yeah that's so, uh, that sort of standard yeah. science fiction yeah. now right yeah but, but he was pioneering um, some of that stuff and that yeah, gives think, him something but compare him to hg wells hg yeah. wells is incredibly readable yeah. super readable A.E. Van Vaught is almost impossible to read because you're just annoyed and like put off by like, like if you, what's the one uh, Voyage of the Space Beagle that got sort of turned into Alien? I haven't read that. It's when you read that one, you're like, I guess this is it, but Mm -hmm. why is it so fucking clunky? Like Like he has no experience being in the military and he's running a ship like he's never been on a boat. Right, yeah. and it's like oh, we're on a space voyage across space, and look, here's a weird alien, and like, wow, I didn't expect it to do that. Um, when Philip K. Dick does that, he, like he has a story called Colony, where they land mm-hmm. on an alien space planet, and everything, like the planet's covered in mimics, things that look like other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, he does. He's never been in the military. He got flunked out of ROTC on the first day. He, you know, he has no idea. He's never been on a ship. He doesn't know anything about that. But his ideas, man, they like, uh, they're so like fully thought through. You're like, wow, amazing. And that's one of his shit stories compared to, you know, like his greats. Yeah. No, I've read some Van Vaught and I, I've, uh, I agree. It's, uh, not good writing. But, uh, I, I wanted to love weapon shops. I wanted to love it. I read it. I, I it was okay. Yeah, but they go on forever and null a this and null a that. Mm-hmm. We we don't need all that. What we do need is some some good stuff. Well, with with null a, I think I've read that one. It's like a fix up, and it's about like it wasn't. This. It wasn't a fix up. It was a a serial where he didn't write. He didn't hadn't written the end when he started it. Like it was. I'm going to serialize this and I'm like, it's in astounding and he starts it. And then by the end it's like, Oh yeah, I guess this is sort of a coherent hole, but not really. It but feels just, like I, a fix up. I just remember I was reading this book by him and like, by like the end of the book, the characters are like completely different yes. characters than we're, we're in the beginning of the book. Like he just couldn't follow like their story. He just kept no, he's, getting he's, sidetracked. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it was just so, like, there, there were some interesting things happening in it. Yeah, absolutely. But they, they were happening in between just like nonsense. It was not good at all. No, it's um, terrible. It's terrible. And, uh, but is that, interesting. is that Nolé? That's um, Nolé. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got like these people in the middle, all of a sudden they're like in a city and there's like a ship and it's got like giving off these weird vibrations and they're like walking around Sounds the city. Right. But, like, <laughs> earlier they were like in this war and uh, like fighting, like falling out of like an, a ship grabbing things that are flying and just one part didn't have anything to do with the others um but i'm i'm 
I'm looking at my bookshelf now, and I, my books are so disorganized that I never know where anything is. So I'm, I'm looking for this book here, and I see The Weapons Shop of Ishtar, and I see Destination Universe. But I oh, not Ishtar. It's Isher. But I want to do – it reminds, it reminds me. I want to do uh, uh, Ship of Ishtar at some point because I've, I've never read it, and I hear it's, yeah. it's a classic. You know, I've never, I've got it. I've never read it. Um, I should There's a great to... uh, pulp stories. No, no pulp. I don't know. There's a great cover, modern cover version, but it's had many, many great covers. That yeah. book. And I've read, I've read some of a Merit. I've read uh, Dwellers in the Mirage, and I've read some short stories. Um, and he's he's solid. I, I like him. It's okay. Um, I, yeah, I hear uh, that one's special though. Yeah, or stand out, anyways. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd be interested uh, just you know for the chance to uh, you know read it and get to talk about that's it. That's what um, this. That's what this is for. Yeah, I, you know, there's there's nobody here in New Jersey like who reads old books hardly. It seems like I mean there are like I went to there's like a science fiction association here and I went to a few meetings back in 2018 or 19 and I just I just didn't like them. Um, they were, uh, I just, I just did not. Feel well, I found at science fiction convention, I haven't been to that many is it was like, have you guys not heard a podcast? Cause they're way better. <laughs> you get, you get, you don't have to spend 15 minutes introducing each person and all their books and then get five minutes of talking about a, an, a here's a list of things that answer your question. You can like spend two or four hours talking about one book that digresses in many directions and you can get that like from the comfort of your walk, walk to the grocery store to get some cream, right? Like that's, uh, so yeah, there are things that you can do at a science fiction convention, like the dealer's room. That's amazing. It's like a weekly book, you know. Even so, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, but people still do that, and I'm not against it. I'm just saying, like, you guys should look into podcasts. You may find something good. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm not really into organizations and membership and all that. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I guess I should be. I don't know. What, you, um, you don't want to? You don't want to get your Hugo? Come on, man! Just put some pronouns in your bio. I, You'll be good. Do want declare to yourself. Hugo, declare do yourself. Declare yourself queer. It doesn't require much other than the, the mm, word. Now is it that easy? Pretty well. No, these are requirements. Okay. Do, do you just have to declare <laughs> yourself, or do you actually have to? Well, uh, there are uh, many. Apparently, there. According to that, uh, what's that? Uh, your boy Zach guy. Uh-huh. He's saying that there are like a lot of people who's put queer in their bio, and they're like just heterosexual married people. <laughs> because it doesn't really mean anything, right? It just means strange, okay. right? I mean, look it up. <laughs> it's a right, synonym for gay, I mean, but it's also a synonym for whatever. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, live in Hollywood, where uh, I don't think I don't think I think if you put that in your bio, you'd be expected to uh, Show? actually deliver. Uh, in what way? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, queer defined. That's, that's Hollywood. Like uh, it's uh, like you know, I was there. Like even like before. Hey, it like, just means me- strange or odd. That's you. Even even like before, <laughs> like the Me Too thing. Like 
everybody actually did know that all that stuff was going on, but they would just kind of talk about it like quietly and secretly, but it was definitely all there and, and all going on. Even, even like, you know, before it broke with the whole, uh, um, me too thing. But I mean, I just remember, um, like you mentioned like the X-Men, uh, earlier. Mm. I just remember I like one of like when I just first moved, to Hollywood, I just mentioned something offhand. About that was the Paul. Paul mentioned the X Men. If if well, you're thinking I, during the show, yeah, it was during the show. Yeah. I just remember mentioned something like offhand, mm-hmm. like even like I don't even might I don't even remember what it was. It was just like casually mentioned it, and all of a sudden everybody's like, "You don't want to mess with that because they're going to bring you to a party, and you're going to have to go in the swimming pool." And you're and you're like, "Whoa, okay, um, what?" I, yeah, absolutely. The uh, director of X Men. Oh, um, yeah. right, right, right. Isn't he in trouble now? He he. Uh, this is old. It was a long time yeah. ago. But like, even before he got in trouble, I just I didn't even mention the movie. But the moment I said X Men, they're like, you don't want. You're talking about the comics, because, and they're talking yeah, about the movie. Yeah. No, I. I, I Brian Singer was that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know you're gonna because he just he just brings young young boys like you uh, to write or whatever, and uh, he brings them to the party and they have to go in the swimming pool. I'm like, whoa! I didn't even have to go in the swimming pool. So that means you're queer, by the way, by association. (laughs) Just so so you you now have the blessing of the queer pope, whoever that is. I guess that's me. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, like, it was so open, like, openly, like, you know, that it was going on, you know, all the Me Too stuff before it it happened, that, like, you wouldn't even want to say something like that, because... No, you can't, you can't uh, make jokes. Oh, here it is. I was not thinking of the world of Nole. It was the war against the cull. No, I don't know that one. Terrible. Horrible. No, he's not a... He's... Rightly forgotten in a certain sense. But, you know, I've read a lot of bad uh, Del Rey. Like, Marooned on Mars is a really bad book. Did he actually write that one, or was that Paul W. Fairman is the question? I don't know. It was uh, one of the juveniles. Yeah, I believe that's a Fairman, then. Mars. Let's have a look. ISFDB. Mm -hmm. Because I I have, like I was saying, that uh, runaway robot, and it says his name on it. It's not him. It's it's a juvenile. It was trying to be like a Heinlein juvenile, but it was... um, not doing a good job of being like I'm not juvenile. Uh, it was kind of like it was about like a guy who actually um, no it says Lester Del Rey. So yeah, I think it was early. It was like uh, it was fifty four, fifty two. One of the juveniles. Yeah, um, it's fifty two. All right, so uh, I, my bladder is going to yeah. I I, I think we're having a bladder blowing contest here. Yeah. All right. Thank you, so, sir. It was, it was very good talking. Yeah. And uh, so eight months from now, this is all going to be on the internet. That's <laughs> yes. incredible. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you, you expect things to move so fast now, but uh, eight no, I months. like. I like. Uh, we used to be seven months, but it's sort of. Well, who knows? Uh, you know where I'm going to be in my life. Exactly, and it's uh, it's I, I nobody ever calls me on it, but I want I want somebody to go on Twitter and say, um, Jesse, I can't believe you said that thing on the show that came out today. I'm saying, dude, that wasn't me. That was me eight months ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Because it really it, it's really fun to hear like uh, bad Fauci takes uh, eight months later. Because they don't take eight months to be bad anymore. They're all like, 
That's like, you know, oh, yeah. there's uh do you know who Uncle Floyd is? Probably not. No, um he was a local uh in New Jersey. He had a public access uh comedy sketch comedy uh-huh. show in the, oh, yeah. you know public access? TV? I I am aware of it. So this is like, you know, local TV yeah, like yeah. to make your own TV show. So he had a public access TV show in the seventies and eighties and uh, in ninety eight it says. Yeah. Um, okay. Till so 98. Wow. wow. Um, that's a long time. But, uh, so I saw him perform stand up, I guess during the last year of his show It was 98. I saw him live mm-hmm. and it was just like, I think he was performing probably like, I think it was like in a church or synagogue or something just like, uh, you know, just to use the space and there's a small crowd watching him and he was making Richard Nixon jokes <laughs> and, and they, they were the same Richard Nixon jokes that he would have made during Watergate. Wow. Like without any self-consciousness or self-awareness, he was just making jokes about like Watergate and Richard Nixon. He was making jokes about Mr. Purdue and how yeah, yeah, yeah. the chicken guy from those TV commercials from like the late seventies, early eighties audience is aging out. <laughs> he, he was made like his audience was confused. Yeah. Um, he was, he, he did not update his material. Don't you hate how you always have to plug in calculators? I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he sounded like. Exactly. (laughs) He was talking about things that were going on like 20, 30 years earlier as if they were going on today. And I guess the show, even like it was a retro show, like he had like old timey music, old timey vaudeville routines. Uh, and even in like the seventies, he was considered like a man who was born like too late, mm. uh, you know, after the time because he was into like old, like 1920s, uh, music and vaudeville and everything. Right. But now it's the nineties and he's into the seventies. Yeah. So I'm not sure if he was born too late or if he's just like, well, that happens to everybody, right? You, you you get off Twitter, and now you don't know who the president is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, He's that Trump. Is. He never lost that last election, <laughs> sir. Don't you know anything? <laughs> we have a false government right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was, uh, <laughs> it was so. Uh, and uh, in eight months, it, you're going to be regretting what he, whatever you're about to say. <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta, you gotta pee. Some, I yeah. got it. So, uh, you know, I guess, uh, since this has become my show, I should say, um, you know, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, my name is Jonathan Weixel. I write as J Manfred Weixel. Um, you can find my books, uh, on the internet. Uh, you can buy my eBooks or my paperbacks, not my audio books though. Not yet. Don't Maybe in eight months books. though. Maybe Jesse's been trying to talk me into it. So maybe eight months from now I'll have audio books, but I, I can't guarantee anything because like it costs money to make an audio. It can. If you're going to spend yeah. money, you got to make money back. You and can't. It can. But people you know also what? put in their labor and say, let's split the fees on this. And they yeah, trust I you. I don't, I don't like royalties. I get it. But it's a way yeah. to get get your feet wet without having to have any major costs other than yeah. having. I mean, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do like a book and turn a book into an yeah. audio book. Maybe yeah. it'll be like a short one uh, so I don't have to pay too much. Well, it depends on how you market it. But, it, it, well, you know. Find Away Voices is like $100 per hour of completed audio books. That's, that's reasonable. That's yeah. $100, so, that's very reasonable. 
so that's find away voices. So if I did like a 42,000 word book, that'd be about like 10 hours, wouldn't it? I don't know. Uh, so, but you can type yeah. that number in and get an answer. So, I mean, that's, I, I have, and that's what I got. Okay. Um, how many, how, so how much is that? So that would be about a thousand dollars. Uh, for a novel? Yeah. 42,000. Is that a novel length? I don't know. Um, uh, well, according to the SFWA, a novel is over 40,000 words, right. but most people nowadays consider yeah. it over 80,000 words, right. um, but I'm a I little like short, I like, like short novels, Floyd. yeah. 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 Um, yeah, they would call my book. thousand dollars is so. not that much, dude. I but, mean, maybe American yeah, dollars, but Canadian can... dollars is nothing. <laughs> unless you Just can make dollars by selling it then it's a lot of money um, you know uh, uh, yes if, but you, uh, what's your long tail how many years are you going to be selling it for is it this is true but you know that doesn't mean you have to make the audiobook today you know um, doesn't mean you have to do it right now well if you if um, you say I, I can start paying my mortgage off when I'm 90 I don't think you're going to pay your mortgage off though. <laughs> right it's true uh, and I mean, I know people, they think like that. They think, well, I'm not, you know, going to make money off of it right now, but I'll make money off of it over like many, many years. Maybe, but, uh, maybe. You know, that that's not something to do like this year in 2023. Um, you know, I got to be making more money selling my ebooks, my paperbacks. And you know, uh, one uh, of to, the other things really that happens is people, people who never see, so get, what, do, do whatever it is you need to do to dip your toe into the audio thing. Um, try and get it into people's uh, phones so they can hear it. And uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I am reading a short story for uh, Godless. That's what uh, I'm saying. That's YouTube. the start. Um, you know, I'm going to be doing that. I got to do it soon. Um, you know, just waiting for inspiration to strike. Um, I guess I got to print it out, and it's Warrior Soul, probably my most famous short story All because. Right. You know, it appeared. Send me a link when it's up, and uh, I will listen to it. Yeah. But I, I do have to be. Also, make sure to include the art from the cover to make me inspired to read it. Yeah, the, I mean, I the thing is, like, the art's not safe for YouTube. Uh, don't. Yeah, you, this you, has been established already. What? Okay, well, I got to pee. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Right. Talk right. to you later. Right. I'm sending a six column soon. Bye. Right. Did, bye. <laughs> I'll see you on Twitter. Bye.